You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. This is episode 503, legacy number 503, I say. And with that, we have another big, long podcast, even though, I don't know, I've been told size doesn't matter, but you, you know it does. It really does, so don't even be fooled by that. And Eric is still away, so I ended up having a bunch of people Come on and help me out. And I really do want to give a shout out to all of the people who ended up being co-hosts this week. I really do appreciate them taking their free time to come and help me out here on the show, especially with this many books. And I mean, we have some big books, some good books, and we also have Hawkgirl. There you go. But with all of that, we have other things going on. If you want to help support us for everything that we do here on this podcast, and get a ton more podcasts, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. And if you go there, you'll get a ton of shows. Each level that you go, you get more and more shows. And there is a plethora of times like a million shows over there. But one of the big shows that we end up talking about all the time, just like Ed Sullivan used to about the big show, right? It is the weekly DC Comics Badass Patreon Spotlight Podcast. And that is a show where two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, uh, uh, we end up talking about those. And this week, they ended up deciding to pick both number ones. And that means that they picked Green Lantern, War Journal number one, and Wonder Woman number one, War Journal by the old Philip Kennedy Johnson, and then Wonder Woman by Tom King. And I was joined by my man Rocky to do Wonder Woman. And then I was joined by my man, Mark, from the Second Print Comics podcast and YouTube to talk about Green Lantern Word Journal. So if you want to listen to those two big books, you just have to go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, sign up and just have a, a ball. Just go crazy by signing up and listen to everything. Listen to all them podcasts. I dare you to. Because I think the last time I checked, and I could check while I'm talking here, actually, but there is over 4,000 episodes of podcasts. You know, everything. It's not just one show. It's not just our DC show. It's everything, including Marvel, indie, DC, obviously, but also manga. And we have cartoon movie shows. It is a, literally a family that is a network, but isn't a network because it's a family. Oh, that's how we say it around here. You can tell I'm all fired up. I'm actually fired up to go to bed. When I'm done here, I am going to hit the hay, as they used to say back in the old country. But here we go. I already said about the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh, uh, they they pick the spotlight, but they also get their own spotlight that we like to call the badass roll call. Oh, yes. Eric's not here to stop me from beatboxing or doing a little freestyle rapping. Uh, but... I'm not going to do that because it would be terrible. So, you know, thank Eric anyway. But here we go. Stephen Batdad Mitchell. Trevor. Trevor's going to be joining me to talk a little Titans later. Dad Nation. Yeah, yeah. Eric K. Jeffrey Greek. Zach Walker. Zach will be here later. He gets to talk about Hawkgirl, even though he didn't get to talk much because I was screaming and yelling and may have threatened violence on him. The Annihilator. Ted Probst. I love Punchline. Stork. Michael S. Cam, Matt Razor, Niels G. Work, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., 
Ken Halleck comic boom Rocky. I already said he talked Wonder Woman with these big Wonder Woman fan. Tommy Dreamer. He's off. Mark Jager. Bill Abair from the Bat Pod. Ruben Carlos. Noah Barb. Matthew Rapier. Luke Hollywood. Going to talk a little Superman versus Meshi later. Simon. He's going to talk Nightwing. I'll just go down the line. Luis, Mayor Chip, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Million, Batman Beyond, Mark, Randy Murray, B. Muir, and Double A Ron Doxing his ass. He's in Minnesota. Go get him. Shout out to the all time greats. We miss you dearly, Reggie. Also, Rob Lewis, and maybe Eric. But with all of that, we're going to get to this because, like I said, we have a bunch of books to talk about. I said, this whole play of coming out of Night Terrors into the Dawn of DC books again is is great. I like getting back to it, and you're going to even hear an email later from Paulie P., who hasn't even talked to us in a while because he wasn't reading books, but he's back. The Dawn of DC, it grabbed a hold of him. Put the hooks in him, it did. But I don't know why they came back with an event and a crossover event with Batman and Catwoman because that's kind of garbage, as they like to say in France. And I'm not enjoying it. You'll see in a minute because me and Gabe sus Gabe. And I do have to say, I didn't mention his nine out of 10 for Predator, how sus that is. I mean, I didn't even say it once in that whole review that he is so sus for giving that first issue of Ed Brisson's Predator nine out of 10. Oh, my goodness. Nine out of 10 Predator sus Gabe. I think I made up for it. I think I just may have. And that there is the stork. But hey, everybody, we're going to get to this off right now. Get to the books, starting with Gotham War, starting with a new song, starting with this nonsense. Gotham, Batman's losing again. What's he supposed to do with Selena? Where are the police? Ba-da-did Ba-da-did Venom Venom Okay It's the bullshit of now Wing what the story's about Watching us on our screens Let me out Wait tomorrow It gets better Presses on Genie But Teenie stinks Venom Ah, yes, here we are. And I think Teeny does think, and I'm probably going to say that a lot as we go through this. I'm here with Gabe. What up, Gabe? Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. We're here to talk a little Gotham War. You are the Gotham War man. I I know that you've been loving it. You've been telling everybody (laughs) down at the Five and Dime that it's the best thing going. Though me and the people at the rec center, we we don't agree with you, Gabe. We think that you are full of it, but yeah. You're not really enjoying this, right? I, uh, I mean, <laughs> who, who's, who's calling me the Gotham guy? I mean, because I want to talk to that person and, and probably have a few choice words for them. Oh, it's not me. It was Eric. <laughs> As he left, he actually said, I'm not going to do the podcast for a while because I need the Gotham guy, Gabe, to show up and talk oh, Gotham goodness. more. Uh, we're at part three. This I is, did see some people least, not realizing. This is the least event. This is the least event event I've ever read, in, I think, in my entire life. And There's, that's funny it's a, because it's a basic story, and it's not even an event. And we're <sighs> a month away from the last least big event, Night Terrors. So, uh, really, uh, I actually like Night Terrors more than this, and that is crazy. 
that is a crazy statement right there. But yeah, we, we end up having the Gotham yeah. War. And at this point, me and you talking, you ended up asking me a very, very poignant question at this point. When are we going to get to a war? Because this doesn't feel like a war, right? I mean, it doesn't feel like much of anything, but it's certainly not a war. If you war. go by the titles, and, and we're talking about Catwoman uh, here, if you go by the titles, it says part three, and I think it's part three of eight. There is no war here so far. None. So well, so far, all you have is Batman being upset. That's not a war. So I don't know when it's going to start, but it's, you're almost halfway there, and you haven't started yet. They do say love is a battlefield. I did hear that from oh, Pat no. Benatar. So we might have that. But oh, here no. we go. Catwoman number 57. Also, I do have to admit that uh, it made me laugh all week because people were telling me, oh, man, this is Teeny Howard's best issue ever. And I'm like, well, if I do agree with that, it's a sad state of affairs, what her normal things are. And this might be her best. It still sucks. This is, as I said, Catwoman number 57, written by Teeny Howard, art by Nico Leone, colors by Veronica Gandini, Lucas Gattoni on letters, and Jessica Chen and Ariana Tortoro. As the editors, and here we go. We end up having Bruce very upset. We had that big play at the end of the last issue of Batman. Oh, my God. Vandal Savage has taken over the mansion. Right here is one of the things, and I'll ask you right away. Why do these writers want to make Batman a dummy? Why is it that Batman? Because here's the spoiler, everyone. Batman didn't own the mansion. That's why Vandal was able to get it by saying, I made a few calls to the bank and bought it. He lost the thing. The reason he lost it was because it got out that Bruce Wayne funded Batman. Batman looked as a vigilante. All the money, all the hidden accounts, they end up getting taken away. Most of the money went to Lucius through Catwoman. But he also lost the mansion. The mansion was seized. Now, they they start, that's why it's in the brownstone, by the way, everybody. So. When they do that, was Batman ever going to get rid of the Batcave underneath a property he doesn't own? This is where I think he's dumb. I mean, he has just let that Batcave go. It's full outgoing, and you could just open up still the clock and go down. It's still there. So Lucius has a bunch of his money. Uh, Dick Grayson has a bunch of money that Alfred left him. So Dick is a billionaire. Between the two of them, none of them can say, hey, let's pay off your mortgage. None of them thought to say, and seriously, what you're saying, because normally I could say, well, you know, Gabe, they don't know this, that, or the other thing. Two, the two people who have the money know that Bruce Wayne's Batman. They know that the mansion, all this, they know all of this stuff and know that the Batcave is underneath. And Batman didn't even have the, the smarts to wall up, you know, the entrance. He, it's just nonsense. So it's there. And then I'm thinking, well, what then the play here, Vandal Savage? Okay, he is, uh, you know, pretty much almost immortal. He's going through there. They make the play of being in the Stone Age of Caveman. He is somebody who may not, you know, for, like Rachel Gould knows Batman's secret, knows where, and has been in the back, but he's not going to do anything because that's not his way. And I think Vandal Savage, you know, he's not just going to go and announce to everybody, hey, I just figured this out, or I. So you have that, but why didn't Batman do anything about this? Why didn't, like you said, Dick Grayson at a point could have just bought the mansion, not even for Bruce. Buy it because Alfred's money, Alfred would have bought it. Like, think in your head that if this happened and Alfred didn't die, those billions, some of it would have went to buy the mansion, buy it back for Alfred, tell Brucey Campbell, whatever it would be. Bullshit. I mean, it just starts out with this bullshit nonsense that Timmy Howard barely even can tell you the continuity where she thinks that you know, Batman, Bruce was living there and he owned the mansion. He didn't. 
And then it gets worse because then we go out and now Batman, like, what's the scene there? Me and you are going to laugh a lot about, like, behind the scenes and setup and things like that in this issue. Batman stumbles out. Like, Vandal Savage shows him these keys that I love. It's like, looks like it's for a medieval prison. He's like, look at me. I got the keys. I own the mansion. Does does Bruce just like Charlie Brown walk out, go to the gravesite of his parents, take off his cow in the middle of the deal and start crying? Like, is Vandal Savage like watching from behind that tree and giggling? It, it's so ridiculous that he goes and the dialogue is awful. Teeny Howard should never, ever write Batman again. Keep her away from Batman at all costs. But, you know, what about you? What do you think of this? Yeah, Bruce takes off his mask and he's, he's just basically screaming to the ether. Uh, at, at his parents' gravestone, and the dialogue in that particular scene is stiff. It's like a bored stiff. It's like it, it doesn't sound like him. It didn't. It doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like anything he would say. And at the same time, it, it's a, it, it's supposed to be like this sort of primal kind of rage moment where like everything is against me, and I'm I'm at the darkest moment of of my life up to this time. And it just it doesn't it doesn't sound right at all. It sounds really stiff. Sounds really forced. And you just sort of have to go with it because, and I think this is the recurring problem you're going to see throughout this entire um, event because we've seen it through the first three issues is everybody, nobody acts like they would act if they had any common sense. That's the only way this event works out is everybody acts dumb. Everybody has to act dumb to make it work. They have to act dumb because the story itself is pretty dumb and to make it work. And, and what's happening here and what the problem is, is this isn't like, like, maybe it would work with a booster gold. Goofy guy, yeah. right? Maybe it would work. Maybe I'm, I don't want to get anybody upset or whatever, but maybe like a Roy Harper, maybe even, a, you know, Green Arrow. Oliver at times, he gets goofy, whatever. Not with the Bat family. You, they're the smartest. They're the smartest of the smart, especially yeah. Batman, and you have to make them dumb. Batman, and I think Tony Howard's writing this, thinking like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm only a page in. And I'm wowing people with this big moment of feels and things that you end up where, again, I need the ghosts of Thomas and Martha to be like hovering around because he says, I lost our manner. I let it be taken by another. Like, you already did this, son. Like, he already lost it. He lost it because he ended up, you know, being sus. So then he says, I shared our home with others. Again, he's going to really talk about the Bat family kind of awfully here. And he says, I shared our wealth with good people. And now it's gone. And like, the, you ended up buying gadgets and shit with our money. Like He's actually just funding himself for the most part. Yeah, he donates money and things. But that's kind of the, the ruse of it all. But then he says, but I won't lose them. My best soldiers, they can't be bought. I have not heard anybody say that that wasn't anything but the worst line they've heard Batman say. about The, the joke is that man Batman can't realize Especially when he gets a young Robin, he can't realize these yeah. are little kids. He treats them like soldiers, but he doesn't. He doesn't do. It's like he can't get out of his own way, but he doesn't yell it out loud like this and say to his parents, "Where well, this is supposed to be a heartfelt thing." This is him pouring his heart out to his parents' grave, and he says, "My best soldiers, they can't be bought." Well, first off, your best soldiers are still kind of out there. They're not really being bought and they're not doing so the whole play though is is that batman you're you're being a dick is what's causing the problems <laughs> and the big play should be i need to stop selena this is bullshit not my best soldiers it, it's such a misplay with everything going on then you go and see selena who there wherever they are they're up in a penthouse it looks like they're actually at a building that's being built 
They have an infrared, you know, night vision camera thing that they're watching this scene. And I'm like, that doesn't even barely make What the fuck is going on in this? It's so ridiculous. She's you know, hanging they're, they're, out they're there. Him. Yeah, they're watching him. And then uh, Marquis saying, like, you know, he's he's almost broken. They're, they're just sort of watching this man fall apart. Now, for, put aside for, for a minute that the dialogue was terrible and that it didn't really hit with the emotional level that you either intended to, to feel. But they're sort of callously, like, sort of almost dispassionately just sort of looking at him like, yeah, he's been broken before. We're going to break him again. And that's just the way it has to be. I mean, this is, this is not at all any, any way that Selena's ever acted towards Bruce. I mean, there's no compassion. There's, now, granted, there's sort of always been on opposite sides of the fence with, when it comes to crime and morality. But at the same time, She's she's not feeling a, a lick of sympathy for what he's no, going not through, at all. and she's 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 almost like saying, "Yeah, this is what has to happen because he needs to be broken. And that's just the way it is." What, what kind and of she ends is up this? And she knows, I know, and then she's like, well, "Not," and all she's worried about is Vandal Savage a bit here. Not good, Vandal Savage. Yeah. So you're in this place, and it seems to be this is their new headquarters because Batman went in a wrecked house with their other one that really wasn't hidden anywhere. And again, I have to mention that. Where are the police? I had it in the song going into this. Uh, the police and the feds, Selena, Marquis, just these two characters right here, they're fugitive. We, we need, the, you know, the whole deal with, you know, we need a hard target search of every, you know, dog house and things. That nobody's trying to find them. There are a bunch of people, including Selena, who was in jail for murder, awaiting trial, who escaped prison. Nobody's trying to find her. And she ended up going pretty much like, I'm going to escape and I'm going to hide in my warehouse that we always had. Now, oh, that gets me. There, there's nothing going on that feels like it is right or feels like it's real going on because you don't have realistic things happening. And yes, it is a comic book. But when you set up things like a prison break with a bunch of metahumans and murderers, there's, there's going to be some ramifications, but there isn't here. And, and again, you, you nobody's have, you even saying. You have to suspend that disbelief. You, you have to sell it to make you believe it and to buy it. Where where are the police? Where where are the where are the where are the Maronis? Where are the Falcones? Where are all the uh, the super criminals that that lost all their henchmen? She's she's standing right there in the wide open for everybody to see, and nobody's making a single move towards her. Yep. It's and ridiculous. so also just to point out that this is where I said earlier to you before we were talking or before we end up recording that people seem to know more than what they would know. And it's, it's even the idea of Vandal Savage. If she knows Vandal Savage is after Batman, she also knows that he probably put a bid in, in the mansion. She has money. Maybe she should have went in and got it or talked to Jason, all these people, and maybe they could have done something to actually show that they do love Bruce, but we don't agree with your ways. But here's the other thing. There's Selena. She's going to end up having a big, giant, you know, pump up, let's, you know, halftime speech to everybody and go, yeah, let's go. Why isn't anybody when she's like, listen, I'm against Batman because the violent crimes that he lets go and all these things, according to everybody else, what anybody else knows, Selena is a murderer. She ended up murdering Valmont and went to jail for it, which she wanted to at first, then escaped. But at this point, nobody but maybe her and Batman, she actually did murder Valmont. I mean, she did it in self-defense trying to save Batman. But she's like, no more violent crimes. Violent crimes are bad, whatever. And they're like, well, you murdered somebody. Nobody brings that up. Also, the idea that Roland Garner, the guy, the, you know, the criminal that ended up getting shot by the lady who was supposed to not be there, the rich lady came out. I guess she was like a pharmaceutical lady, if I remember. She ends up killing him. 
That triggered Batman for about three panels. Nobody mentions that now. Selena doesn't mention the idea that one of our troops, they got killed. She's pissed that Batman got a bunch arrested and some of them are in jail or beat up. But she never mentions Roland Garner because that doesn't fit the MO. Again, though, she's a wanted murder. She's on the run, but nobody's saying that either. It's just bullshit because they end up then and then you get this dialogue of, oh, man, Batman just he doesn't want a healthy Gotham. He just wants a good Gotham. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things about this speech that don't make sense from the context of you know, what she's trying to accomplish. You're right. The the, the guy who, who went up to that penthouse and tried to rob it surprised the owner and then got shot and was killed. That should have been the one thing that Batman could just go back to the Bat family and say, look, and you, think, should keep you, think, going back you think everybody is safe and this is the right way to go. Look, now people are still dying. And that should have, that should have turned the whole thing around right there. But uh, put, yeah, put that aside and then recognize that all the violent crime that has dropped or reduced, all the people committing those violent crimes are standing in that room during the speech. The, all the violent perpetrators are right there in front of her. And she's like, you're the good guys. And that's the play here again. It's not that Batman was wrong. It is that all the perpetrators of violent crimes, like you said, are in the room. Like, they're the ones that caused the problem before, not Batman. Yeah, getting them and trying to teach them whatnot, but it's a convoluted way to say Batman's bad while they're talking. You know shit's going to go bad anyway, like Roland Gardner. But the only reason I bring up the part about where Selena says, you know, hey, he wants a good Gotham instead of a healthy Gotham. And then Marquise out of nowhere says, is that how he is as a boyfriend? And then she specifically says, no, he lets me be myself. So I'm like, why say that? Because later on, Selena throws out this line that she doesn't want to or never wanted to marry Batman because she doesn't want to be the rich wife and have to be contained. And within the deal, that doesn't make sense of what she's even saying here. And she's saying that the Vandal Savage is just lines are being said for no reason. So yeah, I, they I go think down. That- Hey, I'm with you on that one. I think Howard was just trying to sneak in a line about what it means to be in a relationship with a controlling boyfriend. And it just, it, it didn't land right. It sounded really weird coming out of her mouth. Yeah. And even when again, because she says like, uh, hey, is that how he is kind of a boyfriend? He isn't. He always lets me be me. But then later on, twist and turns it anyway. But when she goes down just real quick through where she's rallying the troops. Hey, everybody. We're doing the deal. They're yelling, the Duchess of Gotham, cat. Yeah, they're all cheering. Like, hey, calm down, assholes. Listen here. We don't kill. It's true. But we but somebody also died. And then she says, Batman won't kill either. But don't think he's good because he'll break your bones. This is her big speech. This is the rallying cry. Hey, you don't want to pay medical bills, do you? And they all yell, yeah, yeah, let's go. I'm like, that's the worst speech ever. She actually just says it sucks paying medical bills. Let's go, boys. And then yells. Jason just comes in like this weird entrance too. he like as this big speech is coming in, he walks in and it's like, oh, man, like there's no stairs in the door. And hey, come over here, Jason. By the way, you only are known for one thing. So we're going to let you do it. You said you like this. <laughs> and so I like the idea, too, where I wish that he's like. Stop with the nonsense with the stealing the tires off the Batmobile. I don't need people connecting shit. But she goes, he's going to end up teaching us how to steal cars because he's the car stealer. And they're going to go off at this big gala. <laughs> this is so issues Of all the issues with this event, this scene is the most <laughs> baffling to me. Because we went, from, we went from Bat families thinking about it, saying, oh, maybe she's got a point, to... Let's actively try and prevent Batman from interfering with the plan to the point where Jason sets up these booby traps 
that were lethal if he falls into it, which was in uh, 137. Now to this one where he's now, now he's actually part of her plan and helping, helping the criminals to rob. What is going on with Jason Todd? Yeah, he's just robbing cars. What is going on with Jason Todd? Somebody please help me. What is going on with Jason Todd? I think that a good writer and maybe some, like, again, where usually I'm reading a story and I'll have an idea like, okay, you know, I know so-and-so. Ah, uh, this is a deal. Jason finally is going to show that he trusts Batman by going undercover, doing this, that. Now nah, he's just going to be a valet stealing cars. And I left it with the idea. His carjacking skills that they're going to use is you're going to dress up as a valet, get their keys, and the other people are going to drive the car down to the docks. There you go. I don't know that that needs a lot of teaching, but they're going to do that. But now we go, and every scene is just ridiculous. And on the surface level, if you go through this, I still think it sucks, but you could get past some of the things. But you end up going to the next deal. So how does Batman, how is he going to find out that there's this gal and there's at this moment this night, there is a ballet going on at the same exact time as there's another gala event at the opera. Number one, that's really bad timing in Gotham. You can't have two gala events in the same night. Somebody get these things coordinated, but you have to get them there. So what you do is have Riddler who, okay, he's upset that Selena's doing her thing and he doesn't have henchmen, right? He ends up, right. you explain, because there is a, a I, abandoned, I run-down, uh, you know, apartment building. Still looks like lights are on. Maybe people are there, but a lot of boarded up buildings. And the Riddler is going to send out, not just, why, at this point, the Riddler can just send Batman. Hey, Batman, it's the Riddler. I want you to do this, maybe leave. Like, he's often left voicemails with riddles. But he ends up just doing a thing to draw Batman in, but it, it makes no sense, right? I mean, we were laughing about yeah, this, I mean, but you yeah, don't. You, you were laughing about this right before the call started, because well, before the, the recording started. So he, he gets summoned to this uh, sort of semi-abandoned building. There are some lights on, so there's probably people in there, but a good chunk of it's boarded up. And all you see on the outside is this big, you see this big sort of purple-pink, outline of like the the profile of a of a cat face like okay well that's got to be something well right in the middle of it is a question there's a question mark. question mark it's the riddler question it's mark plainly visible it's plainly visible but then somehow you know that is he's got to turn on his visor and he sees you know with uh with black light or infrared or whatever and he's like oh there's a question mark and there's an x right below it it's like what why what was the point of that there there's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that the riddler did this if the riddler is upset if there if the riddler is upset about all, all his his helpers being gone how did he paint this yeah Where I, did he we, get the need, help? we want to see this and i think and we were talking about it the original deal where there's the purple paint with the question mark there's a crown it's a cat with a crown with the i don't even think that's anything but just painted on he ends up hitting the infrared yeah. Only to then see an X over what would normally be the door. Like, don't use the, like, it doesn't make sense. But like you said, just think of this, people, please. The idea that the Riddler has nobody, no help. All of his henchmen are gone. This is why he wants to tell Batman what's going on with Catwoman. But in the meantime, this asshole must have spent a week painting this fucking building the way that he did. You can even say, if you said, well, somebody already, who paints a graffiti cat on an entire side of a building? Even if that was already there, he still had to get a bunch of ladders, get a U-Haul, and paint the question mark. So then when you go you into the, this. Can you, imagine I, the Riddler stroll, can you imagine the Riddler strolling into Home Depot, buying like 50 cans of paint? 
and then carrying them out in a big cart. <laughs> he's got a couple of paintbrushes. I mean, and, he's, and he, can't, he can't get the rollers to fit because they're on those long poles because he can't oh, yeah, reach. Yeah, he's and trying like, to do that. He's like wow, triple pulling it. Yeah, so when you had that, this is the play. The henchman went with Selena because the idea of these villains. Oh, man, all the, the rogues gallery, they don't pay well. They end up not paying at all. They don't go with what they promise, whatever. I think it's because Riddler's busy buying this shit. Because you go into this abandoned warehouse that has this painted deal with a question mark. Now the Riddler has set up what has to be thousands upon thousands of dollars of TV screens. And really, if I'm his accountant, I'm like, you only need one, dude. You don't need the others with all the question marks. Have one. Or how about this? Send him a voicemail. Send him a video. He ends up setting all this up. But again, this is the idea. It's a Riddler thing. But when you think about what is going on in, in the background, it's hilarious that the Riddler has spent all of this time and money so that Batman shows up. Luckily, he does, because that ballet shit is happening. So he ends up giving the riddle. And the, the thing that cracks me up is he goes through this whole riddle and he's giving the Rhonda uses a comb, but not a brush. It, it's the idea of uh, silent consonant steel. So he ends up set. But at the end, because this is supposed to lead to ballet with the silent T, the problem is, is right when Batman is still wondering what it is, Riddler just starts singing a part of a song that is being performed by the ballet. So you didn't even need the riddle. He ends up singing it. And then Batman even says, oh, that is from uh, Torando. That's an opera, but it's being done at the ballet. Off to the ballet. But then Batman still seems to think he solved the riddle, but he gave him the answer. There was no reason for any of this riddle. It was bullshit. And then we go to the, uh, the ballet. Jason's valeting things. These guys are all happy. Get the cars, the keys, whatever they go. And then Batman's in the background. And then there's just long fights with Jason and Batman. Batman knows he's a distraction. Later, Jason tells him he's a distraction. But they just end up fighting. And at this point, please, Jason goes after Batman with a cleaver. This isn't just let's fight hand to hand. Hey, I'm going to knock you out. He's legitimately trying to, you can say all you want of like, oh, he's, he knows he won't be able to, but no, I don't, he's doing it. He has a cleaver that he's attacking Batman. It is bullshit. And then runs away and gets on his motorcycle. This is the idea of a distraction. While inside Selena, why is Selena there? I know she seems to like this ballet, but she's also said, where's the guest list that there's old rich people? And everybody else are these people who would be known criminals, even if they dupe things. It's Selena's gang dancing around with old people. It doesn't make sense. And she says, we're pickpocketing them. This is bull. How many, how many of those thugs, let's say, say, let's say Mr. Freeze. How many of Mrs. Freeze's uh, thugs are felt enough to fit into a tux and to dance a waltz? And know how to dance this dance. And and, and come off as rich and, and, you know, just, know cultured and and all the things that you need to kind of pull off that kind of disguise it doesn't it doesn't make any sense where where you're going here too and it, it pisses me off you're setting up that the rich are bad okay but when you do this why not have it because there's a lot of young guys and gals here in selena's crew why aren't we setting up that these rich people that are bad you know a certain sect of them are bad and they're having an eyes wide shut party where you go oh, in yeah. and they actually hire young guys and gals to come and entertain them and sex and drugs and all that, then I could say, yeah, these people deserve to get robbed. What you have here, though, is just old, old ladies that are there at a, and, and actually happy that it's safer to go out. They can end up dancing, with, and they're getting robbed. 
the one lady, it's a poor old lady that's getting robbed of jewelry in Selena. And this is the bullshit thing that uh, Chip Zdarsky's done. You have Teeny Howard do. I've seen it all over. Megan Fitzmartin did it at one point. The idea, and by the way, that, that shows that it's sus, but the idea of they have insurance. Oh, they have insurance. Oh, it'll be paid. Why are they upset? First off, any sort of thing like it's a hassle. You have to go things. Yeah, they have insurance. Just think, and I see the one thing, and I didn't even think of this before, because now I'm getting furious. The idea, whether <laughs> this was an old lady that was, you know, somebody Bruce knew, and as a deal, he said, listen, I, and because we know that he's tried to collect all the pearls for his mom's necklace, and maybe this is somebody that he's like, well, I don't use, just throw that, but he lent that pearl necklace that means everything to him, and it gets yanked. So they run off with it. That's more than just insurance will pay for it. These old ladies, the one lady, this might be her great-great-grandmother's pearls that she ended up having, and it has sentimental. It's beyond the idea. And this isn't where, oh, they get this money and don't pay this. This is just their property and things like that. Make it something different. They're not doing anything wrong. They seem like nice enough old people, and it seems like this gal is probably going to be like a benefit type thing. So they're going and paying to give yeah. stuff to them. And so what you get are these assholes showing up and just stealing it because, oh, they'll get it. Just, just think of this, Gabe. I'm getting angry. The idea that you have a bank account and you end up where a a scammer takes your money and somebody says, oh, it's okay. You'll, you'll get that back event. You'll fuck you. Like, this is bullshit. And it's, that that that. makes it even worse because, and you exactly pointed it out is usually when they're having galas like this, whether it's a ballet or opera, it's some kind of charity event. Like they're doing an auction to raise they're money for like an orphanage or something. So people. they're robbing them while they're being charitable at the same time. That's <sighs> it's ridiculous, right? And the idea yeah. that while they end up doing this, like, oh, we'll go out. Like they probably think because they're the targets. It has to be around that rich people are getting robbed. Yeah, they're not getting killed. They're getting robbed. So what? I wouldn't leave the house anyway. But they're here for probably a charity to give to the needy, to give to the poor, to give to like a. Usually, you know, the Alfred Pennyworth boy home, the home for boy, something yep. like that. And yet they're there just robbing these people like fucking assholes. And so you have all that going on. This is where I think they're missing out on a point that probably will come up, but should have already. Here's the thing. This lady says it's so great to come out and, and we can go out. There's violent crimes down. Why isn't at one point, and again, they may, but why isn't Selena saying, you know, Bruce, like Bruce comes in, you assholes. And she says, you know, Bruce, the reason I'm doing it is because I think that Batman is a bad thing. And I'm, I'm saying that I want you. I wish you weren't Batman. I wish we didn't need a Batman. And you know what? The worst thing that happened in the city and to you was that there was a violent crime against a rich person in an alley. And that's what I'm trying to stop. I'm, and then I am going the wrong way. But I get that. But they never said it. Like the idea that Bruce yeah. is Batman because of a rich that they got targeted, they end up violent crime. She's never said that. They play off it like, and they're stealing these people's cars and their jewels. Yeah, the prevalent attitude through this entire uh, event, and this isn't the first one this year, or actually this Mm-mm. last five years or so. It's it's really long lines of, if you're rich, that must mean you're evil. So therefore, you deserve it. It doesn't matter how they got the money. It doesn't it could be family? Maybe they came up with it. Maybe they invented a cure for some kind of disease or something. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you're evil, and if you're evil, you deserve it. And that's and that's crazy talking. Yeah, because anybody right now, if you found out immediately right now that your great great uncle left you this weird deal, you never know him. He left you a billion dollars. I would hope that most people listening 
they're actually good people or good enough. It, it doesn't make you evil because you got to, even if it's somebody who did nothing but inherited stuff down the line, they just, it doesn't make them bad. Bad people. I said, you have to set up the scene where it is, where, hey, uh, what are we doing, boss? Lena's like, listen, there's this party. I kind of finagle it, so we're going to be the entertainment. When they get there, it's awful. You end up where they're eating, you know, I don't know. They're eating people. They're cannibals. Yeah. They're doing drugs. I, like the worst of the worst that could be happening. They're doing it to say, okay, these are the evil rich people. And Gotham, like this old lady, do you think she's the evil one? Or do you think right now, the Penguin's twin son and daughter that running the ice. Well, why aren't you robbing the Iceberg Lounge? You were hanging out in it. That could be looked at, but not the, it's, it's bullshit. It, it is a surface level bunch of bullshit. And then Batman's just chasing Jason around. Jason says, Batman won't try to yoink me off of the, you know, the motorcycle because he wouldn't want to kill me. And then Batman does it immediately. I kind of like that scene. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. I did like it. What I did love when Jason ends up, I'm a distraction, and you always think I'm this and that, and Batman keeps saying, no, 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 I think that you're good at one point. I like even the line that Jason says. You probably think that I don't even know about the ballet, that I'm too dumb. But then he has to yell out. He's like, I read books. <laughs> but then Batman knocks him out. Batman knocks him out, and I swear to God, that he left J- We find out that Batman takes him away. I thought he left him in the street. I thought he just like, boom, dead, gone, because he does end up knocking him out. As yeah, I'm you gonna end say, up, I'm going to say right off, right off the top. I mean, I, I kind of like Nico Leone's art. I, I, I mean, it's very, it's very digital, especially you can tell in the coloring, the background. It's very digital. I don't understand the choreography in the scene because in the one panel, he's like holding the needle and Jason's about maybe. 15 feet away, 12 feet away, and he's looking at the needle, and then suddenly, Batman's behind him. How does that happen? And he even says, like, and I think, here's the weird play, I think that they're going with that weird, like, Batman disappears from Gordon, but not to Jason in a fight. That's bullshit. Also, pointing out that in this fight, like, Jason has the arsenal of all arsenals. He's got a katana in the one hand. He's got a, you know, obviously his crowbar, because that's the other thing he can't get away with, or get away from. And so he's he's actually fighting Batman with a crowbar and a katana going to town. Why isn't he just trying to fight him, you know, hand to hand because he doesn't want to hurt him? We and go when, back to the yeah, when did Jason have time to change? Because he because he's doing the valet thing in the tux and he just had the mask, which I remember. Get. And he put but the then, mask then, on. Then, 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 yeah. All, yeah, he put the mask on. But all of a sudden, in the next in the next panel in that sequence of events, all of a sudden he's in, he's, in he's got his outfit. cargo pants, the whole foot. When I, did he have time to stop and like change his whole thing well, without we did, Batman we didn't catching see up? See that. He drove the motorcycle off to a safe. He did, it's it's nonsense again. Yeah. And I like Nico Leone's art. I think it's good. At, at points, we were talking that it feels a little. His has a digital look. A lot of times, it just seemed a little more at points. But he also there there was an infamous deal where he got on Twitter and complained that he was not going to be allowed enough. You said that that's going to be the next issue. Yeah, the October issue. Yeah, and and really was like Teeny Howard hasn't given me the script, and then I think that. It wasn't, it was funny, just as an aside, when he went on Twitter and complained, Dini Howard, the script's late, but I'm not given time to do the art properly, and that's my career. I think that really the big play there was that DC wouldn't then allow it to be, you know, delayed a bit to go a week or two more because they have the schedule. And yeah, it's on Teeny, but I think it was also on DC deal because they basically seemed to say to him, you know, deal with it. Just deal with it. And he was mad because when you deal with it as an artist and you get one bad thing, that sticks with you. So beside that, we'll see next issue. But when you end up having this, then Selena, she, 
everybody's getting robbed blind and she's having a little champagne and then I, I don't get the scene at all i don't and get the people scene were at all. like they love this i saw people saying like this is the best scene ever it's like First off, he comes in like Spider-Man, and even then, like... And we're talking about Nightwing. If you're, if you're listening, we're talking about Nightwing. Nightwing comes down, and he's actually, like, hanging on the side of the building, but then he's upside down. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And he basically says, hey, I knew you. Like, Selena says, who tipped you off, Jason? No, no, I figured you'd be here. This is your favorite ballet. You remember the ballet that we went with when we were when I was a kid and Bruce let me tag along. You let me go to the bar with you and have a Shirley Temple. And you asked what my favorite play was. And I said, the Nutcracker. How embarrassing. But hey, it's cool to be a family, isn't it? Goodbye and leave. I think this is only for Selena to say it would have been nice if we weren't fighting. Well, listen here, bitch. Stop fighting, man. That's all I say. Stop robbing assholes and stop fighting. I think you're right as far as that was the point of the scene and for Selena just to say that out loud. You didn't need an entire page to do that. No, you didn't, and, you didn't and, need and any that like that. She could have said that to Jason at any time. Why, why is this page here? The even, framing of the yeah. scene, like first off, she's there against the balcony, and the Nightwing's crawling down on the wall. Then he's up. Where is he upside down? Because where she's looking and where he's off of is is over the balcony. He's just gonna. Is that while he's falling down to his death? It makes he's, no he's, sense. He's just floating in, in midair. He's, just he's floating. floating. In he is legitimately floating in midair after just scaling down. Into- I know we're getting into nitpick territory, but every every page has something. Every page has something to make you angry. Every yeah. Page. So then you go off, and then Selena. Okay, well, I just talked to Nightwing. Well, let me go because Vandal Savage has shown up, a hulk of a man, and ends up starting to dance with Selena and says, "Boy, you're exquisite. You are so hot. I wish that when I bought that damn mansion, you came with it. It's a shame you didn't marry the Batman." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, I know it's you. And then this is where we go back. And this is why I brought up before where she says, Batman isn't like that as a boyfriend or what would have been a husband. The idea, he lets me do my thing. He is not controlling like that. And then she says to Vandal Savage, well, I didn't get married to Batman pretty much because I didn't want to be the rich wife who doesn't have her own thing. I'm like, that, that's not what you said last issue to Batman to his face. And it's not what happened anyway. And it's just ridiculous. And even this, it's just this play back and forth of Thanos Savage. It does nothing. It does nothing at all. And then just says, he says, I, uh, you know, I want to get shit going in Gotham, too, because I love Gotham. It's great. And she's like, I yeah. don't know about that. And I that's mean, this, only, this, again, to, to set up Vandal and then what happens at the end as well. Yeah. I, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not clear that whatever Vandal's being set up for has anything to do with Gotham. Or it wouldn't surprise me if this is for something after. So, so we'll see how that goes. But I have to go back and check. You tell me in all this time, in all these years, decades even, that Vandal and Catwoman have never crossed paths once. They've never met once. And that's the thing. I love the idea because earlier, and here's the thing, Marquis in this show sus, but you end up where Selena, like everybody in the DC universe, whether they've met somebody or not, whether it's going to be played in the issue that they met somebody or not, everybody's read the who's who. Because yeah. every time, like Vandal Savage, oh, you mean the caveman, immortal guy who's going through Chad? Like, she knows exactly what would be on a Wikipedia page. But then when she comes face to face, oh, I, I don't think I knows you. <laughs> Get the hell out. Do they sit around and just like, hey, who are your top five villains? Well, Vandal. Vandal. Who is that? That's a cool name. Oh, he's a caveman. That's a more. Like, do they do that when they have downtime? Because this is bullshit. But again, it's a bad writer doing it. It's a 
awful writer not knowing how to set up a scene, set up anything in the story, because then you have to be reminded again of Vandal Savage and that he's got sus plans. Because then you get Jason and Batman. Even in this scene, I'm like, okay, Jason says, what did you do to me? Well, he knocked you out, dude. He ended up knocking you out and bringing you off to what looks like a safe house, a safe room, whatever. And then Batman's like, I did what I have to do. All the, and what did you do? Because Selena's trying to get a hold of him. I'm like, I, I, I think that he did what he, he did. And then Batman says, nothing I'm proud of, Jason. I'm like, what? What What did he do? I don't get what he's saying here. And why he's, They were fighting what looked to be like Mortal Kombat shit. And Batman knocked him out from behind and brought him off to this place. And he's there not even tied up and says he's not proud of it. So who the fuck knows? What is going on only to get Catwoman like, I got to get back to my people. I'm going to do this. And then we see the big reveal. I love the big reveal ends up being colored contacts. Before you get to the big reveal, uh, go go back to the the page right before the big reveal where where Catwoman's kind of like monologuing in her head about her Jason's importance to her. This is another thing that I don't get. She was pretty much resigned to the fact in the very beginning when she sees him in front of the tombstones like we're going to break him that's what has to happen if he doesn't like it he needs to get over it now she's worried about what's going to happen to jason because something happens to jason bruce will never forgive her since when does she does she care or not care what is what is what is going on with her does she not make up her mind about how important he is or not and it's so funny you are right like and the the funny play is that it's batman who has jason so it's there and i again i don't see why there's any reason for Batman not to say to Selena through the comms in the mask, it's Batman, it's it's Bruce, I got Jason, so he's off, I'm going for the next one. Something like that, but he just turns off yeah. the deal. And then, yeah, then, now Catwoman's losing her mind. I love the idea that she's like, oh, my God, I can't lose Jason. Bruce will never forgive me. I can't let one of my soldiers go down. Poor Mrs. Roland Garner's on the side, like, what about? Actually, it was his daughter, because remember, he had a daughter, like, what about? Yeah. You don't care about him. But then, yeah, she's sleeping around and then ends up saying, I trust him and I don't trust easily, meaning Jason, even though she thought that Jason was the one who sold her out to, to Dick Grayson. She says to Jason, tell you, and then says, Iko and I have an understanding. Dario has my heart. Okay. Jason has his family. Mm, not really. You kind of left Batman at the altar mm, and really, really don't deal much with him. Uh, really playing off that. I think that where. Teeny Howard somehow thinks that, you know, Selena is now Talia and says, and Marquise has been my on my side since jail. Jail is a hard place. Really? Because the jail I saw, you guys were running the place and getting fucking ramen through the vents by your damn cat and says, please don't come out of the woodwork. You know, people don't come out of the woodwork to help you, even though she has a big army that is doing that. And then we see there's where the big reveal at the end. And it's Marquise is actually Scandal Savage. Uh, ran, uh, Vandal Savage's daughter And she's been on the side She doesn't look like, I mean, even the play here It looks like she's like Selena Like Selena's a good person She doesn't want to go against And that's probably what's going to happen But we'll see And and the big play to get this whole Hey, have you been undercover? Yep, I put in my colored contacts Nobody knows I'm like, this is bullshit (laughs) She was in jail Under a, like, here's the setup Here here it is, Gabe Just, you know, let me have my, my deal she was Go arrested somehow, right? She was in jail. Yep. Te- yep. Tell me right there. So it almost plays out the idea that she was put in jail to wait for Catwoman to accidentally kind of murder Valmont for then Selena to demand that she goes to jail 
to then get taken to before she had a trial, a jail that wasn't any big deal and had metahumans in to team up with Selena to then get to this point where they can end up betraying her because Vandal Savage has now bought the mansion and wants to take over Gotham. None of this makes sense. It's, it doesn't make any sense. And if that's going on, like we saw Catwoman, Selena Kyle kill Valmont. Are we going to play this idea? And this is where Eric has made the play that somehow that Valmont is going to be Duchess the Cat, right? I think now we're going to find out that Valmont wasn't actually Valmont in that scene. And the setup was that somebody dressed up as Valmont ended up getting killed. And then that's why she went to jail. Valmont's a lot. None of it makes sense. That won't even make sense. Yeah. But something tells me that's going to be the play. Well, like I said, we, we don't we don't know for sure what Vandal's part in all this is yet. Yeah. Now, but if that truly is the case, where he, where uh, Marquis, who is now, now what we now know is Scandal, was a plant the whole time, you have to go through so many fiery hoops go of hoops. coincidences yep. and contrivances to make that work to get to this point. It, it, it strains every ounce of credibility you can imagine. Forget about suspending disbelief. You're just like off a cliff at that point. Oh, there's, you are. There's no way that that Vandal could have anticipated all the twists and turns that would have gotten Selena to this point. There's I think no that way. it's just like at this point, we'd agree that it's just like, well, we got to make sense of that bullshit. And here's what we're going to do for the story. Now, I have five kids. I, I've had them like they get in trouble and they come up with the fucking wackiest shit. They're like, oh, this happened because this, this and this and this. This is worse. I mean, I, I've gone through a five year old trying to explain that the reason why. They ended up spilling milk is because a car honked in the outside and then one of their other brothers yelled and kicked them in the balls and they did this, this, and this. This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't set up anything. It's just bullshit. And I do believe that what we're seeing, you know, this is a teeny Howard written it. I think that Chip had to say, we got to tie this, uh, make it work, and she still can't. And I think Chip is doing a bad job as well because this whole idea of a story is just bullshit from day one, from page one. With the concepts and what's going on, so I it's just now, now the whole thing. The whole thing with the uh, marquee and, and scandal only makes sense if you say it just sort of happened that way, and Vandal sensed an opportunity. Yep, and, and he's taking advantage of an opportunity. Okay, that I can I can get by with. But if it, if it turns out that like, this was his plan all along, forget it. Then then I, I I don't know you, and I reject you. I reject you utterly. And the reason the reason no why I I claim that it, it has. Because she was in jail, but under this other guise that ends up be, like it's, it's a weird deal. It's very odd, but they finagle and people have false, you know. I, but she was in jail, arrested as somebody, not scandal. And it seems like maybe there's some finagle. I, I don't know how they're going to make it. Uh, or they may not, because we'll a lot see. of these things, they just kind of get left behind. And yeah, this is bullshit. What would you give it? Uh, let's see. On the on the written, I think I gave it a five five, which okay. I'm pretty much going to stick to. I could probably go a little bit lower, but five five. I think I think just because of the art, and I, I like the the the, the marquee scandal reveal, so that gave me a little bit of something that I could latch onto. So, but I'm sticking with so I'm, I'm sticking with five five. Fuck you. That that's not a five. That's to you, Gabe. That was <laughs> to you. I, I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a fuck you five. If I nice. if I had if nice. you if you ended up like hey you got to give a score. I'd probably be about like a four, but I'd rather give a fuck you five because I like hitting that. And I want to say you. that, you know, F you to this story because it's bullshit. And you come out of Night Terrors, a two month long bullshit event to then have your biggest book involved in this nonsense. It is not the way to do the Dawn of DC. It's not the way to do anything. And boy, this is not going to. I saw some people say it did, in fact, show them that Teeny Howard's great. I don't know what they're reading or what they're on. But this just keeps reminding me 
Catwoman sucks because of Teeny Howard and should not be involved in the biggest book at DC because it's bringing that down too. You're really there and you're 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 pretty much poisoning the well here at DC and it's bullshit. It's not a it's not a big surprise that a lot of it's failing. So fuck this, fuck this, Gabe. Yep. You asshole, why do you make me have to do this? We'll be back, I think, next week with the Red Hood deal, right? <laughs> oh, we're getting no, we're Red Hood with the, uh, oh, Matthew uh, Rosenberg. That's Matthew oh, Rosenberg, no. another one of my oh, deals. No. Vendetta on. Oh, no. Go to hell, all of you. Oh, my oh, goodness gracious. Matthew Rosenberg. It's our great. life. We're like okay, fucking fine. C-3PO, and I fucking hate C-3PO, too. Fuck I hate that you. guy. So there you go. Well, Here we, we got, got like another month and a half of this. <laughs> yes. Oh, Jesus month and a half. Christ. Month and a half of just terror after two months of just sheer and utter despair. All right, so there we go. But thanks for joining me. As Great. always, Gabe, every gummity go check oh, out you're Gabe's Thank reviews you for me. on both our DC and Marvel site, but also his comical opinion site. I'll have all of the links in the show notes, including his famed Twitter where he gets in fights with everyone, including me. I think, but we'll see. It's amazing. You're about the only one that I, I don't so fight too much with, but yes, Gabe, it's fun to sit back and watch Gabe just. Get people angry. So there you go. And then I swoop all in I and argue and nobody gets them up. All I, yeah. Listen, all I do is ask questions and post pictures. That's it. I, ask, I just ask questions. I don't know why people are getting so mad at me. I don't they understand. They give you angry answers, Gabe, because they're like, fuck you, fuck Gabe. You. That's it. Thanks, Gabe. We're going to go nice. off now to Superman. All right. Here we are with Superman. And I'm going to be joined by a very special guest right now, a Superman fan. It is my man, John Wayne. What up, John? Howdy, Pilgrim. How are you? Howdy. You are here. I haven't played any real wrong turn things in a while, but I did end up thinking that one I was going to grab, the Howdy Howdy Pilgrim. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But I will tell you that coming up in Beast World, it's already been put out there that Batman will become the Wolfman. So I will have the Wolfman (laughs) at that point. And I'm telling you, I don't even know if there's that many people out there who even know who wrong turn is anymore because there's such That's a so turnover and things like it. And he was yeah. such, he's such a crazy guy. We'll, we'll reintroduce him eventually. But <laughs> here we are. We're doing Superman. And one of the things that we have in common is that we both like Superman. Another thing we have in common yeah. is we're not real big fans of Joshua Williamson. <laughs> but I actually, I think I like this a little more than you do. And I know I've, I've actually kind of reserved and come to the whole you know, reservation of the thing that I know that at a point Joshua Williamson's story will fall apart. It is going to end up where he's going to get to a point where things are going to be set up pretty cool and the bottom will fall out. I just hope that at this point he can kind of get himself out of that when it does happen. We'll see. But I yeah. like this issue. I, I actually do like this issue. I'll give you the credits and then we'll talk about it. Superman number six, and it is written by Joshua Williamson, art by Gleb Melnikoff. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez, letter Ariana Mayer, and then to go down for Yeah Yeah, which still pisses me off, is <laughs> assistant editor Julian Grant and edited by Paul Kamensky, who is the group deal. So you end up coming into this, and there's a lot of stuff that have been set up in the first five issues, including this whole Dr. Farm, Mr. Graft. And in this issue, we're going to end up getting even another character. One of the things that I did have a problem up until this point was where there were some cool things with, say, Parasite, but then it kind of just ended too quickly. And I wanted to spend some time with those, but we didn't. And we're here, and I actually do like what is happening in this issue because I actually have a theory, and it's really based on the theory 
But when we get into this, one of the other problems is is that we took two months off, and I thought that it really does hurt the it hurts almost all the books and their momentum. But in this one, I still have to get past the idea that Lex ended up getting sliced and diced and legitimately should have been at least bleeding out for a whole entire night while everybody was asleep in the night terrace, but they did save him here. And now it's weird because Josh Williamson, again, the night terrace guy, doesn't really mention night terrace, and I thought he might a little, right? It was very odd. That was very odd. I mean, and it's just kind of like, I don't know where night terrace is supposed to have taken place. In this whole Unfortunately, time. it took place a bit in my mind. I wish I could forget about <laughs> it right now. And I'm yeah. telling you, I think most have. And when you end up, this is where I, I even said during Night Terrors, when you ended up having Joshua Williamson, the quote-unquote architect of the whole stupid event, where he couldn't even keep things together, not know the rules, then I think it was also, I'm throwing it out the window now. I'm making the official proclamation that we never had Night Terrors. Nobody has to deal with Night Terrors ever again, and we probably won't hear about it anyway. <laughs> But yeah, I'm with you. Movement. Like in this, I thought we'd get a, at least a little bit of a mention or explanation of what went on, how things went. But nope, not at all, really. And I it wasn't in the annual either, right? The annual that came out when what, like last month or something, right? Nothing, no mention. And going with the flow, like yep. it never happened again. <laughs> it's one of those things that I will legit say, and I've talked about this already. I think that me going to bed, having a nightmare, and then waking up the next day. Is that really a life-changing event? I have no. nightmares a lot. I end up going yeah. to bed and have crazy nightmares. I wake up. If I, I said, and the idea like, I, oh, my God, I just had a nightmare that Batman was a, a bat with a gun in his head. My wife would be like, eh, shut, shut the hell up. Like, what is that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, whatever. And, and I had a dream that Justice like, League was evil. It was like, yeah, okay. But ha- yeah, we've seen that before. Whatever. Yeah, Go back and, to sleep. And it's a nightmare. Like, it's not real. Like, my yeah. wife legitimately will wake up from nightmares and, like, be very upset. And I'm the one who sits there and, like, what are, what are you upset about? It wasn't real. It's not real. I, I definitely, I'd wake up. Oh, my God, I had this thing. And I would just really equate it, man. I shouldn't have had that meatball sub last night. It would be some shit like that. So, with that, because the architect, and again, air quotes, he's yeah. not even dealing with it going forward in his throat. It never happened. It was all a nightmare for all of us. But, when we do jump into this, we do see that Lex is, you know, he's alive. They were able to save him. I'll tell you right now, I like Gleb Melnikov's art. It takes a little bit for me to get used to it, though. And I think 100%. it took him a little bit to kind of get the flow. But by the end, at points, I actually thought it was really good. I actually thought it was like a... Uh, uh, what's uh, Greg Capullo looking even at times? I agree. Was cool. Yeah. I had uh, got originally, I had thought Victor Bagdanovich or whatever his name is. And then I remembered the whole scandal, right? Between the two of them. <laughs> Victor Bagdanovich, which is the lower deal. Greg. So it is a lot alike, though. I will tell you, I think that Gleb Melnikov here does a little bit more of his own style, but it is reminiscent to me at points of say, and, and really when you get the, you know, blue eyes and stuff with, with Superman, you really get that. Bruce Wayne look from the Capullo deal. Yeah. But yeah, we see that Lex is fine. And you do get, it makes me laugh where you end up having these surgeons like, can we just kind of not help Lex Luthor? I mean, he's a real <laughs> bad dude. Like, yeah. we shouldn't do it. I love that there's the over the top doctor who's like, damn it. We made an oath. We <laughs> have the hypocrite. Like, he's like, you shut your mouth. And it made me laugh. 
as yep. Lexus. He's having problems. Uh, the first time reading it, it's, it's weird because I didn't quite get the two weeks later where you have when you get into the story. I'm like, why would you need two weeks? Oh, it's because Lex has to kind of heal a little. Yeah. But again, that two weeks, what it really does, in my, it gets you away from the night. T- so why would you mention it to like, somebody's <laughs> like, man, remember that one night of nightmares, two weeks? Like, they're just pushing aside with that. But you end up having Superman flying through the city. I like the. You know, the angle there and the depth and the perspective of it. But I thought that Superman at that point looks very emo and he kind of scares <laughs> me his look. While yeah. you get the live wire radio show that I'm certain that would not be allowed. But it's again, it's the Lois Lane allows Livewire, who's in jail to have a, a show. But I don't know that she'd be allowed to throw shade at people the way she is now if yeah, she was 100%. actually doing it. They would it, seriously. They would have a delay and a dump button. The minute that she starts saying, "I don't know, this town is bullcrap," <laughs> you're hitting that dump and going to commercial. Like, hey, yep. let's go. But it 100%. is kind of funny. And what I do like the feel of this issue, coming back from night terrors and stuff like that. This had a bit of a a more of a like that annual had. You know, Superman wasn't really in the annual a lot, but it had all the side characters, and I like that. Joshua Anson continues to have some of these, though Superman is the main deal. We get to see Jimmy. Lois yep. is losing her mind. Livewire's on her whole deal. So you do get these characters. And yeah, you end up where Superman's going around and to get back in the swing of things after the night tears for us, you do have somebody in there and they're doing like a, a car chase. You end up a robbery. They're using some alien tech. It's probably some of the, the LexCorp stuff that we see before where Superman's going to get it. But I thought this was pretty cool the way Superman even uses his heat vision to melt these bullets. I've never seen it quite done like that. And I, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but in that, you also get that play. It's almost like the villain version of who's, you know, who's got you, who's holding you because they are like floor it. But Superman already has the van. He's already taking them in. And then you do get, and again, there's a lot of characters. You get police chief, Neo, I always say his name, um, Kikoa. Keiko, and, and I like him there because that is he's a cool guy that Superman usually does talk to. He's really nice. He's got the and Superman is really concerned because when he grabs the gun that this guy has, he crushes it. And then when he drops these guys off, he's really, really like, what is this stuff doing out on the streets? And he just zips off. And I like the, you know, one of the detectives is like, hey, there, chief. He usually talks to you. What's up? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, he's got things on his mind. But I did like that. I thought it was a good opening to that. Now, he does that, pissed off, doesn't talk to Neil, but then goes off just to the Daily Planet. It felt weird then. I thought he was going to go right to Supercore just to yeah. see what was up. But again, you get these plays. And this is where, I'll tell you, this is where it kicks in of, oh, this looks like Greg Capullo stuff. It really, mm-hmm. to me, starts right here. Even like a like a combo of that and a Kenneth Rokefer, but I do like I do like the art. I thought it was pretty cool here. But you go from here because it's the idea of Lois. She's a little overwhelmed with being chief, and yeah. the idea where I thought this would be the problem. She's supposed to be the chief, but she really just wants to go out and report. That's her thing that she loves doing. She's not able to do it. 
and people, she says, it's like I'm babysitting. Yeah, uh, she's like, I'm half babysitting, I'm half therapy, and maybe part-time editor-in-chief, right? I mean, <clears throat> that's like a good way of summarizing what an editor-in-chief does, right? Like, they're, you're not a reporter anymore, and, you know, uh, she's dealing with that 100% right here. And Clark's just kind of there to, to provide some moral support, right? <laughs> yeah, I like he's just there. To, and I do like the idea because as far as I've read, and I haven't read everything, but the things I've read, Lois obviously will steal stories from anybody. Like, she yeah. is ruthless with it, right? She's always wanting to be looked at, awarded, whatever. Don't quite ever remember her wanting to be editor-in-chief i i don't never because it was always perry so why would she do that because i remember it because i'd be like what a jerk like what are you doing it's that but with perry gone and her filling in i mean she's really doing the job and trying to help and fill in you know she still thinks at this point i'm sure that when perry gets better he gets if he does he'll be back uh but in the meantime she does want to go report and again joshua williamson i'm not always a big fan but I did like when, when Clark calls Lois Metropolis. Uh, me too. I was going to say that. Yep. Because she is having so much trouble. She's going around going, la, 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 because she doesn't want to hear people. <laughs> as people are like, you got to sign this, you got to do that. And I love the play because of the idea of almost like, oh, look at you. You want it to be this big shot. Now yeah. you are there, Metropolis. And she doesn't <laughs> like it. And then he, I'll give Joshua Williamson credit when he says, I don't know why I didn't think of that before because it's such a great comeback to the smallville mm-hmm. deal which she still goes yeah well what's going on smallville things like that which yeah. uh is it's kind of fun and i i did like that yeah, yeah, because, I, again i was just gonna say like he's got a good voice for them and i don't think every superman writer really sometimes you got a good superman but not a great clark you know sometimes you've got a good clark and lois but you don't have a good superman and lois like i i will give joshua williamson credit i do think he's got the balance of that between the three characters, if you will, I pretty well too. bound. And even me and you saying, and I, I kind of am emphasizing a bunch of times that I'm not the biggest fan. But yeah. when I do talk and we talk in the Slack and things like that, what I have said, and I still I'll say it now and I'll stick with it. Say something like the Robin series with Damian Wayne. Uh, it, please don't think that that story was great because it was that tournament, the fighting tour that fell apart. And what that book became was, oh, my God, this is an awesome Damien that's actually progressing and and going. And a lot of cool characters, flatline, all these, it became the interactions of the characters and all those things going on. And so I still like the book. I ended up liking the book, but not because of the story, because of the interactions and the voices and the characters. Even I said that last week with Batman and Robin, number one. So Mm -hmm. in this, like, if he could just keep with a story, don't get too crazed up or get lost in his own little because he does end up seeming like he keeps running after this next shiny thing or he sees something that is interesting to him if he can go he will be able to and maybe this is the book eventually that he can nail it down i'm still worried just overall but if it if it keeps going with this voice even when she yells at jimmy jimmy what did your bow tie take that picture like it's funny and it, it works. And then yeah. even Jimmy's like, oh, you got it, Miss Lane. He goes, like, the characters are really well done. I And I, I'm intrigued by the story because I'll tell you my theory. But in that, he has that story on Lex. Lex is hurt. You end up, he's still in the coma deal. He's so they're wondering, you know, well, what is this story? I mean, really, but Lois right. just needs anything. 
Clark starts talking about the problems he's having with Farm and Graf, and they said this about Lex doing that, and he's got skeletons in his closet. And I do like where you have Wallace wants to help and says, I can put some researchers on that. And yeah. he's like, no, you can't do that. You, you got, you got the stuff we do here on the side. I'll take care of it. But I do actually really like that. Even her being nice about it. I like when he says, like, I've kind of got writer's block about Lex. I think it's because Lex is in a coma. You can't yeah. really write much, right? And she right away, I'll reassign it. Like, <laughs> Yep. She like, thinks that he just can't do it. He's like, that's not it. He's in a coma. Come on. But <laughs> I did like it. I did like And then I like Mercy Graves as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask you now, Lex, I mean, yeah, he's always sus. And he's done, but this legit feels like yet another time where Lex is at least attempting to be good. It does not really feel like that. Everything that seems to be bad seems to be stuff that he was doing bad before. And you really that when superman goes and even this i like where he lands on the roof of supercourt this guy comes running in and a weird look too looks like they're i don't know what these lab outfits are they really come right. up really they have like puffy shoulders and things and then look like they they're not wearing pants at points but this guy comes running up superman mr superman he's like no no just just call me superman that's fine but he explains to superman that Hey, I had this really bad thing that we used to be doing, but now that we turned, Lex has told me to use it in the opposite way. It's the idea of, he says, I, he wanted me to create weaponizing toxic waters, yeah. toxic water. But now because of that, Lex said, we're stopping that and actually just doing it to make the toxic water non like he's actually able to do that. And that's the thing that a lot of people talked about Lex over the years is the idea of the guy, if he just did the right thing, he, he could be, be the biggest Superman. hero of the world. He'd be yes. a Superman. Yes. People would love him. But he's so obsessed with Superman. He's so obsessed with doing bad stuff that he, it, it's almost like I, I say to my kids sometimes where you end up having these scammers and they end up, but half of them, if they would just end up applying that to an actual thing, they might, they could change the world, but they don't. They want the quick out. They don't want the, on the, you know, up and up deal but that's how lex has always been and yeah the guy says it could be a game changer i love this deal i actually really like these these scientists too because he's like oh man that's great dr sean great work the guy runs off to his buddies he knows my name and the one lady goes you got your name tag on (laughs) he's like ah you're just mad but i I did like that and i like them excited they want to work from and Mercy comes in and says, listen, Lex thought that you would hang out a lot more. And believe me, you're you're a hero to so many people that if you were here doing what you just did, boy, people would be so happy. Oh, my God, Superman knows me. Superman said I was doing a good job. And it, it's nice. It's actually yeah. nice in that, especially at it a really, point like it really. Draws, it draws on like the dichotomy of each of them, like Superman and Lex and like kind of like what they see in each other, right? I think you have this this theme in this run from Williamson so far is that, you know, Superman Clark has had given up on Lex. And for good reason, right? We don't need to go into all of yeah, our history, yeah, right? I mean, like, yeah. Whatever. But it is like it's Superman doesn't give up on anyone, but he gave up on Lex, right? And so that's like the impetus of this whole Williamson run. And you kind of see it, right? Like, it, just imagine if we did work together. 
there's another issue a couple a couple back where it's like Lex admits he's like you know I wasn't actually sure about this but like look at all the good we've done and of course Williamson shows up like a couple panels of like things that I would have actually liked to seen them yeah, explore and see. do yeah, yeah <laughs> right that, but that it, is but, a problem a lot right a hundred percent and it's funny because this guy this Doctor Shot like here's the thing this guy legitimately was working on an evil project for his evil boss a couple months <laughs> yeah. ago. Look how happy he is, though, to actually be doing something good and to be yeah. able to talk and not and, like worried that Superman's going to break in at any time and, and get and kick butt or whatever. He's actually doing something good that Superman approves. I'm sure that he feels better. It's like it's a nice thing, right? And so <laughs> when you end up having that, it ends up where what you keep doing, though, you keep reminding people that, well, Joshua Williamson, that Lex used to be bad. I mean, that guy coming in, this used to be a thing that weaponized toxic water. Yeah. So then with that, you end up having them try to figure out things and, and wonder what's happening. And especially with these, hey, do you know anything about Project Change files? Because this is what Farm uh, and uh, what's it called? I always graph. Graph and Farm yeah. said he's got yeah. skeletons. Ask him about this Project Change. So when he asked, you went, he asked Mercy. Mercy does, and I like at one point Superman says, you conveniently know nothing. And anytime I ask you, you are not involved and don't know. Almost like what happens with Lex, because Lex, we know, he does bad things, but you can never tie him down on it. You can never prove it was him. And I think that's how Lex has set up everything with it. But this makes me laugh so much, because again, we see that guy, he had a thing that they're now going to do good with, but was bad. So then you end up having this protocol. And, and Mercy says, well, Lex, pretty much everything's open to you. He has not hidden anything. You have the protocol. You are in charge. You can go. So he ends up going, all right. And I like when he sighs because we haven't really seen this, but I guess he has used it. And he's like, all right, <laughs> LL01. What the? Lex ends up having a hologram deal that is so Jarrell. That is like where you have this whole play when he would go we, into. I think we we were introduced. I think we introduced to this version of LLO one in the very first issue of Williamson's it's run. It's so crazy in this because in it, I mean, it, he's dressed up. I mean, he looks like it's you're in the fortress and he's got the crystal. Hundred percent. He even yeah. calls him son, and it made me I, laugh I, so yes, much. So it made hard. me laugh so much. And <laughs> he. He has the sync, like he has that band around his head, just like he's crypto. Yep. He's yep. doing yep. that. It's such a, a weird play of doing this, especially in the play that this was around probably before Superman. And it was just the thing. This is what he ended up setting up. Yeah, he has his L, but it, it looks like the crest. So it's pretty funny. But he ends up saying, how can I be of service to you? Calling him Kal-El. All of that to kind of get that play. And he says, I want to know what this Project Chained is. And he does end up giving him the answer. He says, this is something that Lex was dealing with. He did it with Carl Draper. If you don't know, that's the master jailer. So that's why you end up having that box with all the chains mm-hmm. and things. That would probably be why you ended up having Carl Draper. And then also Sebastian Stryker, Stryker's Island. And this is buried underneath Stryker's Island. It is a prison that's there. And in this, the one thing that I don't like, they start explaining it, and I'm like, oh, 
it's just a version of it really feels like the phantom zone but in a cube it really and then later superman says well you know there is the phantom zone but i i really feel bad when i put people in i'm like bullshit i'm sick of them (laughs) and they're gonna do that coming up because it was set up this week even in some other books uh it was set up in the world's finest that we'll talk about next in the podcast Mm -hmm. because you're going to have a phantom zone thing but i'm like come on superman you're you know your dad all the and you've done it just stop but the big play here is is that and i like where mercy steps in eventually and saying listen because somebody's in this it's a prison for one and it's somebody that is really bad i like her pointing out yeah, okay maybe we're talking about the same thing right? i'm but it's sure like, it is of why yeah, this is important let go with it yeah but it's like you and i both know if lex is really threatened by someone he's yeah. just gonna kill them he'll kill him but and so but there's this, something different here and that yeah. makes it really <laughs> because it's like the most dangerous thing but lex would kill that normally so what's going on that's more of an intrigue as well again this mm-hmm. is like Hey, Mercy, what do you know about this? Like, I don't know shit. And he's like, y- you never know shit, but they're going to go in. And she actually is even like, let's not do this. Like, Lex, he's got some real crazy stuff that went on. If he ends up doing this, we might want to just keep away from it. Two men's like, nope, I can't. I got to go down. And he starts to, I'm telling you, at points I'm expecting, and he brings, he brings Mercy and the Lex cord down, but I'm thinking that he's going to open that up, and all of a sudden, like, if it's Doomsday, and right. Doomsday, what? Everybody who came down, they're dead. I mean, they're still, and I'm like, why are you bringing them? Like, this is really dangerous. It could be really bad. But they end up going to Striker's Island. They go down beneath. You end up having him just destroying rock, heat vision, all that to go, and they finally do get to this box, this cube. And, you know, Mercy still says, I don't think we should open it up. But if he wants to, I can connect your, you know, the protocols with this. You are the one, you know, you'll be able to open it up. So he opens it up and they see just this guy. It, it looks like so much like a uh, like a Magneto or I've seen even prisons exactly mm-hmm. like this with Wolverine. Somebody like that or like a saber tooth or, you know, Professor X, all, all those crazy things. But he has this helmet on. You can't see his head, and he's got chains all connected to the roof and things like that. So he walks over, and he pulls off the helmet, and there's a guy there. Now, this is my whole play. The first thing we end up seeing is a shock of red hair. We see this red hair, and I do think what we're getting here, I don't know why, how, and the power or whatnot, but I think that what we might be playing, Lex has been known to make a little bizarros, right? He ends mm-hmm. up cloning Superman. He never lets and we even saw right that. Us, right? So we see. We saw, we saw Bizarro like in an issue or two before, right? So it's like seeds are definitely planted there. They kind of reminds you of all of this. And what I, this might be the different version where he's cloned himself. That's why I think the red hair is important. Yeah. Without him, you know, before he was bald, he had red hair. And it kind of looks like this feeling. Maybe it's that play like he can't bring himself to kill himself if it's a, a clone of his dad. Whatever it might be, I think it's very personal to him. I don't know exactly the power set, but in that it almost plays off Kryptonian. But the problem is, is this guy isn't out in the sun. He shouldn't be. So when you end up having it that if Lex did clone himself and then the guy says, oh, he says to Superman, doesn't know Superman either says oh he gave you powers too 
you know, mm-hmm. that whole play of that this is maybe a clone or something to do with Lex of a right. personal deal. Tried, it, I'm going to make myself, instead of a bizarre, I'm going to make myself a super Lex. And it just wasn't working right. So he ended up like just locking it away. It's kind of like Connor, right? It's like, you know, yeah, Connor was that's originally what it feels like, like, yep. Yeah. And it feels like Lex's full out version of that. But it'd be like, the yep. it's like the same thing, but opposite way, but still the same. It'd be weird. But again, right. you have this thing, it comes out once it hears the name Lex, because you end up even like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Hey, my name's Superman. Very like docile at first. Oh my God, I haven't heard a voice in a while. Thank you so much. You're helping me. Oh my God, you're here to help me. The minute that you end up, because it is actually mercy, because, well, first off, Lex is waking up from his coma. And in that, where people were talking, this is him, what he said as he was getting knifed. So he's waking up from his coma. Superman, save me. Superman hears that. He says Lex. And then you end up Mercy go, can you hear him? Is Mr. Luther awake? Lex Luther, this guy freaks out. Lex yep. Luther. And now you can't calm him down. And he does lift up. He hovers. At points, you end up having almost like the Man of Steel movie. Zack Snyder, where the rocks mm-hmm. are pulling up with that deal. It's very crazy. And then you get that chain deal. The only thing that I really don't like about this is the idea we just got through the chains with Mongol and things like that. And I, I don't think it would connect to that. But in this, I wish the chains weren't a thing, but that's what he's going with, the chain. But this guy freaks chain. out and starts, yeah, starts fighting Superman and, and is pretty much overpowers him and locks him up, which is crazy. Yep. It's nuts, but yeah, it's a weird play too because you end up Superman comes in, he lets this guy out, and about this guy chains up Superman in his way, but then Mercy's like, nobody can get you out but Lex, who's just woken up, but this guy's going to get it. It's kind of a neat way to twist and turn, but I don't understand really now the protocol of this because it looks like this prison's open and destroyed. Now Superman just says chains around them, but. She says only Lex can get them out, but it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And this guy goes out now. It looks like, like you said, Connor. It also looks like Subject Zero from it's say like com- the Flashpoint deal. As he goes out, yeah. there's a lot of crazy things that it reminds you of, right? But it's like I, the reason I go to Connor is because of it seems like he's got, he's used it to your point. He has no sunlight, so how does he have his powers if he's some kind of Kryptonian? Connor had his tactile telekinesis. So all of all of these powers here that he uses could feasibly be connected back to the and, tactile and telekinesis. And you have begged me to watch the Young Justice cartoon. And, and yeah. <laughs> but it does feel like that when they go down and, and go and see him and try mm-hmm. to free and he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He thinks he's being the It does play out like that, especially 100%. the idea of this guy's down below. And he seems very nice until he gets triggered by Lex. And and that that might not just be the idea. It's the idea that Lex is still around. Because this guy has been in pretty much isolation. He has an isolation helmet, can't see, feel, whatever. Very much like the fact. That's the weird part. And when Superman is going down, he's like, I can't believe they'd have Lex would have somebody trapped where they can't. You know, see you here, whatever. I'm like, dude, that is a lot of the way that they play up the Phantom Zone. And you throw people in that all the time. And then he goes, yeah. and then he, he on the side, because Williamson knows that's the case. He goes, kind of like the Phantom Zone. But, you know, I, that's a last resort. I don't really <laughs> like to do that. I'm like, I don't care if you really like to do it. You, you do still it. do it. So yeah. stop. And we've dealt with this in the Dan Jurgens Action Comics and Reba. 
a lot of people bring that up and it keeps coming up as that whole play of, oh, it's cruel and unusual punishment. It shouldn't be done. It shouldn't be this. And it never really sticks. It never really plays out. And it gets so I hope that if this is the play, because again, when I talk next about Batman Superman World's Finest, you are setting up that type of story and it says to be continued in action comics. Not this book for that, but we're going to get something like that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you end up where, yeah, this guy goes out. He even like just, he pretty much just imprisons Superman somewhat easily and yeah. then goes off. And yeah, not even when he's like, when he hits the sunlight, then he's like, oh, it's been so long. And then he's above. He's just really like a Doc Ock looking deal hovering over Metropolis and says, Lex Luthor loves Metropolis and Metropolis loves Lex Luthor. It must know the pain I have endured. And now it's going to go at it and says, and then I deal with Lex Luthor. In that super, or Lex wakes up and freaks out as if, like, is there a connection of them? As Because why would he and how would he sense it? I mean, he jumps up, Superman, what what have you done? But it might mm-hmm. be, he still might be reacting to getting stabbed and not saving him. It might be one of those where it looks like the cliffhanger means one thing, but it doesn't. But certainly makes it feel like he has sent something like, oh my God, my vestigial twin is out there. But I thought it was good. I really liked it. And I, I think that you nailed it, though, earlier. A lot of this is about the interactions of the characters. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a scene where Superman goes and wrecks that gun and picks up a van. And yeah, there's a fight scene here, but it's more of this interaction and the things, you know, thinking about Lex trying to be good and stuff like that. And I think that's where this is really, really well done. And then it says that ch- I don't like the name. That's one thing, too. Joshua Williamson, somebody's got to get a hold of him and say, listen, when you make these characters from now on, get a hold of somebody else and ask them the name them because his names are awful, like Shush, the female yeah. Hush. Or, you know, <laughs> hey, I, we have Peace, Peace, Peace Wrecker. Well, oh, that, it's just not. The chain, um, like the yeah. chain. I mean, isn't that a Fleetwood Mac song? I think it is. It is. It <laughs> Maybe is. He was listening to Fleetwood Mac. But I, I mean, at the end, I'm like, yeah, you, you don't have to name it just because the guy's a bunch of chains coming all over. You don't have to name him the chain. You can name him something else. But, uh, but by the end, I thought this was really good, and we get an oversized 850 next issue, so that's kind of cool. And I hope that. It's not like a goofy deal of like, hey, we'll have this side deal and we'll get Leah Williams to do some power. Go leave that crap in her own book. Actually, yeah. don't even leave it there. Get it the hell out. But <laughs> in this, though, I, I want to see more of this and I want to develop this because I thought it was really well done. I really like Cleb Melnikoff's art a lot by the end. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I mean, anyone, Jim, you've kind of laid it out pretty well. Like, you know, I'm not the biggest Williamson fan. I actually really loved his flash run in the beginning. And I think it's just that it meandered so much for so long. It went way too long. It just like, I lost, I, I became more bitter towards it because I did like it at first and then I just didn't by the end. And so, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm willing to buy in as long as yeah. it is good, right? Like, how about this? Um, me no. and you are going to make a pact because we, we agree. We're going to buy into this, right? And me and you yeah. will talk about this going until Eric, if he does come back, whatnot. But me and you are yep. buying into it. But if Joshua Williamson burns us this one last time, we're done. That nobody yes. will ever be able to convince us <laughs> different. It doesn't matter. Even if this Batman and Robin's greatest thing ever, the Green Arrow's great. But we're buying into this because I really, really want to love this story. And I really think it's good right now. 
But like you said, he does start out well at points. Maybe I have to do that. Maybe from now on, we're going to go, me and you by DC. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up the creators as if we have a pitching rotation. And he's a starter. We need six innings from him. We're going to have middle relief. And then we have a closer. And we'll do that with every series. We'll end up doing (laughs) that. We just have to find the right roles in there. But this is a good start. And this is is. really, I think this is the best book so far that we've had coming back from Night Terrors, too. I did like the Green Lantern, but that was kind of a little, hey, let's ease ourselves back in. This has some big stuff. And I really mm-hmm. liked it. So I think we're making a pact. We're making the Williamson pact. The Williamson pact. I'm in. That's I'm in. But again, if he burns this one, and eventually he will, we know he will. It just yeah. maybe it'll take him it's, longer to burn that's us. That's right. Because right? it's like Robin, Robin to me lasted basically until Shadow War. And then I was just like, all right, you get it. This is now you're just setting up this, the next thing, like, right? Whatever. Dark, dark crisis. I don't need that. And so it's like, but I thought it was smart of him to like recognize an endpoint for the Robin book. I disagreed with where it ended, right? But it's like if he goes to issue twenty-five with the Superman run, and it's good for twenty-five issues because we never get to the falling out of the story. I mean, call that a win, right? Like, we'll have like a good deal. You know, we'll it's funny. The deal. weird play of that though is is that a Robin book ending at like eighteen or nineteen, whatever it ended at, you can yeah. end that. A Superman book's going to continue. So what he needs to do. Is it's going to continue. It, it will. We know that. He's got to realize when he needs to get out. Like, okay, yes. I'll the story. Go have him realize that he should go out on top of one of these, not just limp out to correct. The flash deal was then became a thing, and I swear to God, I thought it was okay. We didn't let Tom King go to a hundred. We really want to stick him. <laughs> so Josh, you're going to go to a hundred, so we can laugh. But it ended up at one point where you get that far. They're going to want you to get to that hundred because there you go, a big hundredth issue of one run. And I yep. think he should have been off that. The flash where I liked that, but at the middle of that and then on, I was just like, you are. Jim, flash war was like what? That was like mid fifties. Yeah, like... it's like that. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, was, I'm telling you, it started having problems. And, yeah. and it also was the accessory to getting Wally off to the sanctuary for heroes. Oh, like yeah, it started yeah. doing some real bullshit. And I, I, yep. I and I don't need this book to get to the point where, oh, I went on a flash, you know, quest to see what these other I didn't <laughs> find anything. That's how that yeah. story ended. Like, oh that paradox. I could go through all that nonsense. Again, right, the strengths are just like that he's got the characters down and like the interactions between them. And, like, that includes, like, new developments even, right? Like, um, who are we talking Like, it's Jimmy and his girlfriend, Silver Banshee. Um, yeah, yeah, like, Silver Banshee. Right? Like, I'm just like, I buy this. I, I buy that they work kind of as a couple, like... I, are I, you <laughs> with me that as we go through this, the one thing you're like, but really, get that Marilyn Moonlight the hell out of here, because... Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the weird thing. I'm like, eh, I don't need that, because I... If you're going to give me the choice between date night, Jimmy and Silver Banshee, or we'll... Marilyn Moonlight's out. I'd rather see Jimmy. I like I yeah. like Livewire doing the stupid radio show because it makes me laugh, but I want to have the react. I need Lois to get mad about it and like, have all these <laughs> things and maybe we'll add this. Like I want to see more of that stuff. I don't need Marilyn Moonlight. Uh, some people. Yeah. Remember when there was that play where that, that person put out that there was going to be a Marilyn Moonlight miniseries yes. and it was just a joke and then I'm looking <clears> at the comments like, oh man, this is the awesome. What? Awesome thing. <laughs> I, I, that is, is. Uh, only slightly better 
than the person in a, in a review saying in the Poison Ivy book that we should have a Janet from HR miniseries. I'm like, the minute that DC decides we need a Janet from and I, Janet from HR number one, I'm out. I'm never talking about anything <laughs> again. That's the way DC can finally get rid of me because when I see that, I know that shit has gone way astray that we have that. But I wouldn't mind having a Jimmy Olsen. And the Silver Banshee one shot date night right now. I, I love yeah. that. I, I love anything. I'm in. Jimmy. I love yeah. Jimmy so much. So he's perfect. And, and again, yeah. I like that. I need more Lombard. I want to see more of those guys. But yeah, I mean, what would you give this? Oof. You know, I think for now, yeah, I'm, I think you're going to be higher than me. I think I, I'm will. going to, I'm going to be, uh, uh, I'm going to go with a solid, a solid seven and a half. And I, I know, I know, because you're going to give me, I'm a nine. Yeah, you're, really you're, like you're more bought in than me. I I'm, really like this. <laughs> I, I, I I'm, have I'm to be happy. happy about something. So, yeah. you know, and I think that I, I even think that I'll, I'll let everybody know. I'll if go I remember. to an eight. I'll go I to think, an eight. I think Eric is going to really like this. And, and when I was reading it, I was like, not even Eric could bring me down on this one because I really, really enjoyed it. And just as an aside, this is actually the second time I've talked about this because I ended up talking on Thinking Critical about this as well. And I like it that much that it did. I, I'll talk about it a third time. I mean, you can go and talk it again. But yeah, I really, really liked it. And I really liked the art. And I really liked the character interaction. So when I sit there and think, the only things that I can say negative about it really are things that I'm worried that might fall apart. But that's not happening yet. So, and also the right. name of the chain. I, I can't stand that. That's bullshit. But that's fine. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it though, right? Like, I guess I will go up to an eight. You talk me up. Um, but yeah, I it's never like those two. Make people more positive. Whatever. <laughs> there you go, DC. It's positive Peter over it here. Happens. It positive happens. Positive Jimmy. The, the purveyor of positivity. Purveyor of positivity. Yes, yes. Those two points off are really just like they're they're a skeptical two points I off. Know. I'm like, it's hard uh, not to do it. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to. But again, that's something that if you end up being burnt by a writer, it is hard to get. I. I will admit that when I end up, I really have to say to myself when I read a Tom King book, like this week on the Patreon spotlight, when I go in, I have to sit there. This is a new thing. He's not. But once you start seeing those tropes and you start to get worried again, and that does yep. affect the deal. And and again, that's why everybody has their own opinion. That's why a review score is an opinion. And yep. things everybody comes in with a different play and a different history and a different idea. Again, Eric might read this and say, well, this doesn't make sense because seriously, here's where he would go, because I know this for a fact. The master jailer was d- dead, and he claimed that it was after or before that went to the prison. But then I'd say, well, he did that way in the pay. He wouldn't care. He'd be like, I don't think that would. And he'd have <laughs> some weird way to make it not work in his head because continuity is his thing, and it's never going right. to be right for him. So. But I don't care about that as much. <laughs> I'm like Cindy Lauper and the girls. I just want to have fun. And this was fun, but also <laughs> feels big and dangerous. I really like. I love it's, Mercy too. I, I'm glad that Mercy is full out. I like. I've I've longed. They teased us with Super Lex back in Rebirth, but I've longed to get back to it. Right, and we haven't quite gotten back to it. But it's like we're on the path there, and I want us to get there. Where Lex, I mean, and then the whole company's behind them, right? Like, I, I want to see them working together. I want to see that explored. I, we got teased with it in Rebirth. I want Williamson to go there. Yeah, I do too. And and again, 
Superman is seeing some things like now. Is this going to be something that's so crazy in Superman's mind that he can no longer work with Lex or end up no longer, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. I don't think so. Because yeah. again, <clears throat> this was something Lex can lie. I, but Lex seems on the up and up now, at least. And he could just say, listen, I forgot all about that. Like that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. Maybe there's an explanation. Maybe this or that. But I think that's why you're pushing the idea of, hey, look at this, Mr. Superman. We had this that was going to make toxic water weaponized. Like, there are things going on that you can't overlook that Lex used to be a bad guy because he was. But he's changed yeah. and he's trying to change and it seems legit. Or the funny thing is, here's the other thing before we go. The idea of this is you're waiting for Superman to get pissed off and say, Lex, you're too bad, you're too sus and leave. What happened if it's the opposite? What happened if Lex is the guy who's like, you're not good enough? So like, you never think of Lex breaking up this bromance. In my mind, you're always thinking well, it'd be Superman, the, but it might be Lex. The last time it was Lex that broke up, yeah, it was. broke up the bromance. It was like the whole, you don't trust me on Apocalypse or the whatever. The thing that would make me laugh is Lex goes back, but it's because he wants to be nicer. It'd be weird. But yeah. I'm telling you, like, you have all that <laughs> Mercy's kind of in the middle and like there's not a play here that in a lot of other stories we would have had Mercy run off at a point and get on the secret phone. Lex, he's he's buying it or anything. You end up seeing Mercy look shady and do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have that here. I'm still waiting for Lazarus Planet nonsense to be revealed like the deal. But again, I think that's another thing that gets just pushed away. But all this going i i think that lex and mercy are on the up and up i think that mercy is is enjoying working with superman unfortunately lex was in a coma he's out we'll see what's happening but we'll have to see but i really like i really enjoy and i'm i'm worried and it is one (laughs) of those like it's like you know when am i gonna learn the lesson of uh, he always breaks my heart but i always go back like i'm the guy i can change him he'll be better this time (laughs) And then you realize, Jim, you're you're in an abusive relationship here with this writing. <laughs> you gotta go. But that, that's why I said we're, we're making a vow. We're making a if vow. He, if he breaks our heart again, we're out. We're out yep. until the next time because I can't help. <laughs> it. I mean, that's the thing. You have to. You be, you know you do you do do this podcast and reviews like yeah. So here's yeah. the vow, and and if you're doing it till the end of time with me, even if you're not, the vow is that. Yes, if he if he breaks our heart again, we won't get rid of it, but we'll know that and we'll never let him live it down. Like any yeah. book I review after that point, I will say I'm knocking two points off because he broke my damn heart and I know he's gonna do it again. I'm not I love gonna it. fall for yes. it. Yes, yes, okay. That's what yes. we'll do from now on. I think that'll and work. No one in the, and no one in the Slack ever gets to get upset with me for bitching about no, him. No, we won't be is. able to do that. And we'll even come up while we're doing that, we can come up if somebody comes up. We have the fuck you five. This will be like the Williamson minus two or something like that, where I'll say this is an eight, but we get the Williamson minus two. It's a six. And screw you because you broke my heart is what we'll do. That is a battle right now. And there I'll it is. It. And okay. there it comes back. I'm forcing that on him, too, because he, he admits the same thing that he's been burned. So we'll do that. But that yep. is that. Well, I kept mentioning the idea of the Batman Superman and the whole deal with the Phantom Zone. And that's what we're going to go off to. I'm going to be talking to my man Chris about that in an issue that's pretty good, but kind of it, it ends up not really making a lot of sense by the end, but sets up some big things coming in the future. But we'll go to that right about now. 
All right, we're going to finish up the first section of books with my man, Chris, from Homebrew Comics. What's up, Chris? Oh, not much. Not much. Just enjoying today. Yeah, well, that's good. It's it's actually kind of crappy here in Pennsylvania. Somewhat. It looks like it's going to start raining, but that's fine. I'm tired. I, I'm ready to hit the hay is what I'm ready to do. But we do have this book, and it's one of the books that people really do like. It's Batman Superman World's Finest. And a lot of people have even come back to DC Comics, almost like Mark Wade did, coming back to do this book. Now, this past two-issue arc, we were talking right before we got on, feels like a little bit of a filler, even for the port where it's Travis Moore on art, who does a pretty good job, but it's not Dan Mora. And it's this side little Jaxer type of story that you end up having the Phantom Zone. It seems to be setting up some things that will come up in Action Comics. Later on, it says in 2024. But we're going to go and get the whole deal with Boy Thunder and the Kingdom Come universe starting next issue. That seems like the big play. That seems like the big story that you would want to wait for. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. This felt like I said uh, before we got started, it felt like kind of a filler um, you know, getting us ready for something bigger, which is fine. Yeah, um, it's fine. And the art's still pretty good. It's just not Dan Moore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Dan Moore's art's so good. It'd be tough. But, I mean, he's doing Shazam. They have all the other things going on. And, again, I think that he's doing the Kingdom Come deal, so you would want him to, you know, work ahead and get that going. Uh, anything with that? The the art and the, and the writing felt very, like, 90s cartoon to me. You know, the old Batman, old Superman cartoons which was pleasant. Uh, I love those cartoons, so that's nothing bad. I think the art matched it perfectly, and I am not going to hold the artist to a standard that, you know, he's doing his his job well, um, but he's not Dan. No, <laughs> and, the and the funny thing is, you mentioned that, the funny thing about it is, this is more of the Jaxer from the, the cartoons than the comics. He has the cartoon look, which actually then does play out very well with it so i'm i'm right with you i'm telling you batman in the phantom zone really does look like a cartoon batman it kind of makes me giggle and when you get into this issue you have to also remember that this is years ago they do set that up but this is that first meeting type deal they kind of have gotten away a bit from that even though it's still there but they don't really remind you too much until they do but it ends up it's okay it ends up being an okay story it's just that Things kind of wrap up very quickly. Things get a little wonky, but I'll give you the credits and then we'll go into the actual deal. It is uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number 19, written by Mark Wade, art by Travis Moore, colors by Tamara Bonvalon, and letters by Steve Wan. So we go in and it is, as I said already, Phantom Riddles Part 2. And what ended up happening is Jack Sir had been manipulating the Riddler and drawing Superman and Batman to a specific spot where he had figured out mathematically, he says here, that there will be a little bit of a, a tear, a little bit of a weakening of the Phantom Zone into the regular world. That always gets a little wonky. But he also wanted to grab Superman, but then Batman was there, so he grabbed him. So Batman is in the Phantom Zone, kind of floating around. At points, talking to Alfred. They're doing their deal. People are just hanging out because a lot of Gothamites have disappeared, things like that going on. As you have Jack Sir versus Superman, Okay, they end up beating the crap out of each other. And I do think that there's a little wig wig a bit with Mark Way because it, it's really a thing where Superman, first off, he says, I have the upper advantage here. I have the upper hand because you haven't really soaked in enough of this polar energy and you're not as powered as me. But Jexer realizes, well, Superman ends up trying to save people and puts people at peril so Superman can save them. But as they're fighting, it made me laugh because at one point Superman says, We got to get you out of populated areas for us to fight. Almost like he's kind of. 
you know, wink winking at what happened in the Man of Steel deal with Zod and a Superman where they were just running rampant through Metropolis. I thought that might have been, you know, a little wink, but it's all for fun. And so the the big thing here, though, is they're like playing out the idea of how this happened. Why and how? And I, I said, I think it gets a little wonky. It's not really that explained. There is a hooded figure going around with a ball, like almost like a pokeball, doing things, and that would weaken stuff. But then Jexer says, well, I was a great mathematician. I ended up figuring out this, you know, kind of pattern it was doing so I could, you know, ahead, preemptively know where these tears are, where these things are going to go, and grab some people and then grab Batman, unlike Superman. So we're going through all that, which is fine and dandy. But again, I wanted a little more explanation. But by the end, it is one of those things. My score is going to be affected by it, but it is just kind of a cartoony comic. So you got to like think of it as a, you know, all Silver Age, not everything is explained. So you go with it and try to have some fun. I don't. What did you think? Um, I felt like in the very beginning, we got like a lot of exposition, like out the gate, um, you know, and and like you said, Silver Age comics were known for this having that big exposition with the with the and during the fight scene. And I thought that was going to kind of continue, and it did for a little bit. And then uh, I felt like maybe they just uh, overdid it in the beginning because at that that end, it was like going up, going up, going up, and then done. We were we were just done. Yeah, it just of, ends. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And it really could have used an extra two to three, maybe four pages. To, to to really flesh that ending out nicely. But I will say that it out of all the Batman, Superman first introductions, they didn't do a bad job. Um, actually, when I was reading this, I said to myself, man, I hope like when they do the movies again, they go back to something like this, something to where we see the team up as a mutual, like benef- mutually beneficial thing, not a Martha moment, not something that's forced. I'm telling you, I was waiting for a Martha moment. I really was. And if, if there was, I was ready to cringe at it. But <laughs> it. At least that didn't happen. And what what I do like, and as you're saying that, I do like it because this is that moment where they are teaming up. And I love the idea. Here's the thing. I do love Jaxer in this because the guy gets so pompous so quick. That while they're going on, and you know, Jexer actually wanted to get Superman into the Phantom Zone. He separates Batman and Superman, but then he gets so over the top, and he's like, hey, get this, because they end up figuring out where the next little weakening might be. Alfred kind of gives them a little bit of a tip. They end up trying to figure it out. And when they do, Jexer's ahead of them and actually says, oh, you were trying to push me into the Phantom Zone? Well, I could beat anybody, including you and your butt. And actually, he's the one that grabs Batman out of the Phantom Zone and says, look, I'll even bring back Batman so you both can fight me because I'm so great. And I thought that was hilarious. The idea that he thinks he is so smart and so over the top. And he does play that deal with Superman of saying, I'm better than you because I will do whatever it takes. You end up, and we have this so many times with villains, you know, the idea, well, you, you think you're so great, but you won't go that extra step. You won't kill people. You won't hurt. So I did like the way that that played out. But I thought it was hilarious that he was the one who grabbed Batman out and just, you know, yanked him in. And so when all that is going on, you get back to Batman and Superman. And like you said, I like this intro because nothing feels like Batman saying, hey, uh, Superman, what are you up to? What what is your thing? It is Superman kind of talking, yelling at Jaxer while Batman listens and realizes, okay, this is all about family. Yeah, that there is like instead of the Martha moment, it is the moment of, you know, tragedy and, you know, the idea of losing a family with that. But it's not 
forced in. You know, even a Batman kind of eavesdropping and then asking. He does ask, what's so bad about Jack Sir? And he's like, well, he ended up being the one who went against the law and ended up going and doing space travel. He ended up crashing a rocket, killed people on the moon. But then they really did a lockdown. And my father wasn't able to build the life arcs to get off of Krypton. So he pretty much doomed billions of people. And that's that's pretty bad. I like how Batman, though, every time something like this happens, where Superman's saying that this guy killed billions and this really affected Superman. He doesn't have a home planet. And Batman's like, yep, I know how you feel. Kind of is a little like like he has to almost like, yep, that exact thing happened to me as well. Like, no, Batman, I know you lost your parents. That's fine. But not quite what happened with Superman with that. But it's still it's still kind of funny. Also, I would love where uh, Batman's like, oh, so like you were raised by like a butler. Or so, oh, no, no. I had another family. Real nice people. They raised me. It was awesome. Because, yeah, Batman just ends up saying like, yeah, I know how you feel. I When he says it, it's like. You don't know now, but I know how you feel. Maybe Batman, not not quite, but I do like that. I like seeing, and you know what the best part is, I think, is the idea when you get these stories, did you actually see a nicer Batman? Because he is there, he's trying to, you know, figure out things, but he's very nice to Superman. He's not, because there have been some of the first appearances, one of them being the John Byrne in The Man of Steel. Batman's a dick throughout that. Batman is a real jerk to Superman because he's heard about Superman. He's seen him and he does not trust him one bit. So he keeps like, I don't need you around. I don't want you here. You're not put. And by the end, he he warms up to him, obviously. But at least here you end up. And I do like where you get to the point where Superman's holding the Batman as if it's like a lowest lane, like it's fallen off of a building. But it's because he got yanked out of that, you know, little fissure there. And it's pretty nice, but they end up, you know, together. But Batman's thinking ahead and says, okay, well, Jaxer's mad. He's mad at you because, and he says, he says, Jaxer wants to be the last Kryptonian, but he's also mad about the people who put him in jail, everybody who would be involved. And I'll go with you because that's where Batman has Superman realized that he was probably going to the fortress and he's going to attack the bottled city of Kandor. Which I thought was like a little weird that we didn't see him get there, didn't see him do things. He's just there, uh, but it's okay, right? Yeah, I, honestly, that that didn't feel that rushed to me. That felt okay. That I mean, the pacing throughout the entire thing is very fast. Um, but again, if you're going at it like the old '90s cartoons, they had a short amount of time to get stuff done. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault him on that. Um, I, I will agree with you. The, the, I, I was, I was waiting for that Martha moment, uh, especially when they started talking. Oh, like that, the, oh, you too kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, please don't go into this. Please don't. <laughs> no, don't do that. Nobody likes yeah. that. You have to be aware that nobody wants that. Luckily, he is. He was aware. So that's and, funny. And I think, I think we got a, a good, um, I'll agree with you. Batman is typically like that jerk, but he wasn't. He, he, he learned about Clark in that moment. But he didn't play his whole hand, and I I actually liked that. I think Batman is a lot like that. He'll always kind of get the information he needs and not divulge anything more about him out the gate. And I, I felt that detective piece coming in. Okay, so, you know, like in his head, he's like trying to figure Clark out a little bit more because that line at the end, like, I shouldn't trust you. Like, normally I, w- I wouldn't trust you. And him not giving out all that information shows us he doesn't fully trust him. Like, they're going to work together. And he's cool, you know, with this this moment, but he hasn't fully decided if he likes Clark or not. And I thought that was a good, um, like, story moment. 
Um, so I enjoyed that piece. The Candor thing, um, uh, that I didn't actually expect that. <laughs> I didn't either. Um, now, and when I said rush, the only thing that I thought now, again, though, it's a weird thing to think because a lot of people will think in their head about a like year one or year two that came, but you don't really think a lot of a year one or year two fortress of solitude. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of maybe have to put that in mind because all I meant was though you end up in what I thought we would see was that when he goes to the fortress, he's able to enter because he's Kryptonian that Superman would have set up a lit, you know, there'd be some sort of defense. I mean, it would have been hilarious if we go with the big giant key because he'd be able to do that as well. He'd be able to get in. And I think Mark Wade just wants you to get to Ken, but I actually wanted to see at least something that there were some defenses on the outside of the fortress of solitude, but I will give the benefit of the doubt because Maybe Superman is not at that point where he thinks anybody could get there or anybody would because there is no other real Kryptonians except the ones in the bottle. But I, I actually just I kind of wanted to see Jaxer with the giant key turning it going and it would have made me giggle. But I, I get it. You know, you, you don't need to see everything. But you go on because I did not expect to see the bottled city of Kandor being attacked. by Jack. I mean, he's pissed and it's vicious. That's like the most vicious thing I've seen. Pretty much in a long time of the bottled city of Candor. Oh, and that, that that like I said, we go from '90s cartoon to brutality, and I was just like, oh wow! And you hear right before this how big of a you know a, like how bad of a guy this is, and how many people he's killed, and all this stuff. And then they just they just show you, you know, like you can't like this guy. And I I really appreciated that as well because I do think we get too many villains that we can sympathize with and you can't sympathize with a guy who's like oh there's more kryptonians i'm just gonna destroy them all right now and they're only tiny little <laughs> cute little kryptonians and he's there and I'm, I'm sitting there and it's the bottled city so you got the and i'm getting the idea like is is it even magnifying the deal because he is really like attacking ants there and mm-hmm. i i think also what i think this might be because mark wade i think that he realized because i actually thought to myself too batman's hearing the story from superman hey listen this guy, he wasn't supposed to build a rocket. He did, and it crashed on the moon and killed a bunch of people. Okay, well, you know, Batman might say to himself, well, that's unfortunate, but did he mean to do that, right? So then because of that, they have to really barrel down and strict laws really enforce no more space travel. And that's a big thing for Krypton back in the day. But then when Superman says him, because of that, Everybody died. So it's Jack Surrey killed billions. And I still think you can argue the fact that, well, not really. I mean, I know he did this, but it was a Kryptonian law that was really important. But there were other, like, it's not really his, he couldn't be, but he's in the Phantom Zone. So I think that you have to see, oh, yeah, he is a real piece of crap. Look at what he does now. So that it all comes together to be like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have any remorse. And he is, he's a big piece of, you know, like I said, a piece of crap. So I did laugh. But when he did it, I'm like, these these poor Kandorians are like, oh, and I, I'm telling you, the Kandorians, a lot of times they end up being so sus because they'll end up escaping the bottle. All of a sudden they're attacking you. I mean, they have had so many times where they do get out and they cause havoc and mayhem and things. But at this point, they're just in the bottle. They're doing nothing. They're not harming anybody. And you have Dexter just, he is really enjoying himself because you would think, I would think myself, like you can get rid of a bottled city of Kandor very quick. Like you can really destroy it in an instant. He is having fun just burning them 
and watching things melt. And it's bad. And luckily, Superman realized, yeah, that's what he's going to do and comes in and just clobbers them. But then we, and that's cool. I thought all this was really good. I love the stuff with Batman, Superman, and the Jexer stuff is fun, even brutal. Then we go with Alfred, and there's this mysterious figure. And this is where I think it's like, okay, I see you're setting up something, but it's not really doing anything for this now. And it kind of even makes it a little more convoluted as you go forward. I do like Alfred, though, and his, his butler outfit in the Phantom Zone. He's like the, the best dressed guy in the Phantom Zone mm-hmm. three years yeah. running. And he sees this hooded figure and he's like, huh, what's going on? That's how they're giving portals now. In my mind, I don't know about you, but it kind of throws out that, okay, I'm measuring the pattern of these rifts and tears. And now we find out it's a guy going. It still can be a pattern, but it's this guy going around with this ball doing things that seems a little less. But he's the one. Seems like he's trying to test out how he could get out and everybody else. Because at the end, it does look like he wants to just make a massive breakout of the Phantom Zone. Because he thinks, you know, the cruel and unusual punishment of it, which we've had in a lot of books as well, which is interesting enough, but it's not for here. That's to set up how Jexer got involved a bit, but for here, we're there for, for that fight. But then we go, and I, I love Batman, too, where he's pissed off, number one, there's no stairs in the Fortress of Solitude. Because like a guy who flies doesn't <laughs> need stairs. Yep, so that's yep. kind of funny. I mean, that was funny. He's climbing. And you even have Alfred of the Phantom Zone kind of. Pitching and moaning that he's taking too long, things like that. But he's he's trying to get, and I do like when he jumps and gets up to the deal. And there's just so many alien tech things, and it does look like he's like, holy crap! Like, look at all this stuff. But he's looking for the Phantom Zone projector, and we didn't even see like a lot of the setup is off panel. But Mark Wade plays it off like, okay, so he's like, oh, I got to find this red thing. Oh my god, he does finally find it. As he's going through a bunch of other tech and Superman is getting the crap kicked out of him. And then you go because he gets the Phantom Zone projector, but it's a dupe twist that I don't think plays out very well by the end. But it works and it's fine, right? Yeah, I mean, it it, it worked. Um, it, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. So I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because what he does is gets the crystals out of the Phantom Zone projector. Embeds them in the floor, it seems, to make the floor of the Phantom... I don't know how that science works, but it's comic books. It it almost feels like this is one of those issues that if you're going to like it, you do kind of have to like shrug and go, well, it's comic book stuff, Silver Age stuff, because Jaxer goes over this area and all of a sudden is like, oh, no, because he rips open, he destroys the Phantom Zone projector. There's nothing inside it. Again, I don't know personally exactly what is inside, what not. You do have the crystals and things, but it wasn't like that ripped open. I said, oh, my God, they duped him. He had to say it for me to know. And then he's like, no, you ended up rigging the floor. (laughs) And I disappeared. He goes into the Phantom Zone. And then you have pretty much Predator handshake between Superman and Batman. And that's Mm -hmm. always awesome. I love that. And they're, now they're friends. And and that's the, the cool part of it. They end up being friends without the we have to fight first to be friends like you were talking about. I like that in Batman and Superman. I like that they just end up working together, see that they can rely on each other. Boom, friends. I thought that was good. No, I really actually appreciated it because we get too many of these conflict where there doesn't need to be conflict. You know, um, one of my biggest issues is that when they do stuff like that, it could easily be a conversation. And these are both people who always have good intentions. They're good guys. They're not bad guys. And while Batman 
can be a little hot-headed, you know, but he's generally very level-headed. He's cynical, but he's still a good guy. Yeah, like, he, he wouldn't right? just go straight to combat. No. You know, he just wouldn't. Um, so when you bring in Clark and you bring the situation, I, I loved the detective piece, like where he's like, brings him to his house, invites him in, and then he's like, Oh yeah, there's poison gas in the room. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a Batman the move. That is such a Batman move. You know, he's like, um, you know, showing showing that he is a very intelligent person. Um, and you know, he's figured out that, that Clark is is Superman. He he shows that very well. And there's no you know needed conflict between them. It's just two dudes talking. They figure it out. Like, okay, cool. We have the same problem. Let's work together. You know, like. I do like it. I'm with you. And what I do like, too, in that scene, last issue, you end up Batman set up all that stuff. I mean, he set up things to make sure. And even that idea that he's pretty sure that it is Superman, Clark Kent Superman. So he's doing that. I don't know that he's doing that with any other people, you know, and everybody's getting knocked out in the mansion. But he ends up where <laughs> when he's doing this, though, you have that go where Bat- okay, Batman's behind the scenes. He's there setting up all this crazy stuff. And then when they walk down, Superman just says, oh, and I know you're Bruce Wayne, Batman. And it, it was done in the way where that would be right for like Clark just kind of shrugs it off and says, and I like that idea, too, is the idea that if, in fact, that's true, not true, whatnot, nothing's that bad. It's not going to harm. Nobody's going to harm Superman. So he kind of just but he's also smart enough to get that. But what they really do push, Mark Wade pushes here, and it works for me, is that, again, Batman He's always a little standoffish until you prove yourself. But Superman is a little more open, but also he tells a lot of dad jokes and he thinks he's hilarious. And, and I don't know why it really plays off the whole Kansas thing. And, and like he, he Superman is a guy who would probably tell a lot of dad jokes. Batman just doesn't tell jokes, but he ends up like laughing at it a bit because they end up, you know, given the, the, you know, predator handshake, as I said, now in that. Then you just see people being fished out of the Phantom Zone, seemingly from the projector and the floor. It doesn't, it's not really explained, but everybody's back. So you have that, but then they have to, then they have to take down the Riddler. And again, I like this. And this is actually the thing. Again, you said the Candor thing, which I agree. I didn't expect. I didn't really expect the crap talking of Batman about how hard it is to live in Gotham. Because he really tries to push to Superman that's usually not this easy because Riddler ends up getting caught, but he's out of sorts. And then even there where here's the Riddler, he gets caught. Looks like they're just throwing rebar at him and, and you know, getting him in a prison as Superman tells a dad joke riddle and then gets him as if he's like, hey, and it, it, what it reminds it's hard to explain. It reminds me of you have a friend and you've really pumped something up as really cool. And then when you go to it, like I'd say to you, me and you are hanging, and I have a friend, Tommy. I'm like, man, this Tommy, he's so great at basketball and he's awesome and he's cool. And then you show up and he's ter- he, like, he's the worst. And then I'm like, oh man, I feel like a jerk for saying that. So I make up these excuses. Riddler's taken out so easy that Batman is like, listen, usually the Riddler's a lot tougher than that. Like, <laughs> it, it's pretty tough in Gotham here. I'm not any slouch here. I know. But the thing is, it, it also plays back at the idea. Number one, Clark doesn't say and he says if you say so kind of like hinting at like yeah right but he's not being mean you don't have super because here's the legit thing we know this if superman went to gotham for a weekend everything's done i mean he can he's superman he an idea that a guy's telling riddles he's just gonna go and find him immediately grab him and it's done and so it overpowers he's he's too op 
for Gotham. But I liked that play where Batman's really like, you just don't get it. It's really, really tough here. Just not right now. Like he's off his, but he was off his game. And I do like that. And he's like, if you say so, all right. But then you end up having that last bit of, you know, hey, parents and how you're avenging things. Is that what you're trying to do? And yes, Superman says, I do what I do to help make a world where no one has to feel abandoned and alone. And he says, son, I like this too, because again, the light and the dark, he's like, listen, the sun is coming up. That means, you know, the end of your shift and I'm going to start mine in that way. Again, hey, Batman, you better go and take a rest. You've had enough now. I've been with you this whole time, but my shift started like my real work is starting. I just like the like side little thing because we know also the way that Superman doesn't need to sleep all, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff like that. You know, Batman's off and he's just like feverishly typing things into the back computer about Superman now. I thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun the way that it ended. And there's parts that I really like. It's just the overall story. You have big parts of it, like the Phantom Zone that isn't really explained. You kind of get in out of that. A shame that you didn't get more. But I don't know that there was room for that anyway. And then there's an epilogue with this guy. And it's Aether, the Messiah. He is in the Phantom Zone. And again, it's going to play with the idea that being banished to the Phantom Zone is one. It's just torture. We've dealt with this a lot of times. But he says, I'm going to release all of them. There's a lot of bad people in Mm -hmm. the Phantom Zone. So it says continued in the pages of Action Comics in 2024. I'm looking forward to when that happens and see what goes on. And then we'll be like, oh, man, I remember that guy. We don't learn much about him here, but then you end up saying next month we're going to get Kingdom Come, which that'll be pretty cool. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I hope that it's just kind of there and you don't have to do too many wacky things there, but I am interested to see how it plays out. How about you? Um, Yeah, I that that ending, it felt kind of shoehorned in with those pieces like we could have you could have accomplished the story without the introduction of that additional character. I get that they're trying to connect it and all. Um, I do wish this two-parter would have just been the two-parter, um, not, hey, we're, we're going to spend the last page that could have been fleshing this out a little bit more, getting you ready for the next thing. Um, I There's a few things in here that I really liked. One, I, I liked the, the way they, they work together. The hard thing about Batman and Superman is you have Superman you know, and a, a guy, right? How, how do you balance a fight when you have a Kryptonian? And a human. And I thought that they did that very well. Uh, you know, Batman doing what Batman does, going there, setting up the trap and, and Superman kind of just, t- you know, taking the punches, right? He said he like, was doing the rope, but though. Yeah. I mean, even, even the, like the, the wording that they used was very old school. I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed the feel of it from, I actually went, uh, so I started it out and I started reading and I was like, ah, oh, let me go back because I was really taken out by, the way the words flowed, um, it, it it was just very jarring to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, this is old school. You know, this is so I had to go back in that mentality. There was a line where you're waiting for it. And he used the older expression. Hey, I got out of there in a nick, mm-hmm. not the nick of time. But that is the older expression. It, you know, I got out in the nick. That That's the deal. So I'm with you. Also, I have to point out that I didn't bring it up, but I did think it was really nice. Because while you have Jexers just talking crap on Superman, and he says, listen, you think that you're equal to me, I'm smarter, I'm stronger, I'm more brutal. 
And when they do the plan, and and it is Batman who rigs some things because you need the distraction of Jack Sparrow's pretty much going, you know, full out WWE on. I mean, Superman's getting the crap kicked out of him. But when they do end up right before Jack Sparrow, you do have Batman yell, by the way, it was Superman. Okay, <laughs> Like he actually gives props to Superman just so Jack Sparrow knew as he went to the Phantoms on the last bit. It almost felt like the, you know. It, shake and bake and I help He ended up there Superman's like oh thank you Because yep. he just he got the crap I love what he says like yeah I couldn't have Rope a doped anymore and I'm like <laughs> I have not Heard somebody use that expression in quite Some time maybe Muhammad Ali eh, Back in the day so I, I But I thought it was really fun that way Again some of the things were forced Some of the things weren't explained and maybe you're right Maybe we could have gotten rid of that Page even the page when Alfred said, Alfred's basically following this guy around. The guy just disappears. Alfred doesn't learn anything. He just says, oh, I think that this guy, oh, he left. So we had yep. pretty much two pages that maybe you could have fleshed that bit out a bit more. And you could have had just Jack Sir figuring out a way to get out of the Phantom Zone. We've seen that before. And it's Jack Sir. He's smart. So maybe that's the play. But what would you give this overall? Uh, honestly, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm going to give it an eight. Um I think yeah, I'm going to go seven, uh, one point lower only because of those other things. But I do give it my recommendation. I, I still think it was very good with the basis of what it's trying to do. A first meeting, the mm-hmm. best buds, they learn to trust each other. It really does accomplish all that. It's just kind of getting there is kind of forced uh, around the edges there that I can't really go full out. And like you said, I'm not going to give Travis Moore any crap. I think that the art worked for what the story was, and I'm not going to judge him just because of the normal artist on here. He's Travis Moore. He's not Dan Mora, and that's yeah. that. I mean, you can't really you know, get upset about So I'm sure that my wife ends up wishing I was Brad Pitt, but I'm not. And she's <laughs> never going to get Brad Pitt, so she's going to have to deal with it. And so there. So I think yeah, that she pitch. probably rates me lower because of that, but maybe. But I, I did like his art. I felt like a lot of his panel layouts were trying to channel some of that Dan Mora. Um, if you go back and look at some of his design styles and the way he's he sets up his panels, it reminded me a lot of Dan. And I like when guest artists or fill-in artists do that because it doesn't take you out of the cinema. Like Because your brain kind of has a cinematography feel to it once you go through book after book after book with the same artist. And he he channeled what he could. But at the same time, like I was saying earlier, I really felt that it lent the art style lent to the story itself. You know, it's you don't go back and, and rewatch a, a you know a '90s cartoon and expect it to look like a 2023 cartoon. Yeah, you unless just don't. you're like my kids, like jerks. Like if oh, they're yeah. going the first time, then oh, like man. this looks like crap, and you're like, no, it doesn't. You don't understand. I had them arguing with me that the you know the space scenes in the original New Hope and the original Star Wars. You know the the ending, the whole deal with the Death Star. I'm like. You don't understand, kids. Like, this is way beyond state-of-the-art at that point. And they're like, no way. Mm-hmm. They get mad. I'm like, no. But no, and I I think that when you're talking with that, one of the biggest things is, first off, this is a two-issue side story. So having the new artist, different artists in that, that works out. And I think that in a trade, this will be fine. You'll mm-hmm. end up getting oh, yeah, something. You'll go, fine. oh, you'll notice there is a difference. But you also will notice that you're telling a different story as well. Even going back further in the timeline in a, a series that is back a bit in the timeline. Yeah, it's so like a flashback or, of a flashback. It's a flashback <laughs> of a flashback, and I, I do like it. And it's one of those things everybody wants to tell their year ones and things like that, and, and a lot of people have. But the first meeting of Superman Batman is huge, and it's one of those things that you don't really hear about how many times there were that. 
like yeah, Grant Morrison came up with that deal. Every Batman writer has to kill Batman. That ended up being one of the worst trends ever because mm-hmm. then they really took to it. But I do think that if you're doing a world's finest, at some point you should tell your version of the first meeting. And that's fine. Nobody's going to get upset that this wasn't on the cruise ship that was one of the first ones. Or as I said, this at points even feels a bit like the John Byrne deal with a couple of twists and turns. So I liked it. it so I'm going to go natural. It, like the, everything in this, it, it felt natural. The only things that really took me out were the rushing at the end. And the one scene that really did like irk me was Batman just using telepathy because he can. Yeah, you know? it's funny when they, they and that I think that and I'm glad you brought that up. I think without that, I wouldn't have been so particular with some of the other things. But because that was fudged so poorly, he's like, well, Jack Sir could do it. So why wouldn't I be able to? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that's Jack Sir. He's yep. also Kryptonian. He also lived in the Phantom Zone all this time. So stop it. Yeah, that was just kind of play. And then Alfred's doing it. And then everybody's doing it. It's just yeah. kind of, I, it, again, if you had that connection, like even then, Alfred connected with that. It was not, it is nonsense what he said. Well, that. I'm like, really? The other thing I picked up on in this was Alfred is is Batman light. He, he, he really is. He even drew this dude that he sees for two seconds perfectly. Oh, yeah, that's perfectly. a great picture. Like, he should be the artist on the book. Why is he there? I'm like, holy crap. Like, And he's just doodling in, in the cave. This isn't like he went to a, a, you know, a sketch artist or anything like that. He's like doing it. It looked better than I'm, I'm telling you, Travis Moore's guilty. You know, not guilty. He's jealous of Alfred for how good that damn thing looked. He's I know. Like, I'm oh sitting there. God. I'm like, what can't Alfred do? He's figuring it. He, he's as good as a de- detective as Batman. He can get in and out of the, the Phantom Zone. Like, like I'm over here going, man, why don't you just put a cape on, too? Uh, yeah, really. You know? he, he was, like, three feet away from what's going to be one of the bigger villains, it seems, coming up. If he would have known, he'd probably take him out. And he could do whatever he wants. That that Alfred also he a lot of encouragement and makes a hell of a cucumber sandwich, that guy. Uh, but, yeah, I, so all that is pretty good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend this book. Uh, like I've said. I, I just liked it at the comic book. It it just does what it needs to do and it does it well. So that is that that's pretty much the end all. And and again, even though I thought it was a little bit down with some of the things, it's still one of the better books coming out. And if you want to have a book that you just have fun, this is it. You you end up there's nothing being told to you anything but just, hey, let's have some silver age kind of fun and go with that. So I do really like it, but thank you. Again, for joining me, you want to give everybody uh, the uh, links or at least tell them where they can find you? Yeah, uh, my website is homebrewedcomics.com. I'm on Instagram mainly at instagram.com slash homebrewedcomics. That's where you can find me most of the time. Um, and again, thanks for having me on. This is a blast. I really yeah, enjoy oh, I this. I love it. I, um, I love talking to everybody, especially you and everybody else. I really have a ball talking to different people because everybody has their own little opinions and different things. And I've kind of been locked in that same thing over and over so this is actually very refreshing I, i'm having some fun i didn't think we were going to talk this long either i will i will tell you though <laughs> I, I ended up telling some people when we got done talking the last time a couple weeks ago we did end up talking about star wars afterwards we were talking for quite oh, some wow. time afterwards yeah. about a bunch of other things that was really fun so i can talk star wars forever yeah, so. I <laughs> that's i I'm telling you, I will bring it up no matter what and anything I did it tonight. So I will keep doing that. But thanks so much. And again, all the links, all the stuff for Chris will be in the show notes. So go there. There'll be clickable links to go. But uh, from here, I believe it's tough to think because I think we have nine different people on this week. So I'm I'm thinking, though, that at this point, I think I'm going off to some mail. 
But if we don't, please forgive me, everyone, but I think we're going to go off and uh, talk a little bit of the mail that we got the last couple of weeks. And this is the mail section of the show. And if you want to be part of the mail section, making you one of the stars of the show, of course, just like Joe and Polly P right here, please email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. And really, that's something that Eric had made a rule for so many years that you had to email for the mail section. I'm throwing it out. Well, Eric is not here. It is no rules apply Sunday, Monday, I don't know, whatever day you want to message us. But you can end up, if you follow us on Twitter, if you follow us anywhere, just send me a message. Tell me, hey, this is for the podcast, for the mail section, and you are in. Once Eric comes back, we'll, we'll pretend this didn't happen. We, we will never mention it to him. But I say... All rules out the window, and we're going to start with Joe here, and Joe says, good morning, Jim. Joe again, keep up the great work. In the podcast, you mentioned that you can't remember or find an issue where Green Lantern manipulated the color spectrum, and what Joe is referring to is last week during the Green Lantern number three review that I did with my man Mark from the Second Print Comics podcast, we were talking about that play where Hal uses his ring and uses a different color, actually makes a pink, what looks like an elk or a gazelle, I guess it was. And I said that I knew it happened at some point. I even had heard the podcast of Oa talking about it as well, but I never could find the issue. I was trying to do it. And he says the only instance I can think of is in the Green Lantern Green Arrow team up number one on page 18. He uses it to change or remove a suit. While the suit is green, there are a number of different shades of green in the outfit itself. And that's something I said to Mark when we were talking about it, kind of that little bit of a wink, wink. It always was able to do a little bit different than just green because it does create the costumes. And a lot of the Green Lantern costumes have little different things going on with blacks and whites as well as the green. But I think that what Jeremy Adams was doing here is specifically giving a color that was from the emotional spectrum that's usually the star sapphire. So I think he was playing with the idea that maybe, just maybe, that this ring that Hal has made out of pure will, it's actually tapping into not just the green uh, or will of the spectrum, but also other colors, which that's kind of cool. Kind of a cool thing, right? I remember back in the New 52, the New Guardians book that ended up having Kyle Rayner leading a team of all different colored rings was one of Eric's favorites. He loved it. He had a shirt that actually was the cover of the first New 52 issue, and I thought it was cool, too. We used to joke around that that was a colorist dream to actually be on that book and have that many bright and popping colors on it, but that was a pretty good book. I actually did like that it was kind of a crazy deal crazy team going on there which then led to what seemed like kyle was the white lantern that he could actually grab all of the different spectrums it's kind of a cool time cool time indeed but joe does says don't know if that counts i say it does i make see there's no rules no rules sunday still but 
That is the instance that I found and then says, see you in seven. So thank you, Joe. Thanks for looking into that. And yeah, I'm telling you, I think that it, people have said it's something I haven't been able to find the exact deal, especially using a pink type deal. But I think it's a kind of an intriguing thing to go forward with Jeremy Adams run. Now, the next email is from Polly P and longtime members of the Get Fresh crew. Obviously, with no Polly P by name. Because he is a member of the Get Fresh crew, but he ended up, he wasn't reading a lot of things. He actually, at one point, got really back into music, if I'm not mistaken. And he, out of the blue, ended up, you know, tweeting to me and said, hey, what's going on with DC right now? What's going on with this dawn at DC? What's it like? And me and him kind of tweeted back and forth. And I said, there's some pretty good books. It's kind of getting back to the basics. And it was funny because Polly. He didn't want to accept that right away. He actually said to me, like, yeah, that sounds a lot like Rebirth. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I did say it's a back to the base. DC didn't necessarily say that. I was just giving him, like, that's what it feels like to me. And I think there's some good books. So we ended up talking in DMs about DC, Dawn of DC, even some things about where it went wrong with Rebirth. And I ended up pointing him in the direction of a couple books that I thought, think you're going to like these i think that you're actually going to enjoy these and lo and behold he did and that's awesome again in a podcast especially this episode tonight where i'm going to scream and yell about things not being great or whatnot it is the fact that i love dc comics more than just about anything i have to keep that quiet my wife's in the next room but with that i i love when people are reading the books i love when they're excited because that's what i feed off of as well if people end up getting excited, then I get excited, then they get excited, then I start crying, and then they laugh because they're such troopers. You know how it goes. Holy P says, hello, Jim. Hello, Eric, wherever you are. I'm like looking off to one glowing star in the sky, wondering where Eric is. Hello, Get Fresh Crew. Boop, boop. And hello, Mother. Hey, howdy. Hey, everybody in weird science land. If my name doesn't sound familiar... I was part of the original OG crew back when it first launched, and he definitely was. That's why I said it. It's funny. I had read this email when it first came in, but it was a bunch of days ago. I forgot that he said that. I survived the 12-plus-hour podcast, did some stuff with the WS Mixler channel. I ended up thinking about that the other day. We used to have just a radio channel that people, we didn't do really anything with the podcast on it. We actually just had a bunch of people, including Polly P., Spinning the platters that matter It was pretty cool And did some reviews for the site Which he did But then about three years ago I stopped reading completely Because I simply wasn't enjoying anything It was when Bendis had control of the entire Superman line Scott Snyder My least favorite writer of the time Or all time He says Had his death metal bullshit going on Tom King had long overstayed his run on Batman Even though I did enjoy most of his run And that's one of the things that me And Polly. And his man Gareth used to get in a bit of a fight. And they actually, I caught them throwing shade at me on their podcast at one point. Pretty much about, I believe, the beginning. Either it was the beginning of the jokes and riddles, which I do think it was. But I think they also made fun of me during the button as well. That's when I lost my cool about certain hockey things going on. But I do think it was the first issue of the jokes and riddles. That I'm like, ooh, I'm going to see what Polly P and Gareth are talking about on this thing. I'm going to see that. Oh, my God, they're making fun of me. And then I yelled at them. And then they yelled back at me. And then I cried. Then they laughed because they're such troopers. 
Oh my god, it all goes full circle. Every writer had their own little fiefdom and nothing interconnected. And it was hard to invest in any story. And Paulie asked me if that was going on. And while there are different little things going, it's not as bad as it was with Snyder, Johns, Bendis, everybody, Eric. I had event fatigue and was tired of constantly having the DC Universe will never be the same again. Speaking of which, uh, Tom Taylor just ended up tweeting this week that after the Beast World, the DC Universe will never be the same again. And that's probably so you just got to not listen to that. Every two months anyway, I've started poking my nose back in the comic scene and Dawn of DC came at just the right time. I've been catching up on what's happened, starting with action, Superman, Detective, and Brave, and The Bold. I'm enjoying seeing some old faces around the titles. Con Keenan from the Rebirth Superman was a great thing to see. Yeah, we back in the day when that book first came out, me, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to get on my little, you know, soapbox, pat myself on the back, maybe. Because not everybody liked that book. But I really liked it right away. Eric did not. Reggie was kind of on the fence. Reggie kind of came over to my side quicker than Eric, but we both, or all of us, did grow to like that by the end. That was one of my favorite books from Rebirth. And at the time, it was so unlike everything else. It was such a breath of fresh air. Glad to see him back. Now, I say that, and I was pointing Polly to a bunch of different things. I might have to point him to some other Gene Wen Yang stuff that has come out that he might enjoy. I'm not up to the Gotham War, and I'm skipping Night Terrors completely, which right there we see that Paulie, he's a smart man. It seems like bullshit, and it's, I don't understand for the life of me why they'd interrupt on a DC for such a stupid quote-unquote event. See, that's the thing. He's already explained the event completely and accurately, so why should he read it? He already said it was stupid, and it interrupted the Dawn of DC. Yes and yes. I really like Brave and the Bold. I know Tom King isn't a favorite around the podcast, but when we, he can write just outside of continuity and not have anything tied to a definite time frame, he's one of my faves. I'm loving Tom King taking Batman back to street level and being scary to villains and not having them traipse around the multiverse, which with this bullshit anti-monitor tuning fork and the Barbados and wishing machines. It's funny because he's throwing shade at Scott Snyder but might also be throwing shade at Chip Zdarsky. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I'm long overdue to write to the podcast and excited about where the line in, is going in general. In general is going. I don't know why I'm mincing words here. See you around. And that is from Polly. And I, I wonder what Polly will think of Wonder Woman this week when he gets to it. He's actually not up to Gotham more stuff like that. But when he does get to... The whole Wonder Woman deal. I'm going to use my soothsaying future telling abilities. He's going to like it. He does like Tom King. He's more of a Tom King fan than me, but I like what Paulie used to be honest about. He used to be, he's not one of those, you know, fanboys that's just going to love everything that Tom Taylor or Tom King does. He ended up admitting when it wasn't good, but he did like some stuff more than me. It was a little more lenient. And did I tell you that at one point they were making fun of me in that first issue of the Jokes and Riddles? I caught them. I Actually, it's funny. I'm sitting here thinking about it, and it's one of those funny plays where a lot of things, especially something audio, where it does connect you to a time frame. And, and I actually heard one very, very smart fellow named Paul McCartney. You might have heard him, Paul McCartney. He actually said that in his mind, this is kind of funny, but he said in his mind, 
The only thing that really can be a time travel device is a song. Because he said a lot of times you will connect those songs to something that happened in the past. And when you hear it again, it's almost like a time machine and takes you back and you get those, you know, you even sometimes will get smells or feelings and emotions. I do remember when I heard Holly talking shit on me. It was during a break at it was a lunch break at our work. Me and Eric were working and I went out into the car to eat and i would go out in the car and just sit there and eat and, and listen to the radio well i happened to listen to their podcast while i was eating and i'm like what the hell and then i made them eat crow i did they eat crow because he's in australia and i hear that that's a delicacy i don't even know if they have crows there but maybe they do but yeah paulie thanks for emailing i'm glad that you're back on that is exciting to me like i said it, it did get me really really excited when you first ended up tweeting me and then after our little talk about rebirth and you were worried that you know things hadn't changed that you did give it a shot and that really is something that i hope that a lot of people end up doing and maybe we'll get a lot of the ogs back i'm talking about like missy t bobby all of the ogs from back in the day would be awesome but thanks for getting back in touch, Polly, and I'm glad you're liking the book. So that is it for the mail. Like I said, you don't really have to email if you end up having anywhere that you follow us or you know see me walking down the street. Just yell out your questions, comments, whatnot, and then I'll put it on. But if you do want to email us officially, you can email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com, and I will read everything very much so if you end up either saying that Gabe's sus Telling me that Luke Hollywood's drunk Or also, you know Worrying about Eric Slash Throwing shit at him Those are the things that'll get you right to the top Of the chain there But thanks everybody again And we'll get back to the show And we're going to get back to uh, another foreigner Old Simon Oh, that Simon The things that he tells me about London Town Every time that we get on the podcast I, They make me blush They actually do but we're going to go off. Me and Simon are going to get kicking into the next section with the old Nightwing. Did Grayson had a problem with KGBs? And Nightwing fans felt like they had been fleeced. They got Rick Grayson and subscriptions decreased. The future was kind of shitty. Tom Taylor showed up, made everyone glad. Gave Dick a billion and he's rooming with Babs. He saved the three-legged dog from boys who were bad. The sky was the limit. Now it's the great Dick Grayson. Fancer is through and through. Here is the So much better than me and you. 
Oh, yes, he is better than me and you, and the you is Simon. What up, Simon? What up, Jim? Here we are, and we're going to be going through Nightwing, the crew of the cross, (laughs) part one. And when we go through this, and me and Eric have been talking about this for quite some time, the idea that Tom Taylor doesn't really tell much of a story in in an issue. You end up ending an issue with, okay, we got something there. But I I have told people, and I explained it as empty calories. It's like the idea... Of eating something, you know, yeah, sweet candy you, like, or whatever, but you're not I, getting any value. I binged it. a lot of Nightwing over the last 24 hours to catch up because I kind of fell off after Tom Taylor's first arc. So I've, I've been binging these empty calories for the last 24 hours and I might have diabetes now. You might so have diabetes. You have the Shatteringly baddest. sweet. It's so, and again, like you say, it's so empty. Like I, we're up to, this is almost the 30th issue of Tom Taylor's Nightwing now. And it just feels so insubstantial. There's so little progress happening at any given point in time. And I mean, stuff has happened, but has, stuff it, been, has, happened. Yeah. has it been 30 issues worth of stuff? The other thing of that is we now have a backup, which we'll get to this one by Michael W. Conrad, which has some odd things in it. But also that that play of things end up being put aside a lot. Heartless ends up showing up right away. He and then he in and out of this book out. so much. It's bizarre. I'm going to end up having an issue with some time frame, which, but that's what Tom Taylor does. And this isn't the only time he's done it, is where you end up because he must realize, oh, man, I've let this lay too long. I mean, there is a serial killer going through Bloodhaven that Dick Grayson, though, in this issue claims that he's working on it. We never really see him working on anything. <laughs> so to combat no. that, Tom Taylor tries to make it feel like the whole run so far it's been like a month you know three weeks or so he he tries to kind of compress time to make things because he ends up meandering and at one point i think people would agree that this book then became not nightwing but hey everybody prelude to the titans it was a titans book for about six or eight issues i mean even before that point the titans were showing up so frequently it might as well have been and again I'll, i'll keep going back if eric was here he would say he doesn't remember but i said at one point a lot of people want a Dick Grayson Nightwing book to be a street level book. You have Nightwing. He's an acrobat. His best, you know, feature is that he's a great guy. That's fine. We know that everybody loves him, all that. But once you get the Titans, once you get all these heroes, John Kent, Superman, you get them in the book, the power level shifts in the book. And it shifted at a point to be almost at one point when you're binging them. Wally West pretty much says that at all times, I am oh running around protecting I'm everybody. I'm a fucking stalker. I spend half my life peering in through my friends' windows as they sleep, And just says running Wally around, West. so nothing could end up <laughs> possibly happening <laughs> to them. And so that it, it's, it's crazy. And so all of that going down, I also ended up saying, and again, I'm saying this because you have, you ended up doing the whole binging of it plus we're coming back from the night chair so it's been a couple months yeah so. i did skip the night trailers i'm yeah, not yeah, a complete... and that's nonsense and yeah. that's not even tom taylor <laughs> so it didn't matter so you end up where and that was michael w conrad and uh becky clunan i believe nonsense so the other thing i thought in this book is for the most part even though tom taylor's trying to give you this you know social political t- kind of message you know with the prison system and things like that Dick Grayson either throws money at a problem, which he does early, but then since then, he really doesn't do anything. Yeah, and it's always such a surface-level fix to all of these problems as well, which is the frustrating part. And there's, like, again, Heartless dips in and out of the book, and, like, Tom King's got 
too many ideas and some of them are like okay and well reasoned like there's too much stuff going on with heartless as well like heartless is just set up to be the perfect like mirror image of dick grayson from every possible level like he's a he's a weird mishmash of an evil dick grayson and a bruce wayne in terms of his backstory yeah, it's a weird and and like instead of just going through that, exploring it and resolving it in six to twelve issues, he's just lingered in the back. Just lets it hang. So in that, and this is something again. Now I will step aside or or back a bit and tell everybody that we do realize this actually won the Eisner for best book, but whatever that means. But did it win best ongoing? Yeah, or did they yeah. just win like best no, covers or something? Best ongoing. Oh, is God. this so it's when the state of comic books really that bad? But again, anything. people could argue that against this. That's fine. But I do think that Tom Taylor, in a lot of his books, including the Titans now, this book, and the John Kent Superman stuff that we ended up getting, he is really set on the idea that the actual hero can't really do anything real bad to people. And in this book, one of the biggest things that's happened that really didn't make any sort of waves is that Blockbuster got killed. Blockbuster yeah, was killed, but by Heartless. That was... So that, what I'm saying, though, is Dick Grayson didn't do anything there. He let. So think of that. You had Block, Blockbuster gets killed by Heartless. In the John Kent book, you have Ultraman. Oh, my God. Ultra, he got killed by Injustice, Injustice Superman. Superman. He yeah. keeps doing it. Somebody else shows up to then do the dirty work so that his heroes can remain you know, with the, clean hands. The Blockbuster thing as well was especially frustrating because in that issue, Blockbuster discovers Dick Grayson's secret identity and then goes on to do the whole, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna tear you apart, I'm going to come after everyone you love, you know, I'm going to dismantle the whole, the whole Dick Grayson thing and then immediately dead. And it's like, why? Like, why? <laughs> You've set up an entire conflict there and then resolved it by ripping out Blockbuster's heart with no consequences. And before that, when Blockbuster was doing bad things... And that was like 15 Titans, issues yeah. ago. And the Jesus, Titans came in at one so point. so long and- ago now. They threaten Blockbuster. If you yeah. do anything, we'll get you. It's never Dick Grayson because, again, he doesn't want his heroes to do much of anything, especially punch or whatnot, though Dick Grayson does end up fighting in this one at one point. But really the idea of where's the story gone? Have we gotten any meat on the bone here? And I don't think we've gotten much, a lot of it. And I said at one point, again, just to reiterate before we jump into this, that it really feels like at points Tom Taylor is trying to write a redemption story for a character that doesn't need redemption. There's no reason for Dick Grayson to be redeemed. But he feels like he's trying to do that or a PR thing. I think Tom King is just... Bemused why he has uh, Tom Taylor. So I, th- I think Tom Taylor's just bemused why he hasn't been cancelled yet. Like I, I genuinely like I think he's they won been, an Eisner. Why even try harder? Right. This heartless thing is set up to be resolved in like an issue and a half whenever he wants. Whenever that pendulum drops and he's he's told he has to wrap up the book, he can bookend the heartless story, and that's I don't it. Know if, I, so I, don't I think, think he's, he's even like, going to do every, it. Every time he gets an extension, he's just like, oh, we'll spend like four issues dicking around in the yeah. underworld now. Yep, we'll, now we're going to we'll do have the a, whole. a Nightmite issue. We'll go do some pirate stuff. Like, I, And he's just teasing out this heartless story because that's what he wants to like overarc the entire run. But the run keeps getting extended to the point where even he's like, oh, shit, what do I do? Like, I don't have a second story after The other deal, this is Nightwing number 106, and it's written by Tom Taylor. It's art by Stephen Byrne. I'm guessing that you have Bruno Redondo going off because he's going to be doing some of the Beast World stuff. But you already had 
two months off from the whole night terrace. Why isn't he on this book? I, I have I no know. idea, but that's weird. So you end up having Stephen Byrne on art, Adriana Lucas on colors, and Les Abbott on letters. And it is edited because of, you know, by Jessica. Uh, uh, what is that? Jessica Burbay. I don't even know. And Ben Ab- Abernathy. I'm telling you, I don't even know these people. None but... of the editors even do their job, Jim. I no, don't know why you read I know. Uh, I said to yeah that I would mention if people are interested. <laughs> you have a couple people they even editing. Shame the bad ones. Right? Yeah, yeah, the rest you have of them a couple don't do deals. So yeah. in this, you're going to go and you said Nightmite. You did have a bit of Rick Grayson in the Nightmite deal where that was kind of of the mind. Yeah. And oh my God, fifth dimensional nonsense. But Tom Taylor using that is what he ended up coming on to stop and, and replace. And now I think he's like, people really kind of like going back to see this. And the one character, B. Well, he's brought back KGBs twice in the series so far. So, and this is the second like version of Rick Grayson we've seen. This is going to explain the whole deal with the hold. Another thing that was left lingering since, you know, it's been six issues or so that Ooh. he ended up finding out when Tony Zuko and all that with the hold. And yeah. Dick Grayson found out there was something there for him. But even then, he's like, well, I'll have to check this later. Well, we see what it is. And a, a thing was like, what would it be? And also, oh, my God, who left it for him? And it's like Tom Taylor decides that the clever thing is that Rick Grayson himself left it because it was something for Dick Grayson Nightwing. So he put it aside, didn't check it. But you end up having yeah. a guy just randomly grab him. I got confused. He's like, hey, man. I heard you got shot there, Dick Grayson. I got something for you. I am not Dick Grayson, because he's going by Rick at this <laughs> moment. And he gets this book, but he doesn't know what to do with it. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't, he still doesn't, he doesn't know what's know what in it the is. thing. It, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just got an envelope. He says, I'm not going to open it. And he's not going to open it, because it's not for me, it's Nonsense. for Dick Nonsense. Grayson. Nonsense. Open, open that shit up. Right? And also, you get this weird place. Yeah, this you're is a like, man living without memories, and someone comes up to you and goes, hey, here's a thing for the guy everyone thinks you are. You open that shit up. You open it up. Also, by the end of this, you end up where he he gives them to this crazy underground pirate deal with the Gordon Fisherman, but never mentioned it ever. We didn't see it before. Yeah. Well, this is something that you think like, I know that he's playing the idea that this happened between this chapter and this issue or whatnot. This is a pretty big thing to have happen to just kind of like let go. But here we go. We have the deal of this play of what is in this package yeah. what it is it now i keep going because you end up having the whole book and and dick grayson's an idiot and rick grayson's even more because you dick end grayson's up where, even stupider yeah because he says to be hey i want to it's such a weird play listen i want to put this package away but i can't do it at a bank if because I, if it's i ever weird. remember who i am i need to be able to get to this package and i can't put it in a bank because the banks are as corrupt in bloodhaven as the police are, do you know somewhere safe I can keep it? And it's like... It's actually almost like, but not quite the idea of somebody who ends up having uh, amnesia, like Memento, the, the yeah. you know, the movie, where when some knew somebody was going to have it and then left clues for themselves, but this is the opposite direction. It doesn't play out as well for me in the opposite direction because he ends up just... Gordon Fisherman comes in because B says, well, I do know somebody... And in comes the Gorton Fisherman Quartermaster. It's the, it's the most contrived. It's it's working backwards from Tom Taylor having a neat idea of, oh, there's a secret bank that's tied to the old fishing days of Bloodhaven. 
wouldn't it be a cool idea if there was a like if Dick Grayson had a thing there and he didn't know about it? And now he's had, now he's had to work backwards and try and explain it. He's tried to tie it into the Rick Grayson stuff and it doesn't work. Like it's it's all after the fact. Yes, stuff. and that's you can the see problem. the reasoning. Does it is it any bit like the the thing that we want to know? Yeah, you would want to know who put it in the hold, but that's not the interesting part. And actually, no, this is the interesting just, part is what is it, not how it got. And there. so this is extraneous information and really doesn't get the intrigue more. Because no. you end up finding this guy was from the circus days back, recognizing Yeah, if anything, it's almost immediately deflating. Like the last time Rick Grayson showed up in this book, it's like, Rick Grayson cliffhanger, next episode, oh, it's an imp. Like, it like it doesn't matter at that point. Like, you've wasted the cliffhanger, and like, you've wasted the tease of this, because who put it there? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, Dick put it there himself when he didn't remember. This is pretty much, like... It's surface level, and it, maybe it seems cool, but when you think about it, the idea that there's some package in the hold, and you find out that Rick Grayson put it, but he doesn't know what it is. It does. It's an extra yeah. step that you don't need. We it really we've still is. got the mystery of what the package is because he even he didn't know what it was when he put it in there. So why go through? Why waste like five pages of a twenty odd page story just telling us? Rick Grayson put a package for himself in there and didn't know what it was. There's only one reason you do it this way, and it, it's kind of bullshit. The setup, it's to get B involved. That's the only reason. You have to get B involved because after yeah. the end, the reveal is she's part of the whole Captain Blood, which seems completely ridiculous. But that's I mean, the only yeah. reason because at the end, when we get this package open, it's not going to have anything to do with, oh, my God, I can't believe it was but Rick Grayson who put it there because he's a middleman. That's a terrible reveal because like you've wasted that at the start of the issue by like you've already drawn that connection between B and the quartermaster because the quartermaster heavily implies that she is or was part of whatever this maritime thing is anyway. So when she's revealed to be a ship captain at the end of it, it's like, and it's <laughs> so what? It's not that much, and you do see the. And here's where Rick Grayson is like, "Yeah, you know me," and and they seem to know everything in Bloodhaven. Going, I have a feeling that at the least the quartermaster and the hold know that Rick Grayson is Dick Grayson. There's not much of a jump, even you know, no. Rick Grayson, Dick Grayson. They probably know the deal. Okay, I mean, when hey, he says, if a random guy walking up to him in the street knows that Rick Grayson is Dick Grayson, I'm pretty sure the quarterback. And it's not really a secret. I yeah. was talking to you before. It's Dick Grayson decides to go with Rick because it's just because he doesn't remember his past deal and wants to separate himself as this goes. So when you have Rick Grayson say, "Oh," cried the quartermaster, "Who is this? Who should we put it under?" He almost goes with the "Oh." I want you to put it under me. I mean, Nightwing. Nightwing. And, and you're again, like, he only oh, puts God. it under the name Nightwing because eight issues ago or whenever it was, the quartermaster said, oh, and we've got a parcel for you, Nightwing. Like, you've got a lockbox here. So, so this connects again, people that to Nightwing. extra step of having to explain who yeah. put it there and why it's under the name of Nightwing. And, and it seems really not stupid. Necessary. It seems really stupid to actually put something like this under Nightwing and then end up having Rick Grayson give it and say it's not his but it's that it, it just doesn't work it really seems like anybody with any sort of intelligence would now figure out okay dick grayson is nightwing and the hold may know that as well because they seem to know a lot of things going but to be honest with you with half the shit that's happened in this book i'm surprised it took nightwing's mask actually falling off uh, blockbuster to go oh wait you two are the same person 
I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So <laughs> we then see that setup B sets up the deal with the hold. So then we go in the now. Well, yeah, we want to see some things, but what we get, are, you know, at first is, I guess, trying to let people know that since, you know, there's been this two, two month playoff with the night tears, maybe people are jumping on and maybe people are yeah. starting to read because of the beast world coming up. The idea, hey, get this, Titan's Tower. Oh my God, Beast Boy, what are you doing as a dog and playing with Haley? But this is where I said with timing, you end up where you start to get this timeline in this where they legitimately say, oh man, remember that prison break and all that stuff? Since the prison break? That the, the Titan's Tower, well, first off, the prison had to be torn down. Titan's Tower was built. In two weeks. Like, that doesn't make sense. A couple of weeks ago, before the prison break, a strange sailor told me there was a box with my name on it. So, like, so the prison break was less than two weeks ago. Yeah. uh, You could say it, you know, comics, but. Yeah, like, I've got a certain level of slack for this sort of thing. I'm telling you, I don't, only because he tries to play this timeline to make it seem as if Dick Grayson has been on the case, because at one point he even mentions, man, I was doing all this stuff trying to find Heartless, but he's gone cold since that prison break a week and a half ago. Apart from all right, two yeah. weeks ago when I literally walked into his office. Yeah, it, it's just nonsense. So you end up all this going down, and this is where now... And also what Tom Taylor's trying to do with this timeline is really just all the extraneous things. You, you, when you're reading it, it feels like Dick Grayson has just left everything behind, and he always does. He doesn't get... at Heartless has been around... For the whole run so you yeah. end up where he's like oh i gotta get to this whole thing that i was thinking about yesterday but it, <laughs> it's been a while but then you know it's been half a year since we've we've dealt with this legitimately and actually more because of the two months down so it's almost been you know it's eight months or so since we did it but he ends up going off and he's going to go to the hold but before he gets there heartless shows up this is another thing that kind of annoy me because Heartless keeps showing up in random spots just just before Dick Grayson's about to do a thing. The only time Heartless ever goes anywhere is when Dick Grayson's about to go somewhere and Dick Grayson needs to show up and find the person he's looking for already murdered. So you have Heartless who you've jumped around with his, you know, MO. At one point, it right away it was Heartless, the person who ends up taking your heart when somebody else wants it. Oh my god, you have to be loved for him to take it. Yeah, yeah, the the act of the murder has to cause someone else grief yeah. and which usually pain. it would. That changed then in that in that annual and things because then we found out he's actually just getting hearts because his heart keeps wearing out because he's like a a cyborg deal, the way that the parts are being put together. Yeah, that was that's a weird why thing. Yeah, that's why he wanted Blockbuster's heart because that he wanted was Blockbuster's bigger. heart because it was big and like why not just why not just replace the heart with a mechanical one? But you've replaced everything else mechanically. Why do like And really you're already heartless, so if you have a mechanical heart, you yeah. can still go with your brand. So he ends up doing back to the does anybody love you? Will they miss you? And he actually does, you know, kill the quartermaster, ends up killing the the man at the, the gates, the guy who is yeah. watching it over. And These are two we, of the we big play guys. the pronoun game and we basically find out that B is the quartermaster's daughter or yeah, granddaughter yeah. So or whichever one it is. That's the whole play. Yeah. That's what it seems to be. So, Everyone has to be related to everybody else because that's how we write stories now. And so when you're, you're there, I, again, why. Zuko is there and we saw Zuko and Heartless he got him out of that prison that's what caused that whole prison break Heartless and all that but what is what is this going to benefit Heartless who really does seem like he's got a ton of money 
already, yeah, and he's going why. around trying to grab hearts. What is what is he after? Yeah, what what is the heartlessness? point in being here. Zuko is promising him this absurd diamond that he knows is there. So is but, that what like, he's going to make Heartless a fake heart doesn't with? doesn't need the money? Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Maybe there's something that he's going to fashion that into a mechanical heart. I don't know, but he seems fine with grabbing hearts. But yeah, so Again, all this goes on. he just needs to be there so that, you know, Dick Grayson can show up afterwards and someone's yep. been murdered. And the whole gun, the, the actual ship inside is gone. That was yeah. already gone when they go in. Oh my god, the hold is gone. But then an hour later for Dick Grayson to show up with Maggie Sawyer to talk about the same exact thing. Oh, my God, the yes. hold was here. How do you know this? Hey, what's this guy's name? Oh, he goes by the quartermaster. That's not a real name. Okay, well, let's <laughs> not load entirely him up helpful, here. Nightwing. Have you got any actual facts I can do with anything here? I'm a police officer, not a fucking wizard. Yeah, and so Maggie said, hey, load the bodies up. They get in the ambulance and they go off. And then out of nowhere, you do have, you know, Babs is on the case again, doing more of the work, saying, hey, those guys who picked up the ambulance drivers who picked up those bodies, I don't have any facial recognition of them. Yeah, of course, it's like five a, minutes late and they're this already was gone. a weird one. It's the hold. They grabbed their own guys. We, we, spend ha- we spend half the issue in this ambulance chase, which is literally like 10 pages out of a 20 odd page story. And it's just to get Nightwing from the the, from the scene the, of the crime. What would be the hold before to the boat? The hold is already by the sea, so they drive to what the other side of Bloodhaven, undercover to get the like. I understand why it's the pirates. The hold they want I understand, their bodies. Yeah, I understand why they want the body, but. Like, why do like, why impersonate does, ambulance drivers? It doesn't drivers? really make the idea, I guess, it's to just grab it at the scene, because if they end up, if anybody goes and takes those bodies, why they're going to ID they, them, they're going to end up fighting about the whole... before they arrive? Yeah, I don't know. They've pre-prepared I, I this whole routine with the ambulance, and it's just, like, it's... You're it's, saying that. I'm wondering why... Why were they guarding an empty hold? The hold was gone. There was Where nothing was the to guard. the quartermaster in the hold if the boat's not there? What is he quartermastering? I don't know. They were guarding nothing. And so I could have went yeah. with the idea the, that if you ended up having Zuko. Yeah. And the quartermaster are there, yet the boat isn't there. So what are they doing? They're guarding doing? nothing and got killed for it. There's no reason. You, you could have just had. If anybody was able to get in there, it, it's empty. So they don't care anyway. And then after the fact, Maggie Sawyer and Nightwing, they are, they go in. I mean, it's not like you're covering that up. Why, if you, in my mind, you are the hold. You can't let anybody know about yourself to the point of doing ambulance drivers and grabbing bodies. Why didn't you blow that place up? Why didn't you implode it? Why didn't you let it just fall in? Nothing's in there but that big skeleton of a whale. You've taken the hold out. I would have liked to have seen, like, how you could have played it. It should have been that Heartless and Zuko end up going to go in there. And then afterwards, oh my god, the jig is up, let's get shit out of there. But it was already out. Yeah. So it makes no sense that they were guarding some little, it. De- some little detail of the boat leaving rather than going into an empty cave is just... Yeah. What, what were they guarding? They should have said, just go why in. Were they, why were they Lock even them in there? I don't yeah. know. That's what I'm saying. What were they? Were they like the last bit of, oh man, they were supposed to get the big whale skeleton? Like that was their job? Because nothing's in there know. that they ended up losing their life guarding nothing. And to the point where if there was even the play of, oh, well, you know, Jim and Simon, if they find out there, they they did find out. Maggie Sawyer now knows that there was something there. Nothing ended up being really protected. It's gone. But you end up then out of nowhere because everything is convenient in a convoluted story where, oh, my God, these two ambulance drivers, they're not really, you know, anybody I see. 
They must have the bodies. Oh, my God. And Dick Grayson goes through a full-out motorcycle chase. Yeah. And it's really nothing. The art is pretty good, but it doesn't do anything. You end up Dick Grayson's jumping cars. It's, it's just page filler. There's no point to any of it. It's just page filler. Then he goes into the ambulance and fights these guys where you even have that you think I'm stuck in here with you type nonsense. They start fighting only for them to then be on the ocean because Bab's like, I see the GPS. You're on the ocean. You're in the bay. They're on this huge tanker ship. Over the idea of how they got the giant ambulance on the giant boat out in the bay. She asked if it's a hovercraft and no, we never find out. And then they're on this huge tanker that's just there in the bay. Just completely seen. And everybody there is the hold. They have their guns out. Oh, my God. It's you. And again, we know that Nightwing isn't bad. So this isn't anything like the hold. Yeah, they're this pirate organization type of thing. But Nightwing has been in the hold and has even saved them a bit and protected, you know, the deal. They're immediately going to go, hello, let's go solve this thing together. Yeah, Yeah, they're not an organization that wants to take down Nightwing. They're not. The only thing that they had deal is that they could blame the deal because Zuko they wanted to take Tony Zuko themselves and do hold law and he yeah. said in issue 99 no everybody has to go to through the system you know the system that ends up really being you know the thing to do and then the next issue in 100 yelling that the system was corrupt and it sucks in the prison for pay and shit like that he really flipped up that's where you get the Tom tell when you do surface level things with little to no explanation or solutions things start crisscrossing because you're really not talking about anything that matters so at this point hey captain blood what do you think captain blood and it's b and and in that it's a character who a lot of people it's one of the better things that came there was not a lot that came from the rick grayson era but i did like b but just showing her here as captain it's like all right captain blood here we go she's part of the hold it doesn't really it's not much of a surprise she already had the connection we get to recycle a thing that we know into another thing it just makes it personal for her and it's just like oh my god b it's just nonsense but yeah yeah and that i also love the idea that you know he remembers he he ditched her so he might be in some trouble but then we get this backup We'll go through this really quick. It's Breakfast for Dinner Part 1 of 3, which is the worst and scariest thing that there's two more. Michael W. Conrad writing Sergio Kuna on art, Adriana Lucas on colors, Les Abbott on letters. So you end up having these backups that you start it with the John Kent Superman, Superman, Kal-El asks Nightwing, can you train my son a little? And that made more sense. Here, what you do is you end up getting Michael W. Conrad by himself, but He's a Batgirl. We get some reject Batgirl story where Cass and Dick are martial arts training together for some reason. She's teaching him martial arts and he's teaching her how to make pancakes. And that seems to be the entirety of the plot that Clooney's yeah, got. Yeah, and they want to play with, you know, the idea of having different names and things on. Yeah. You know, you have Bikes Not Bomb, I'm like, really? And then you have Kiss the Cook. And it, it, it's that play where he's going for a lot of laughs here. There is weird things well, in here, and I'll tell you. Laughs. Well, in this, you have these three guys dressed as leather daddies oh. that go by the three bears. And it seems like it should be offensive, we said. I don't I, know. Yeah. It's for a joke, but it really feels like it's like poking fun at things. It's weird. I just, the the only thing I can imagine is, like I said to you beforehand, there was a very famous like leather daddy like 
gay artist in like the the eighties. Uh, I looked him up beforehand. He was he was known as Tom of Finland. If you Google Tom of Finland, you'll get this exact style of thing. You know, like overtly masculine gay biker stereotype stuff. And I don't know if it's a homage to that or what. It doesn't really have any reason. It just pops up. One guy looks like the guy in the Frankie Goes to Hollywood Relax video at the beginning when the rickshaw comes up. It feels so out of place. Three gay men in overtly stereotypical costume called the Free Bears, who are definitely set up to be villains. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't tie into anything else that's happening. <laughs> we, cut, we cut away to them, and then we cut back to everything else that's going on. There's no indication that these people are working for or with the guy that's spying that's on the That's the only thing. He's on the phone, and he hangs up, and they go, he man, he hung up. Those people? Yeah, he's on the phone with them. When he hangs up, okay. they go, man, he didn't say goodbye. Now, with that, this guy decides to take a piss in an alley. That's just so he doesn't see Steph in her spoiler costume. Yeah, that's it. So to do that, He's taking a piss in the alley and then comes up zipping his pants. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, this is so bad. It's nothing. So I, it's like, I like, say I harmless, know. but it's like nothing. And then at the end, the guy then comes back, man, how many guys is this guy dating? This is bullshit. I'm going to get you. And then ends up deciding that he'll go back later and, hey, I'll get you but some other time. I'm like, what happened? The, the fundamental problem with this backup is I don't know what the story is. No. There's two more parts to this, and I don't know, like... The only thing they have the connection <laughs> is that this guy's after... They're, I think they want to rob Dick Grayson because he's a billionaire. They end up, he ends up saying at the beginning, okay, money bags, why are you slumming here? I'm yeah. looking at you, and it looks like maybe they'll just try to rob Dick Grayson, not knowing that he's Nightwing. But like you said, you even have that play where Michael W. Conrad must think he's so clever of, well, I gotta get Steph in the building, even though she could have come from the opposite side, but I'll have the guy take a piss in the alley. Well, and I'm like, that's not. But that's this, not this fun. also just implies that Steph is routinely just wandering around in her costume, mask off as she enters the flat as well. Because she she makes no effort to like conceal her or change her identity on the way into the building. She just like kicks open the front door in full costume, mask off. Is like, hey guys, like it's pure chance that this guy didn't see it this time, but she must be doing it frequently enough. And I'm she sure they care. all do it. It's just nonsense. It's Michael W. Conrad again. They're like, well, you wrote the back again. He's writing a Batgirl's backup. Somebody get the memo out. His Batgirl's with his wife Becky. Clinton. That was canceled. That was canceled because nobody was buying it. Nobody cared. I, I, I think this so, was just a, a, a one shot or a, a story maybe, that they maybe had. They had well, they have three issues up there, so maybe they had a three deal. But they were they were told to do a backup for Nightwing, so they dusted it off and inserted Dick Grayson. Weird into that the he story. doesn't give Becky Cloning credit. Then it's just him. But yeah, it's it's nonsense. But what would you give this? He overall? came up with this plot line, and she went, "No, like shit, I'm not doing she, it." She's there, and like, <laughs> I don't want my name put on that. No, Please I love you, not. honey, but I do not want to be connected to the three bears and the guy pissing in an alley. Uh, so, what would you give this overall? Uh, a six, I guess. That's incredibly generous. I'll give it a six because, again, if people had been listening to the podcast, me and Eric. We tried to be, and I think we were more positive for the Rick Grayson stuff than most people were. And one of the things I like was B. So I do like it, but not this way. It's a weird play. I rather would have had B working somewhere and Dick Grayson goes to help her or something like that, like he does. Having her as, you know, hey, Captain Blood, I, hey, I'm like, ah, and that whole way to get there, the convoluted Rick Grayson gets a package. 
But because he's not Dick Grayson, he doesn't open it, but goes to yeah. B to see where they can put it because he can't put it. it, it he says, I can't put it in a. You might be able to put it somewhere. There's a lot of poorly thought out ideas in this issue, but this issue is just like non-existent connective tissue. Like there's no value in what's been no. put out here. No, so uh, at the you, end, you can argue nothing. the merits of Tom Taylor's Nightwing run like all day, but I don't think Tom Taylor's going to go. Yes, Nightwing 106. That was the issue I'm most proud of my work in. Yeah, and it, it's again what happens with them, and this is what this issue is. What happens is he gets these ideas, he leaves them behind, and then realizes. This is like just, oh my god, I gotta get that done. It's like you have oh a list god, of. Oh my god, I've got a deadline. You uh, have a list of chores. Far scene, two pages of them waking up in the morning, ten pages of an ambulance chase. Right, get it out the door. You say that, guys had two months off, so uh, you don't really need to. You shouldn't. He's doing <laughs> other things too, but still. I mean, just get the guy ended up in his uh, Dark Knights of Steel that a lot of people did end up liking. The idea where at one point he announced, listen, I'm not going to follow a schedule with this book. They'll come out when I feel like it. Well, they'll come out when they come out. Like, he's able to do that. So I just think this is just par for the course. He has a list. It's it's a chores list that he has. Oh, my God, I forgot the mobile one. I better go do it. And that's what this feels like. He's like, oh, my God, I got to get back to that. And in the meanwhile, let's knock two things off at the once and get Heartless involved as well so that we can kind of get back to that, remind people of things. And actually, you want to know what I really think? Here's now that I think of you need to fill space before we get to the crossover of the Beast World. That's all it is. He needs to fill in space. That's it. That's all this issue is. It's just padding. This is just going to be a two issue deal or one issue. It's just going to end up padding and then we'll get to the Beast World. So I think things will be resolved at the end of next issue. Then we go boom into the deal. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes or it'll tie in or it'll be part of it. That's why. It's the only reason that we end up having, like, where are the rest of the Titans? Obviously, they don't show up because the only one you have to be reminded of is Beast Boy because we're going to Beast World. So, yeah, that's all it is, padding. But there it is. Thanks once again for joining me, Simon. (laughs) Can we have a good book next week, Tim? I'll find something that I know that me and you will love, and it'll be a down issue of it. We're just that lucky, yeah. I can't make any promises, Simon. (laughs) None at all. Oh, good. Can I get Eric's phone number off? Yes, I wish I had it. (laughs) I don't even know where the guy (laughs) lives. He lives two blocks away somewhere. Just knock on every door in the area. But we'll see how things go. But we're going to go off because, obviously, if we're going to talk about Nightwing, we have to continue on with Titans, which we'll get to right now. And I am here. With my man Trevit. What up, Trevit? Nothing much. Yeah, we're just here for some Titans coming out of just reviewing Nightwing. And it's one of those sections of books that really you, you could finish in like 12 minutes because that's how long <laughs> it takes the issues. But we have a double dose of Tom Taylor. Trevit was nice to join me. And I already told him that once you join in with one issue, you have now made a contract <laughs> for life because you told me that you were possibly going to skip out. On the Beast World uh, event, quote unquote, and I said that you will not be able to now. You'll have to end up doing it with me and talk about it. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's good. I I looking at just from the outside, like okay, Beast World, the little bit that they've released, I'm I'm worried. I'm real worried though. Tom Taylor, get this, Trevor. He said on Twitter that it will change everything. He said oh, it. Boy. I can't believe it. I've never heard that before. I love that he <laughs> went out on a whim there to tell us that. But I, I, I hope that he was joking because that is one of those things that when people hear that, 
they, they ju- they'll never take you seriously ever again no. in my mind. You're right. Because nothing no, changes never. anything. And all you have to do is come out and say, hey, it's kind of a cool story. I hope you like it. Boom. That, that, that would be fine with me. But this is Titans number three. Out of the Shadows Part 3, written by Tom Taylor, art by Nicholas Scott, colors by Annette Kwong, or Kwok, I can't even say that, letters by Wes Abbott, edited by Brittany Holzer, and we end up starting out where you're going to the Church of Eternity now, and right away, I mean, if you go in in your neck of the woods, you know, you're going around Rhode Island, you see a church like this, (laughs) right away, call the police, like, just get on 911, (laughs) and if you're wrong, then you know what, chalk it up as a loss there. But I, I think there might be some weird things going on in here, right? Oh, yeah, I'd be creeped out if I saw that church. But we do have churches like that. that yeah, you probably do. <laughs> Actually, a lot of people do. I just the idea where it almost feels like like the weather, because if you look, if you don't see it off panel, right off of that big hill, everything's shiny and, and bright. And there's no dark clouds. And I think there's trouble brewing. But you end up in a cool play where you do have Beast Boy. He is a bat flying in. He ends up cha- he goes through a crazy bunch of transformations here I, to actually yeah. break in, and it's odd the way it goes. Uh, are you do you agree with me there? The idea That's, of him turning into bees, then ants. I, and- I didn't even know he could do that. I thought it was just specific to animals now, and not just like a single bee, but a swarm of bees. Like How- as if a swarm is one entity, which you can say it is, but it isn't. Technically. And the, yeah, and, and the idea, too, is basically, Frequency. in my mind, the funny play is he goes, and who knows about this, you know, security guy. But really what it is is a bunch of Beast Boys like just biting the shit out of them. It's really <laughs> yeah. what it, it comes out. I'm like, that's kind of a little weird there, Beast Boy. It is neat, but I, I got confused at first. Yeah, the ants when he does that. Ants. Yeah. yeah, crazy. So when he did that and then all of a sudden Beast Boy pops up, I'm like, oh, my God. Like it, it didn't play out as well on the page as I think they might have thought it would because it would have been maybe cool if it was animated as they all conglomerate together and remake Beast Boy in that deal. But what happens if that guy steps on one ant? Is he missing like a, a little <laughs> a toe or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, if you if you go with the idea, really, at that point, he's the most vulnerable he's ever been. Because in my mind, if you kill one, you kill him. And that's crazy, it, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what I would think the way they're playing it. Very odd. Very odd, but I, I said to you, well, go on. What do you th- it could be like a couple of pieces. Like, you know what I mean? You don't know if it's maybe a finger or maybe it's a piece of his brain, his finger and his toe. Like he'll just be missing a giant piece of himself. And that's the weird play is because in that, what would a, this is going to be, now we're, we're deep diving into ant beast boy. But <laughs> if you have a bunch of ants, they're all working together in a way that they have some sort of brain power. Like, if, if all of a sudden I made a million little gyms and one was my big toe, that big toe is doing shit. It's just going to sit there looking like me, but it's a big toe. I call sauce <laughs> on all of this. I'm calling bullshit. But I made a joke to you before we started that I'm going to start doing in books. It doesn't usually come out as, like, in your face. But Tom Taylor starts out this. This is the beginning of issue number three. Uh, you know, one, two, three, right? So <laughs> he ends up saying, oh, man. We're in big trouble, us Titans, and goes down the list. Someone's trying to, you know, damage the planet, kind of using Tamaranian tech. Also says we have to solve the future murder of Wally West Flash. And also we end up having, uh, you know, Garth there in the whole play of the attorney, Church of Attorney Brother Blood stuff. And I said to you, at, at any point, if you have more 
loose thread story-wise beats going, then you have actual issues. You got a lot of problems. You got a lot of problems. And going into this, there's three loose ends in two issues. And so, and why I think that's funny is, like, imagine if you get to issue 25 and you have 29. Like, like it's really going <laughs> to go bad really quickly. But it almost feels like Tom Taylor in books. He wastes so much time. He introduces neat ideas, but he needs to spread them out. There is yes. no reason in my mind as we head to Beast World, which, again, that might tie into this overall global stuff as well. But one of these things might have been able to be left for after. One of these things might have been able to be left for trades after but what he does like he did in nightwing where you have just so many things you know his sister melinda heartless you have that black all the and then they just get left behind at points that makes they do. everything you can't explore yeah. them all no and and so but some of these are interesting i mean the idea of the brother blood that is pretty much the okay here we go again they might have changed their name but we're going to get the same stuff as if somebody like editorial said well it's it's titans any time you get these together especially raven on the team you gotta have brother blood you connected to trigon stuff like (sighs) that but maybe that's not the greatest way to to do this because everybody's kind of sick of it really right now we just had i agree we had a titans team titans kind of minis if you especially have like a mini series something that's a limited deal you're always going to go with brother blood and trigon because that's the main thing so Avoid it. That's here, what everyone maybe. knows. Yeah, it's the yeah. easy. The easy yeah, it pick. is the easy. And and I know the idea. Like Tom Taylor wants to go with that damage the planet because that's a bigger thing. Plus he he has his you know own ideas and political theories and stuff like that. But yes. that feels more like that. He needs something global to try to make it. Well, that's why they're replacing the Justice League. The problem is, is he's in this mode where I don't understand. Well, I do kind of, but why? Why is he in this mode that the heroes? can't really do anything like punching people or bringing people down or, or do it. they're always like you start it with john kent where you, you end up winning with hugs and have and mm. unfortunately then when you have something like that like with nightwing nightwing's such a great guy he won't take down blockbuster so you have heartless kill him like th- that's the route he does it john kent doesn't punch Ultraman, oh no, Injustice kills him. Yeah, he he doesn't want to taint the heroes, but we know heroes are heroes. I I laughed. I mean, recently in this Gotham War, we've actually seen Batman just punch the shit out of Steph. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) Batman. But you never really think he's a bad guy for doing it as much as maybe you Because that's Batman, and he's doing things, and they're fighting, and and almost you could twist it the other way. He trusted Steph's pretty tough. And I, but even so, it's like, even I by the end of this. I never even made yeah. it through failsafe. A- exactly, never. yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm so behind on Batman, I don't even know what's uh, going on right now. Well, you might want to see the panel where he just punches the shit out of Steph. They attack him, <laughs> and he fights back, but he just punches her. Uh, back in the day, remember in the New 52, when Batman just leveled uh, Harper Row, just punched her right in the yes. face. I, I thought she was dead. <laughs> uh, but here, and, and some people like Dancing Mike wish that she was dead. But yeah, so Beast Boy gets in, they're in the church, and then Nightwing comes in. Yeah, yeah. Nightwing (laughs) comes in. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, you end up where you're going to get little quippy. Again, a Tom Taylor deal. I don't mind it, but he's like, hey, and Nightwing comes in and says, all right, good work. And then they talked, and I I did get confused. I wasn't going to bring up how much of a dummy I am, but I'll bring it up because you actually (laughs) filled me in on it. Because they start talking about Raven can't come. And and even so, I mean, I don't mind. I don't think Beast Boy is going to call into the play of like, 
hey, why is it me and you, Dick, coming in here? I mean, that's a pretty good team because he disabled yeah. the security as ants and then himself and lost. <laughs> but he got, and he says, hey, I, I understand that we can't get Raven here. And, and that has been a thing. That was even in the more recent miniseries that we had. Uh, that might have been Kenny Porter, but I can't remember. But when he Where's said, the mystical alarm system that blocks Raven from coming in? Because it just looks like Bob, the security guy, looking yeah, at cameras. Bob. And yeah. so what what I think he's doing here, Tom Taylor is going to try to it's weird. He's going to try to convince you that this is a good way of doing it. When if you didn't mention anything, it's fine with me. Beast Boy and Nightwing breaking into that. There's no problem. So you have Beast Boy say, well, I understand that. Raven can't come in because they'll kind of, you know, realize that and censor, you know, the Trigon connection. But then should have said in my mind, because I'm a dummy, couldn't Cyborg boom to us in. But the way that he says it, talking about the teleportation of Raven and then saying, couldn't we just boom tube in? And it's kind of a funny joke that Nightwings were going stealth. I mean, boom tubes. I don't know if you heard this, but they kind of boom. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I got it. And then a little bit. It's a setup to get a punchline later. It's okay. Here's the thing, like me and you actually separately before we started talking, categorized this book the same exact way. Like I said yes. something to you and you said, holy crap, that's what <laughs> you have. I'm that's your exactly final what note. And, yeah. and it is that the book is, is kind of mid. It, and I, I'm saying mid a lot of times mid really gets a negative connotation. But I think in my mind, mid for this is like it's, it's not wowing me. It's not pissing me off, though. It's just there. It's just yeah. telling this, and hopefully, at least it's not bad, uh, but I want it better. But there's some funny little things, but again, they're going into this church. But even the one I thought there was a funny little play, like, hey, uh, Dick, what happened if they are on the up and up? Like, what do we do then? Like, we're actually just yeah. two guys breaking into a church, which is funny. And he's like, well, heroically, leave. <laughs> we'll slip out again. <laughs> so that's fine. But the big play here is not really... I mean, it is, uh, is the Church of Blood still going? But it's really the idea, is our friend being duped? And is he being mind-controlled? Let's see what's going on. And boy, it doesn't last long before they realize that the Church of Blood is full out just Church of Blood still. And you go from there because he, they end up like up above on a balcony just to get this look of it. Just <laughs> It's the Church of Blood shit going down heavy, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone's bowing down to the blood, praying to it. <laughs> Guy with a knife. It looks like it's a scene out of Indiana Jones. It huh? does. It really does look like it's out of Indiana Jones. And they got the blood pool going. They got all this shit going on. They're all chanting. And then they attack. And again, there are a ton of dudes, a ton of what are going to be now nude dudes. That's what we were talking <laughs> about before we started. Nude dudes covered in blood, which right away. You're just if you get out of this without hepatitis, you are really, really a hero. And so they end up and I don't know. I, I look, Gar, he ends up turning into a, an eagle. I'm like, all right, I don't know if that's, the, you know, whatever, but it's cool. He flies down. Dick goes on and they have this guy at the head of the church here. And this is what's weird. This is not brother eternity. This isn't. So this is a setup where just is some random priest of the Church of Blood, it looks like. And in that, you have Beast Boy run up and yell, Hey, uh, you blew it. I trusted you. Seriously, I was rooting for you. (laughs) Saying that to a guy that he never met before, that they don't know that this guy, there's no rooting for this guy. This guy is always straight up 
Church of Blood nonsense, it, the way it looks, he was rooting for, you know, Brother oh, Eternity and yeah. not this guy. Why isn't this? And I know they're playing this idea, but maybe you could have played the idea of mind wiping. Oh, my God, look, it is Brother Eternity. But this actually does not look like, yeah, it looks like Brother Blood stuff, and that sucks, but you never see Aqualad or Brother Eternity involved. So you're not going to no. just, it, it's a weird play. This guy doesn't even have hair. No, he looks like <laughs> Lex Luthor. And then what you end up having, and I swear to God, I guess if you're a church, I mean, recruiting for the Church of Blood might be a little difficult. I, I'm telling you, they always have these recruits, but pretty much in the brochure, it says, listen, you can hang out in robes, chant, and then <sighs> jump into this pool blood. Bathe in some blood. Yeah, get all that and, and run around and, and beat up people. But it looks like he's very big on recruiting. People look exactly the same and kind of look like him, like they're clones. Because when you have the bunch of people go after them, they look exactly alike. Like there is no change in any sort of expression. It's really odd. Plus, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to shave my head. And it looks like they all did that as well. So yeah. you, you have that going on. The prerequisite to join. Yeah. You can't thing, get yeah. disgusted by the sight of blood. And you have to, you know, shave. And I'm looking where I see... They're not just shaving their heads. They they are clean shaven <laughs> dudes, and I'm out. I'm out. I yeah. They can get me to shave, but I'm a hairy guy. So you end up where Gar. He's yelling. I I trusted you. You blew it. Oh my god. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, but they didn't really talk to this. Put this a isn't the dent guy. In his optimism. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> the idea that he shows up and is like, oh my god, I can't believe it. The Church of Blood is doing Church of Blood stuff. They, that's why they're there. <laughs> I really thought they were going to change this time, you know, after all the times before, but this time was going to be different. <laughs> it, isn't the, the lead up to this uh, uh, the idea of, I know they're doing bad things, and then you would be surprised if they weren't. Not you're yeah. surprised they're doing bad things, because there it is. But Like, oh, they're teaching children. Yeah. What yeah, a surprise. Doing that. <laughs> oh, yes. my goodness. It would be funny. They go in. They just have a daycare going over here. They <laughs> yeah. got everything going. Everything's great. They got a soup kitchen. And probably tomato soup, though. And then people would get weirded out. Like, oh, my God, that would be funny. Can you imagine <laughs> yes. in an alternate deal, they come in and think that they are feeding blood to homeless people. And it ends up being a soup kitchen, tomato, tomato soup. soup. That'd be hilarious. But <laughs> they end up where, really, the, this priest yells, to the blood pool, fellas. And they jump in, and then they <laughs> jump the out. Blood pool. <laughs> Into the blood pool. Get your powers. And they jump in, and then they're just going to fight. But here's the play of this. Again, Tom Taylor, he doesn't really want to show a lot of fighting. He always no. wants to end up where it's it's trust and love win over, at least in this one. It looks like it's going to stab him big time by the end. But you go back to the other Titans because they had to spell out we're stealthy, we're coming in, we can't boom to Raven can't go. Well, now all bets are off. But before you end up having them do that, the weirdest scene where me and you were talking, you have Wally West. Wally West's future self came back, warned him as dying, that he was going to be killed. They're trying to figure this out. Now they have actually, and also the idea, I'm asking you, if you ended up, you're Wally West, and I find out legitimately that you're going to die in 48 hours. I think I'd want to tell you. I think that I right. wouldn't keep that on the side. Like, this is something where you might want him to. I don't think it's a way of, oh, my God, if we tell him, it'll end up happening. You have to make him aware. You have to make him so that he realizes they only tell him because he wants to go with them to the Church of Blood. But then they say no because they want to leave him behind. 
in the twenty. And, and that that seems to me that that's how he dies. I mean, if I sat there and said, "Well, we can take them to, you know, the Church of Blood, which we fought ten trillion times. We always beat them." Or leave him here by himself, which seems like when he died, that might have been the case and went to the treadmill. All these, I think he should go with you. But they say no until they don't. <laughs> he says, I'm going to go with you. Okay. And they're like, Dick's not going to like it. They pretty quickly. Oh, they folded so quick. He, all he says is like, hey, do you honestly think I'll let my friends risk their lives while I sit here? Would you? No. All right, suit up, let's go. Which is funny because that's something that happens in like TV shows, movies, everything. Like the, the character is in imminent danger. He shouldn't leave. He should stay here. But he somehow thinks, yeah, I- I'm going to make it through and I can come and help you guys. And they're like, yeah, all right, let's come. You, you might die, but come on, come anyway. Yeah, come Screw on. It. Uh, or we, it, again, that 48 hours. And it's funny, you brought up something I didn't even think of. The idea when they say 48 hours like that, it, it could be the next minute. He could die. In 30 seconds, but you know it's going to be in 48 hours. Like, there's yeah, never good... like, yeah, there's never a like, oh my god, you have a week, and then the person dies the next dies three hours, later. which is yeah. in within the week, but it's always the end point. So he's got 48 hours, so you know he's not going to die within the next three. So yeah, exactly. So that's when you start worrying about Tom Taylor's pacing and what he considers 48 hours. They boom tube into the church. You end up like at that point, I love where, you know, Beast Boy has changed into now a alligator crocodile. Yeah, it looks awesome. And you end up having a lot of the things look awesome, but it's the faces that that end up throwing a lot of people and now me off. Thanks to you and a bunch of other people. But yeah, you even said, what did you call them? The Greek faces. Yeah, yeah. They look like like Greek portraits. They look like, I, and even then, I, like the ladies even go a little Sylvester Stallone look sometimes. It's a weird <laughs> play, right? So they end up, they boom tube in. So when you get the boom of Cyborg's boom tube, you do have, you know, Beast Boy. Oh, yeah, I see. It, it does boom. Oh, all right, you're a rookie. And then they go in <sighs> and they pretty much just take down Hordes and hordes of naked men in blood, like really quickly. You don't in really seconds. get it. Yeah, you don't like. And then, I like to now Beast Boy. I mean, every panel he say he's an octopus, he's this, <laughs> he's that, but he's going on. And, and so while that's going on, Aqualad even gets involved because they ended up finding, you know, the deal of them. Hey, they grabbed them, and oh my God, they were duped. They actually that wasn't the the play, you know, Brother Eternity. They grabbed him. They want to get you know, Church of Blood. Like wants to get back there. Power struggle. Yeah, but and when you have the fights, like some things in a team book like this, what I like, and these are popular characters, people know. But I love to see first off teamwork, where maybe you have say Beast Boy turn into a I don't know. I was trying to think of something uh, a <laughs> shark, and it ends up whipping the tail, hitting it into the portal. Raven made that ends up then popping out and Beast, you know, or a uh, Dick Grayson punches. Some sort of thing like that, but also give us some just, you know, overall powers and set, even if you know that it's cool to see, but you get, you know, Corey, she blasts somebody, Donna ends up grabbing some guy's bloody fist. Wally's just running around, Run around, Dude, he's running around like an idiot. He's, <laughs> I'm going to make him pass out. <laughs> yeah, he's like all over the place. And, and so by the end, you don't really get much and they end up taking out and legitimately because probably Wally, I guess, they have knocked out what looks like 250 nude dudes. That's and then lot. they just, yeah, there's a ton. And then they just, like, walk away in, in the robes. meantime. Yeah, some in robes. Those guys are a little, they're, they're not down <laughs> they with came how late. they look. 
And they actually, they're a little self-conscious. They're like, I, I would. They'd be like, why is Jim still wearing the robe? Like, oh, the guy wears a shirt in the pool. That's how he rolls. Uh, I also love the idea as this is going on. There are sometimes like, I don't know if you agree with me, but Raven in this, they already said she can't come right away, which she could have with her teleportation. Now at this point, she really could just make portals to hell, get rid of all these guys, but he doesn't want to. So what she does is kind of have these other people that look like they were going to be sacrificed. And she's like looking at them and like, don't go near things like she's doing not much. And so overall, at one point she does actually pick her hand up in the air and say, I have you, do not fear. She put up a wall, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. Just a block. So these people who were prisoners, like she always gets the lamest things when she should really. And this idea, she should be so triggered because this is Trigon shit. And they even bring it up as we go. But she's just there. There's not much for her to do. And then they do find Brother Eternity. Finally used to saying that in that kid eternity and an Aqualad. And so it's the big thing is, oh, man, we knew you were on when you weren't on the up and up. Aqualad's coming with us. And like, no, no, no. Thank God you showed up. They ended up they didn't like new management. They wanted to get back to their nonsense. And what he should say is, listen, do I look like somebody? Dressed all in white that really wants to get around any blood. I mean, that's going to ruin this yeah. suit. And they look at it, it's, it's spotless. And so they're like, okay, but that's. I the even thing have is, my hair. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I have my hair. I'm not nude. And so he says, listen, you know, I'm glad you did this. Thank you. They trust this guy too quickly because then you end up where Donna says, oh, and I, this is a weird line anyway. It's like, oh, I guess that you're going to do what all churches do. And work through this, handling it eternally. You know, and he's like, no, 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 uh, we're going to call the police. But I don't know what they'll say about that blood pool. I actually think I do know. They're going to shut this shit down. And then he just plays, I don't want governments getting it. And then says, Raven, I suppose you. And she's like, I'll take care of it. But what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And, you know, you're going to end up where are you going to take people's men? But, but even so, like, again, she should be like, I don't like doing this shit. This shit is my dad's shit and I hate it. And I am always getting involved. But yet, no, she Here's just a question. says, I'll take it. Yeah. What, what, so they don't want people getting the blood. She's going to get rid of the blood. But what about the blood that's on the bodies? Is she going to get rid of them too? Because you could just take samples of the blood from the bodies. Like you would think that like you see her there and she's like got him there and she's making him take showers. It's very odd. <laughs> Scrub hard before you go. That idea of like get rid of the blood. I, I, I would love to think that what this is is a setup for something to happen with raven when she does that but i just think that that's just a way because the fight's over you've done the dupe and now tom tiller really just wants to scrub the scene really quickly so that you don't really have to deal with it it feels like but then on top of that they say okay garth let's go aqualad come back with us let that he looks i mean he does look like like a, a, a pretty much a classical painting or or a statue here with his you know looks but he says no, 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 and here we go again. You people, the planet can't be this. And I'm like, I'm really not that interested in this. I'm interested in maybe who is destroying things, and you got to stop that. But just this idea of Garth laying in of like, this planet can't sustain humanity anymore. I forgot actually that they were talking about heading off into space. 
I actually yeah. think that's one of the most goofiest things ever. We're going to go out and say, I love the idea. What do you do in space, Garth? Oh, we're going to go to some other planet and ruin the shit out of that one. But here on Earth, it'll be great. Like, we'll, we'll keep flip-flopping between them. It's just odd that Is I can't. Is he staying? I, like, that's what I don't get. Is he seeing them off? Yeah, I, I don't know because, yeah, what does he care if he's leaving anyway? Burn it off the prince? Yeah, I, am I... Is he a prince? Because he keeps calling him prince. Yeah, the thing is, though, in this current continuity, I don't think anybody's royalty when you end up Mara making it more of a democracy that she made down in Atlanta, so it doesn't make sense. From the KSD run, yeah. What you might, yeah, what you might end up saying, though, is like, even like former president, former, like, you still give them the title, even though they aren't, but it feels weird. It it does feel weird. It's It's like, so weird. Maybe it just. Yeah, Prince, maybe he's actually saying he's like Prince, the artist, formerly known as, like he's taking his place. He's actually, that's what we find out with that cool suit, brother attorney. He's setting up his own record label in in Minnesota, too, just so. And and Raven's in with her purple cloak. So you end up all that, but it's, it's again, it's, it's almost laughable in my mind of where they're like, come on, Garth, we knew this was trouble. Come on back with us. And he's like, no. We're doing the space thing where we launch people. And I said when they first started talking about it, even it felt like while they were talking, they didn't realize like space travel in this universe is a very common thing. Like it, it's happened. Yes. It, it goes like they're like, man, we got to figure out the tech. Like it, it felt like at that time. point. Yeah. It felt like at that point that you were trying to play this brother eternity almost on the side. Elon Musk type of thing of like he's going to end up getting a space program going. We're going to do this. No, no, no. Shit is, they're flying all over the place. I mean, we, we legitimately, Musk. in the room, we have aliens, right? We have, we have Corey. <laughs> you, you don't yeah. play the idea that, oh man, you know, we don't know what's out there and we are going to make these, you, you, you have cyborg who has <laughs> phone tube technology. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly, these people have all been on the bug. So you end up with all that, but Garth's like, I really, think that the planet needs my help and i love when he says yeah you know you're still going with that thing yep we think all humans should get the fuck off this planet <laughs> and then you have Lord, the only person that that actually makes sense of what he's really saying is beast boy who goes you want to get rid of us like, like everybody else is like oh that's cool whatever and they're like no 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 this, this isn't great shit right no but yeah it's just goofy and then you end the thing Basically, them with the team. Like, I love this play because we find out they're they're completely duped. They're idiots. They're gonna leave. But brother attorney has you know kind of covered his tracks. He's done some things. But in the meantime, it's just like you gotta trust me. All right. Well, we're still gonna watch you. I'm like, you gotta do more than that. This you just there's still new dudes covered in blood all around. Is this not odd behavior for a friend of like 20, 10, 20 years? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Where not? is this not like, I think that he might be being controlled. Let's go take him. They do say, hey, Raven, did you check? Oh, I swiped his hand. Everything's fine. But it, it, it's almost like the idea. Here's the deal. And to get John Wayne pissed off if he listens to this. The idea that we're all sitting there back in the day and you see that Barry Bonds is legitimately taking steroids, right? <laughs> and you're like, look at this guy. His head is, is swollen eight times of proportion. But then the, oh, but he passed all the tests. He didn't uh, fail a test. You're like, yeah, because they're ahead of the test. They're doing shit. There's no way to test for it. It's obvious. Whoever's doing this mind control is able to realize they are going to get mind, you know, and they're going to be able to get past that. Please stop. But yeah, they leave. You better not. But in the meantime, (laughs) 
so funny. Wally ends up finding what looks like the start of every alien movie. <laughs> he ends up getting this crazy. Now, in that, I'm Wally, right? This is me. I grab this and I say, hey, everybody, how much time did I have? 48. Uh, okay, well, how about this? Don't open that alien shit until we get past that, because I think this might kill me. Because it, you, you bring this thing in a room where he only has that a little bit of time. I'm like, hey, this is fucked. But you end up where it, it just looks like there's a lot of trouble. And you end up where Brother Eternity sees and they finally look and like, oh, man, they fell for that shit. All right, let's go to the basement and look at our crazy xenomorph cocoon. And it's not there. They look at the, they look at the security, which didn't go off, but yet still sees them on the tape there. And I guess maybe that one, they got to get more than that one security guy. Barney yeah. ends up getting all those amp bites. He's out and they're done. So you end up where, oh, no. They took it because he says they mustn't discuss. Oh, no. There they are. They have it. Holy shit. And then to make it fully sus, you then get where Brother Eternity opens his mouth and you get what looks like alien seaweed and with shit all over it going in to Garth's mouth and says, you're going to pay your friends a visit. So he's they are being controlled. There's where you see it. And again, we get this alien weird stuff and whatnot, you know, which that's OK. You know what's interesting. I'm just realizing as I see this alien crap coming out of his mouth that earlier yeah. Garth referred to him as they. Not, yeah, yeah. That's you know true. I mean? And you know what's funny? You say that, and that might be a real clever way that Tom Taylor was using what we think are pronoun things, yes. but actually referring to somebody already taken over by an alien entity. That, that actually, that would be genius. Really that would be would. pretty genius. I hope that that's the case. I really do, because that is a really good way to play it. In the way, but you look at all that saliva and shit all over there. It's disgusting going in, but it also looks okay. It looks like some, like I said, like a, a seaweed type deal. So that goes into this big concern of the planet. And we want to do this and that and the other thing. I'd love it at the end where we do find out, obviously, Garth is controlled. And after they're like, oh, Garth, like we're going to go and do some Greenpeace stuff because you inspired us. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? I, I'm not into that shit. Like, once he ends up not being controlled, he's, like, the worst. You see him there. He's, like, drinking a beer, and he, like, throws it out into a lake. Fuck this. And he's, like, oh, he goes. Exactly. He's driving down the street. That's the thing. He throws a bunch of. Throwing plastic bottles in the ocean. Right? Oh, yeah. He's making Trash Island. He throws his whole trash out the window. Apache Chief is walking by. He starts crying because he sees it. We got it all going. We got it all going. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's offensive. But. With all of that, what would you give this uh, score? I would give this uh, 6.5. Yeah, I'm a 6. I might go to a 6.5. I actually like the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger is actually kind of intriguing. Okay, this seems like a cool, you know, extra-dimensional alien-type threat, which, okay, I'll go with that. I just don't need Darth preaching to us and acting weird, but this might explain it. That's the out. But a lot of it is they, they don't they never struggle yet. Dick Grayson, no. Nightwing rarely struggles because everybody's there. And I understand you want to have the, the power of friendship and the team and, and whatnot. But the only thing they're struggling with is, you know, not realizing shit's wrong right under their nose. That's not what I want to struggle. I want to see them have to, you know, do some crazy stuff. Plus, I, I really think that while they're doing this, 48 hours he got. It, Wally is going to die. I mean, that should be all they're doing. That should be every second of that and then deal with this shit in two days because then uh, you, it's crazy, right? I don't know about you, but 48 hours goes by pretty fast for me. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's, a week, it's a weekend. 
That's all it is. I mean, just think of when you're there and you get you end up Sunday night and you're so depressed because you're yep. like, oh man, the weekend's over. I got to go back to work. That's what this is. Like it's going to be. Oh man, where did the time go? I, I, where's well, always dead? Oh shit, we didn't time. do it. And then what they'll do is just. I'd love it if they just keep going. It's like it's like Groundhog's Day. Weekend at Bernie's, it's all that they just keep going back in time. More and more <laughs> Wallys keep coming. It's like now, now it's multiplicity. You got all the shit going on. You get the 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 lazy Wall. Yeah, actually, you can bring back all the classic. Even though a lot of them are Barry flashes, but you can have like the the big fat Flash. He comes back. Like every guy comes back and be hilarious, and probably would offend more people again. But hey, there you go. So I hope that we offended enough people in this because again. I'll go six five with you, but mid. It, it's not. It's not Very bad. Mid. It's not great. Uh, but yet it has characters that boy, these are characters that people love, like they love. So I do see people talking about this, and they're just happy to have the team. But really, you, you gotta you gotta get something moving. And the way that Tom Taylor tells stories, he he struggled with that. So the the biggest problem I have with this pacing story, all that. That's his problem in general for the past bunch of years. So I worry. But we'll see. And now, again, I, I thank all of you jerks for making me now look at this art. And I'm like, oh, it creeps <laughs> me out. Every it, They look like they're soulless. It, it's like where you have like the, you know, the look at a person's soul through their eyes. And I'm like, those are dead eyes. Those are such dead eyes because it does look like that whole Greek uh, and even Roman stuff. But. That's that. Yeah. And you're stuck in the nose. Yeah, it is. It is the nose. You said that. It really is. Uh, But yeah, with all that, you're stuck and you're going to be doing Beast World with me. And hopefully that is something that's pretty cool. We like it. But I have a feeling it's going to be again. It's going to be like, yeah, there's some good things, but it's not great. And we're just going to kind of shrug our shoulders. But thanks for joining me as always. Thanks for uh, everybody. Uh, there's a ton of people this week. I thought it was going to be an eight-hour podcast. It didn't end up that, but it's still pretty close. It's it's getting back to the old days. But thank you for joining me, Trevitt. And we will move on. I believe that we're moving on now to the, I think, Superman versus Meshi. Me and Luke Hollywood talking a little DC manga. All right. And here we are with me and Luke Hollywood's favorite part of the entire podcast. Oh, my goodness gracious. As we go through some of these books, you know that we can't wait to get to Superman getting sushi. And here we are because we have Superman versus Meshi, chapter six. And it is a team up we knew it was coming we were excited for it to come aquaman joins in in this chapter actually is superman and aquaman sushitaro's conveyor belt sushi now we have seen superman want to possibly invite lois but he claims that he can't invite her because that would ruin his identity no we know he's cheap he is full out cheap can't afford it so why would he invite? He already invited Bruce Wayne, Batman, but Aquaman and Superman. It is funny how they're playing this again, getting to, you know, little layers in mm-hmm. something that's so goofy. They're never really great friends. No, you don't see them hanging out much. No, they don't. So when you end up thinking, well, what's going to be? And, and I was really worried it was going to be, hey, now that I've shown Bruce, I you could even as simply as have Aquaman come up to Superman. It's like, hey. Batman told me that you had some real kick-ass food. Let's go. But he doesn't even do that because Superman is at a conveyor belt sushi place. And he is waiting for his number to be called 221. 
And they even say, and this, I, I get this as a straight up dig at John Kent because he ends up saying that, at, like a husband, he is waiting for that number to be called as if this is more important than ever having kids. And I'm like, oh, poor John. But you end up where he's like, this is Superman waiting for his number to be called. It's called. He gets up. I love to so straight up. He's so excited. And also, he has to throw things out there. He's like, yes, that's me. Number 221. That's me, Superman. By the way, I'm Superman. <laughs> Nobody is really looking at him that much as Superman. It, that was played off the beginning of the series as he was at a place where maybe there were a lot of cosplayers and things like that. But I think that word would have gotten around word the, the has sushi gotten around joints, the lunchtime right? restaurants that did crazy poor Superman is on the prowl. Number one, you would think that maybe it was, hey, this weirdo dresses up like Superman. But really what they're saying is, don't serve this guy really good food or he is going to heat vision the crap out of your store. Hide your menus, close the windows. Unless you have the, uh, you know, self-opening doors. But then he just kills people. But yeah, oh, he gets geez. he gets seated at the table, and I'm I'm loving the progression of this. There is like a continuity within this own book. The idea where he's he's old hat now. He is a vet. He ends up where the guy the server's like, you can also place your order from this. Time. Superman interrupts Where do you him. Think I am? <laughs> I know my way around the ordering. I am Superman. I know this stuff. It's kind of funny and. While you say that, and we say that it's fun, he's already ordering. I mean, th- he has sat down. He can't wait. He's already he's ordering a stuff. A mission. What I do like, too, here is he's at this conveyor belt sushi place, and he, he knows what is limited time only. Oh. Like, this is you running to get the McRib <laughs> right before it ends. And one of them is a rib deal, which may be a little wink-wink, oh. too. It's a weird bit, though. He's at the conveyor belt sushi, and this is where you also can tell that he's kind of more of a veteran than we started with because he is ordering some weird stuff. He's ordering hamburger sushi, salted rib sushi, and the corn mayo sushi that he says. The old taste combination. How can I can't skip the corn mayo sushi? The must have. Yeah. So he is getting all this, and you pointed it out before we started talking. We were laughing about it. He thinks that this is such a great (laughs) Really all he did He ordered hamburger sushi Salted rib sushi and corn mayo sushi He He is patting himself on the back He's a nobody else is ordering Such an amazing combination He actually thinks That there's going to be the talk of the town He says that the sushi chefs In the back are going to be Buzzing about this perfect order. customer who ordered the perfect dish. He is so excited. And then he ends up that this is the best, too, because he almost throws shade at the place in a way that he's trying to up himself because he says, man, I can't wait. I'll have to watch the conveyor belt for my sushi to come. And while I go, I'll look at this other sushi that are kind of the same, but dried out. Boy, that's oddly comforting that I'm so good. And I'm thinking that might be that you're at a bad place. It it seems odd. But then he ends up his super hearing comes into play, even though it actually points out that you really didn't need the super hearing. Somebody's somebody's making a ruckus and it's a familiar voice. And, you know, who could it be? Well, we we are floundering going on here. Oh, gee. Thing in here is fishy. He ends up where he's like, I hear that. Oh, my God. And then realizes that it's Aquaman. 
Aquaman is yelling at the top of his lungs. And at, at this point, all he hears right away, I bet the yellow tail had something to say about that. Ha ha ha. I can't stand it. I have to know. And he, I thought that what he was doing, and I think the player is, you think that maybe Aquaman has come to shut down conveyor belts. Save the fish. fish. Or eat the fish. Yeah, but that's not it. And this gets wacky because we've had in, say, the Jeff Johns New 52 Aquaman book that he does eat fish. And you would think that even the Atlanteans himself might, even though if they have in continuity that they don't. I mean, they're there. That's what's around, whatever. But it's like floating hamburgers everywhere swim. How how are they going to deal with this? How is this going to be played? Well, what it ends up after Superman pretty much says that Aquaman is rough around the edges and nobody really likes to have him out in public because he's embarrassing. And and I said to you, this is straight up the brave and the bold, outrageous, outrageous. Aquaman. This is such an over-the-top Aquaman. And and even then where Superman's like, I wonder why he's here. It's weird to see somebody in Japan in this one spot. It's a very I big coincidence. I swam all the way. He's here. like, I think he swam here. Uh, okay, you flew there. He swam. No, that's fine. through that. No, really. Uh, what Superman would be doing is swimming in debt. If you ended up having Lois come by. Swimming in the red. Oh, it kind of happens maybe by the end of this, too, because Superman gets a little out of hand. But you end up where there's Aquaman. He has his trident. He's like full out costume trident. (laughs) I don't know that they would allow that in there. You think they have like a a coat rack and he just refused to hang up his trident? That's at like where they end up having weapon check. (laughs) He's going in because he actually says, I'm going to use it as a shovel in a minute. So he's there, he's talking to somebody, but he's alone. So Superman's like, I wonder what's going on. And in that, you do have Aquaman go, yes, I remember. But who was that again? His catchphrase was, oh, fish sticks. But but I I can't remember his names. I want to know who he's talking about. But he ends up where he sees Superman and says, oh, man, Supes, what up? Right? Hey, what's up, Superman? If you're eating here, too, why don't we eat together? The thing with all this is then Superman comes flying and it actually looks like he like leaps over the conveyor belt to get to the table. He's, he seems excited at, at a bit, but he ends up like, okay, well, I, Aquaman's kind. He says this twice. That's Aquaman's over the top loud, but he's kind at heart. So, okay, he's here we go. He's at heart. So the big play here, though, is that Superman, real, he's the first, I think, to realize what's going on here because he says, I know that you can talk to fish. But to sliced fish too? What? I still didn't know what was going on. And Aquaman goes, what can I say? It's hard to explain, but the sea tells me everything. <laughs> he He's talking As to he a sushi. Up a plate. And, well, you know, I'm having a little chat right here. He was telling jokes about, hey, remember that guy? What's his name? The guy who says all oh, fish sticks. He's actually laughing it up with the sushi <laughs> that he's about to eat. And it's so crazy. The food that- whisperer. And so in that is so funny, and you end up having Superman say, oh, man, that's the one power that I don't have. And then, oh, man, it's I'm yeah. kind of jealous. Here, here's the thing, though. When, when Superman says it, look at the reaction of Aquaman. These are, they work together. They're on the Justice League. Aquaman doesn't believe it. He goes, no way. <laughs> what like, the heck? You can't talk to fish. Like, no, we can't talk to fish. Can't everybody talk to fish? So all of a sudden, Superman becomes a third wheel in the booth because Aquaman is too busy talking to his sushi. And this is the, it really is the Han Solo Chewbacca play that I love. Obviously, the sushi isn't going to be 
talking out loud. So he's like, what? Oh, man, that's hilarious. And he's laughing. And Superman looks so sad. He's so sad. So he says, I feel like, you know, third wheel, I hope my sushi comes over soon. And then he sees it. His thing comes there in. You get there's Food Wars. You get that more detailed look at his sushi, Yummy. hamburger sushi, corn mayo sushi, that if you're in the U.S. and you know the deal, it, it looks like creamed corn wrapped in seaweed. It doesn't sound very appealing to me. Seems like it might be a little messy. But you also have salted rib sushi. And I'm telling Ooh. you, I've never seen anything of the sort with any of these things. And I'm with Aquaman and his sushi. They think it's bullcrap. They end up laughing. Big time gets thrown here. I love where you have Superman so happy now. Now he has his food. He's like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this all day. This is going to be great. This lunch. Aquaman's being nice and goes, oh, man, good for you. Oh, what's that sushi I'm holding? Something's bothering you. What are you saying? Out of nowhere, we get the world's first. Shit-talking sushi. Smack-talk sushi. This yellow-tail sushi here starts talking and arguing with Aquaman at first. Like, what? What? Ain't it funny how that Cape Man ordered? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, hamburger, salt, ribbon, sushi, frauds, what you the say. Heck? Yeah, it's calling the, the rest of the suit. It's calling what Superman ordered a fraud. This is the equivalent of throwing fins. If it had any fins left goodness, to throw. It, oh, it, it really is. I think he's being a crab. So you end up where he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, what's that? What's the? I love how he's just reiterating what the sushi is telling him, and I still want to think by the end, he can't talk to sushi, he just wants to... I, I'm pretty sure he made all this up, and he's just throwing bad shit. He'd be afraid that Superman would attack him, maybe, So he's, but it is funny, even either way, but he's like, what? What's the point of coming to a sushi restaurant when you go and get... That, he should go to a hamburger joint or people restaurant. Superman looks like he's about to cry. He is so upset that all this is is just shade on him. He's still going to go with it. He's eating with his chopsticks, the big deal. And he's like, oh, man. And then, again, do you know what we call hamburger sushi? Like, here we go. Here comes shit talking sushi talking. Loco moco loser. (laughs) Ha ha. That's pretty good. Got him. I don't even know what that has to do with hamburgers. I don't know either. But Aquaman thinks it's a hoot. He's, Aquaman's new best friend is Yellowtail Sushi. I'm surprised at the end that he'd ever eat this. I think he'd keep it with him to just talk shit on Talks everyone. Mike. He should bring that on every Justice League mission. What's that brainiac? <laughs> it looks funny today. Oh, my goodness. I'm going with the idea they're at the Justice League table, right? They're there, and Batman has a plan. He has this big plan of what they're going to do. And then Aquaman says, oh, wait a minute. I got to get my lunch out. What's that sushi? Batman's an asshole. Like, that's all I want. And then they're like, listen, number one, we know you're not talking to sushi. Plus, please get rid. You've had that one piece of sushi for a year. That that shit's moldy. Get it out of here. And he's like, what? Like, oh, don't don't make fun of Yellowtail. So, yeah, the whole thing is where Aquaman's still talking to the sushi like, oh, yeah, you know, I know it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to even be on a conveyor belt sushi next to Whoa. a piece of hamburger sushi or the rib or the corn. I know, well, Superman, he, he's kind of nonsense. He doesn't he, really. This is the shade that I think now Superman's pissed. If you look at him, he's pissed because now Aquaman is saying he doesn't really understand this whole sushi thing. He's not really in Jeez. tune with the Japanese cuisine. Superman is so 
angry at this point. And even that, you know, he says it's hard to eat, even if Aquaman is the only one who can hear that fish's tirade. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much. I actually thought at one point, because when you end up having Superman pick up the piece of hamburger sushi, I thought he was going to start pretending to talk to him. What's that? Aquaman's an asshole and he, he's about to die if he doesn't shut his mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, Hamburger Sushi. Was you're that very right. for a heat vision? I agree. You, you think that I should show him my powers and maybe throw him into the sun? That's oh, a good yes. idea. Hamburger Sushi. What about you? Oh, rib sushi and also corn mayo. They both agree. They're in all agreement that you're an asshole and you're going to die, Aquaman, because Superman is getting very angry. And it, it continues in the deal where they're talking and then out of all of that like superman said before and this is the best i love the idea that aquaman has just talked so much shit on superman and even if it is the sushi doing it they're both really talking shit and he tries to get out of it at the end and like basically like oh yeah superman is a loser but hey he could eat whatever he wants you do you buddy and that makes it worse in my mind but superman takes that as okay so here is Aquaman talking shit with Sushi against Superman, saying he is a fraud, saying that he doesn't know what's going on. And then he eats his sushi with a fork, which freaks out Superman. Look what? at this guy. He thinks that I'm, you know, a fraud and a rookie. He's eating with a fork. But the idea of it plays out like it is the trident. But he's also eating the piece of sushi that he, he was just having a full out conversation with. It's very odd. It's very Delicious. odd, the whole thing. He loves it. And then he's like, then he starts talking about how great it was to eat yellowtail. And he says the fat on the yellowtail was exquisite. Now, showing that even though he's rough around the edges, he does know what he's talking about. He knows good Japanese food like the best of them. And then as he's saying how great it is, Superman freaks out and says he just ate that sushi he was talking <laughs> to. This is really weird. This is awful. Oh, my God. And then Aquaman at the end, because he's now eaten Yellowtail, he, now he's going to throw Yellowtail under the bus. Whoa. This asshole couldn't even stand up to Yellowtail to his friend. He had to eat him first and then says, oh, Yellow by the way. said some mean things, didn't he? Good thing I ate him. Yeah. It's so over like, it, it is funny. He's like, yeah, by the way, now that I ate him and he's gone and can't hear me anymore. Yeah, he was kind of sus. I, I didn't like what he was saying to you, Superman. And then, yeah, Superman's like, like, golly gee, don't worry about it, Aquaman. But Superman thinks that he ordered the perfect meal. So he's not going to let it sit. He says, I should have stuck up for myself and says that these frauds are super delicious. You should try them. He ends up saying they're so good that he likes to eat two at a time and calls it Double. super delicious square. At one point, it does look like you have Aquaman's like, that's fine. You know, enjoy what you do. But really? he does end up explaining it there and says, you know, miniature thick grilled hamburger patties. Then you get the ketchup that comes with it, the vinegared rice. Oh, unlikely, but brilliant combo. It's mm -hmm. a new discovery for Japanese cuisine, even if it's only around for a limited time. And that's the big play, though, is limited time. I mean, this gets the whole idea of wait a second here. And then he ends up talking about how he eats this corn mayo deal. He gets the wasabi. He mixes it up with the soy, which is a very good move when you go and eat sushi. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I first went, I didn't know that. So I had them in like separate deals and I was trying to double the end. No, you put the wasabi really? right in the soy. 
So you end up where he's doing that. He's like, you know, one bite. I was waiting for him to say Kansas. He did not. I actually, mm-hmm. at one point, it would have been, been funny if you ended up where Yellowtail gets eaten and Aquaman goes, just like I always say, Atlantis. It would have been <laughs> kind of funny. But he talks about the, you know, we're doing food wars now. The wasabi yes. mixed with the soy and then enhances the sweetness oh, the of the corn. And then the mayo is cream, all that. And it's just great. It's super thought out. And then he goes to the, the salted rib. While that's going on then, all of a sudden, Aquaman looks like he's preparing for war. He ends up bringing out the trident, he putting it up his to his fork face. or a bigger fork. Oh, then my for, goodness. Yeah, for some reason, Superman's like, is that a trident or a lance? No, we know it's a trident. Are you happy to see me? Aquaman spins it around, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. If you say the hamburger sushi is available for a limited time only, well, then I'm going to have to grab he ends up then attacking the conveyor belt with his trident by using it as like a, you know, a paddle, a shovel to pick up sushi. That is a bunch of those hamburger sushis. And he's like, all right, let's eat these all together before they are all gone. The problem is these are other people's orders. These aren't Uh their orders. Aquaman is stealing sushi and really having problems. Also, they're eating way more. Than what I think Superman ever this wanted to pay over for. Budget. Oh my God, he's got buyer's remorse. He's oh looking sticker shock. And he's like, oh my God. And yeah, he says, you maybe want to try these Loco Moco losers. Ha ha ha. And Superman's like, these aren't our orders. <laughs> he shouldn't have done this. And as he says, you're not supposed to take other people's orders. And kind of a nervous laugh. And through the day, you end up where Aquaman's response is, huh? Oh, really? And starts laughing. And then it ends up, yeah, and it says Aquaman's kind superhero at heart. It repeats that and says a man who bridges two worlds, those of land, hamburger, and sea fish, just to show what Aquaman would be. And that's kind of a cool little play of what he does like. Both the land and the sea, surf and turf is his way to go. It's it's funny. And Aquaman, actually, through all this, has usually been the idea that Superman is kind of the dope. Superman's the guy who doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to convince people. I like over the top Aquaman showing up and Outreach. maybe pretending to talk to his best bud, Yellowtail Sushi, before he ends up eating it, which freaks out Superman. So it is. And I get the idea, too, where Aquaman goes and uses his trident is kind of like the idea of Superman getting all excited and heat visioning. He shouldn't be doing this, and he does it because he's excited. There, I want to see the people like, it, the sushi conveyor belt goes down. It was Bruce Wayne who ordered those. They didn't Whoa. realize he's on the other side of the restaurant. Now he's Shaking sad. His face. He didn't get his hamburger sushi. So at the end, yeah, it was kind of funny. So what would you give it? I thought this was a banger. We were usually we were worried. Like the the Batman one worked out pretty well, but we were worried this was just going to turn into like the guest of the week. Yeah, and we but would they, still like it, but would that be something we'd have to talk about all the time? You know what I mean? They can keep up this goofiness. You know, I say the more the merrier. I'm telling Green you, I want it to never end. Get him eating some seaweed up in here. I don't know. You no, know, like you could have some fun as long as. We get everybody except Lois, because Lois and Superman, they can never get together. They're always the Japanese food is in the way. We need Jimmy. And and we haven't had anybody yet who actually disagreed with Superman. Like, oh. whenever Jimmy comes, he just doesn't like Japanese food. He Maybe it doesn't suit his right. taste right in the sun. But I also, I would love to have where Superman's eating at a restaurant and Lex comes in in his power armor. <laughs> 
but then the love of Japanese food and sushi ends up. But I, I also that want Lex to show up and make fun of Superman, kind of like Aquaman here, but a little more intense, something like that. Or we find out that wouldn't it be funny if the chef came out and the chef was actually Lex? It's like a Whoa. side job. Like I want stuff like that, but we still have Wonder Woman. We put our we still have Green Lantern for the glory of Japanese cuisine. Oh, I I need. All of it, and I want it to just keep going. I need to see where Lois starts to investigate because she connects, like we said last chapter. How is Clark going to Japan and putting it on his Pixtagram deal? The mystery of the mesh. And I, I need her to figure this out, try to figure it out, maybe connect to Superman. You know, classic idea of her trying to figure out who Superman is as well. So that'd be kind of fun. So yeah, I need it. I, I love it. I really do like this. It makes me. Just smile every time I read it. Mm-hmm. It makes my day. So what would be your score? I've given this a 9 out of 10. We read a lot of manga chapters this week, but this is already my favorite, as it usually is. I'm 9 out of 10 as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so goofy. It's so goofy, but it's fun, and it just continues to be fun. And it six chapters, We like you said, we thought maybe by this point it might have outworn its welcome. Okay, we get it. This was the one when, when they announced it. They announced Superman getting obsessed with Japanese cuisine. I mean, How what could you that think of that? And, and people just made fun of it. Oh, my God. Like, that sounds it is the best one of the lot. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite books out right now. Right now, I'm, I'm telling you, if it's allowed and we'll see what happens with the podcast, you know, oh. if Eric comes back, all of that. But there is no way that at the end of your awards that this isn't mentioned in some capacity. <laughs> and this may be my book of the year, which would be so crazy, and I'd probably get made well fun of deserved. But it might be. It might just be. I'll, I'll call this an event. This is my favorite event. But, yeah, everybody, if you're listening and you would like to hear, as Luke said, we talk a lot of manga each week. Not here, obviously, but we end up having a bunch of manga podcasts. We have a Manga Monday, sometimes Tuesday show, like mm-hmm. today as we're recording this. Uh, that we go through a first chapter of a bunch of different manga, some things that are hot off the presses, brand new, some classics, but we also have reading clubs that me and Luke and my man Stork, shout out, end up doing. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, a Spy Family reading club, a My Hero Academia reading club. I'm trying to remember these now. Demon Slayer reading club, Chainsaw Man reading club, Death Note reading club that also give a shout out to Jason that me and him do that, and a Dragon Ball manga podcast so if you want to check all those out check the show notes look for the manga link that you go to all of those so thanks for joining me luke and with all that we will get on to what people call the regular books i'd like to call like as my inferior what's that yellow tail sushi you say that those are the loco moco frauds i get you i go i wish i had some sushi here i'd be eating the heck out of it i'd love it so with all that we'll go off now to Something a little less fun. Well, he stares into the mirror, moosing up his hair, blows kisses to himself, and he really thinks that tear is tear. Well, that's just every shape. Looking for a star screen, or maybe a hot cap. Spends all his money buying all that crap. Well, that's just every shape. Right, and here we are with the last bunch of books. And for the first two of this last section, Lucky, Lucky Aiden. I am here with Aiden. What up, Aiden? Hey, man, how are we doing today? Lucky me, right? I get to I get to review Poison Ivy 
And now I get to talk about Cyborg. And so, yeah, so you get all the top-notch books. It's funny, too, because a lot of people had already, like, requested things. There's some other things going. And you, you did actually want a couple more important books, but this is what we got. And I had already kind of figured that me and you would talk Vigil, which we're going to start with, because we'd actually talk to each other about liking Vigil. And I don't know anybody else who's reading it. So I was like, all right, we both like it. We'll talk about that. So I'm going through the list. And I'm like, oh, God, Cyborg. I'm like, the only person who's probably reading that is Hayden. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you're reading Cyborg? Yeah. I'm like, you're in. You are in and we can end up. It's like commiserating. It's like we're two war buddies that we're talking about, uh, you know, being uh-huh. in the shit because it's the shit. I'll tell you that. And not in a good way. But we're starting with the vigil. So at least we can start with something that is a little more positive, though. I don't get the lay of the land here. It's another one of these Ram V books that he tends to like. He did this with the Swamp thing where it was 10 issues. He didn't quite finish the story, so they push it to 16. I swear to God, he's trying to do that here, but it doesn't look like, at least for now, that he is going to continue. But you actually brought something up that I'll let you talk in a second after I get the credits of what may happen, very similar to another book that me and you were frustrated with at the beginning, but this is The Vigil, number five, penultimate issue, written by Ram V. Sid Kotian and Dev Apramanik on art, Rain Barreto on colors. Uh, and then is there the letter even? Oh, it's in this weird black Dave Sharp letter. They're trying to, why are you even throwing checkmate in? And that always gives me flashbacks too. But you also end up having editor is Ben Abernathy, but assistant editor Jessica Chen and Ben Mears. A lot of people. Oh, the group editor. This one. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with all this going down, but is there enough space to tell a story? Penultimate issue, we're still introducing the team and the concept of what it is with one issue left to kind of reveal the the villain that we knew was there but didn't really know what he was about, that we now find out, oh, that's what you have all this Festus Hep doing. It's a real odd play to give you this reveal stuff, the penultimate issue. I mean, really, right? Yeah, man. So let's just let's just run through the concepts that the vigil has played with up to this point. You have a mysterious task force created by what I felt like in the first issue was implied the Indian government. Then we learned that it was a former division of LexCorp. It's a rich guy. And then we're f- taking down dangerous technologies that people don't have an explanation for. And then part of the members get captured. And then now here it's revealed a question that none of us were asking because we thought we had already had the answer to this, but it's why the team is here. And it's a pretty cool backstory. Sucks through time and dimensions. They're in this dimension where they could just create what they want and it affects the real world. Yeah. Whatever. And it goes from the Philadelphia experiment from back, you know, World War II era and beyond. And they, go, they were part of that and they got lost. And that explains that weird dimension that you ended up having Dr. Sankaran go back and forth in. And remember when he'd go naked, he'd go to get in and you even have at one point, they went to go talk to him. His clothes were on the floor. He went into that dimension and realized that Hep had left. And that was just weird. Like what's going on? This does explain it though, right? I mean, it is. It does, dimension it does that was explain set. it, which is something that DC books seem to not want to do recently or do in one panel. This book actually takes the time to waste an entire issue to explain. Oh, yeah. It one takes thing, an issue, it all right. Like they, they threw another team member onto the vigil at the last second, Dynamo, and I just glanced through the other books, and he's not really in any of them. So Here's the thing, though. He, here, he's the guy that they fought 
in the facility last issue that they ended up that looked like he was dead. That's who that is. That's the guy. Remember at last issue, they ended up going into the facility and they got attacked by that guy that ended up slamming. I do remember now that I'm, I'm putting wall. my hand up on some of these vigil issues. And it's like the, they told what they told Rand V in the office was that this vigil lineup doesn't have somebody big enough to take up good cover space. So they add him in here. But, you know, that works fine enough. This series, it's like frustrating, like the Blue Beetle graduation day for me was. Yep, that's what I was talking about. it's with circling and it's not really going anywhere. And it feels like it's just throwing out excessive amounts of setup. And they do reveal the villain at the end of the story, but it's a villain that's introduced at the beginning of the story. So it's not really a real reveal. Yeah, we just see more of him. and and you, But you said it. You said the whole thing that at this point, you're explaining things by using an entire issue that you might not have needed to go into that much detail. But what I think that what Ramsey does, and he said some of this stuff's pretty cool, right? I mean, there's some concepts. Uh, I think this story is super cool, man. I think that he gets too many cool ideas in his head and then thinks a lot of them to the point where we're going to get this whole series where we're not really getting a story. We're just getting concepts that are induced, hoping that people will latch on. And then you go. And if this does continue, like you said, like Blue Beetle and then Blue Beetle graduation day into this Blue Beetle deal, then this work and our, you know, time and money spent will be worth it. We'll end up knowing. If we get this next, you know, deal, we'll be like, okay, we know Castle, we know Dodge, Arclight, Say all these, let's get a story now. But if nothing comes from this, if that's not good. You end up having six issues of pretty much nothing. Now, I hope that people would like this. But again, what you see here, and what, like you said, it was the Philadelphia experiment. They were lost in the dimension. They didn't come back. And it ended up being Sankaran, also a Dr. Madison Cypress, because you have to have the lady that's flip-flopping between to have that deal. Even though that never really comes to be a, a point of contention, it seems, from. It doesn't have room to become a point of contention. But it should be. You should have Dr. Festus Hep, who is our villain, who has even taken over some corporations because he has finally escaped the demand. But you never got, there's no room. But the big play here is this Festus Hep decides that he's going to use this dimension where they can create anything they want. They can end up, it's almost like a, a, a Franklin Richards over at uh, Marvel where he just creates multiverses and things and everything comes to be. But in this, they're doing it, it kind of seeps into the real world, which ends up, you know, doing some weird things like the moon landing, like stuff like that. It does affect it. But in the meantime, it, it ends up having so much space, but it's kind of vague. And then you get, while he's in this dimension, Dr. Sankaran, he knows that eventually he's going to want to escape this dimension. But if he does, he's afraid that Hep is going to come. So he envisions a team. And that's our characters. <laughs> it gets wacky. It gets all over the place. It's neat. But does it play out well? Because all of our characters, at least all of them, but one, it seems, you know, arc like Castle Dodge, Saya. Castle is the one who is a little anomaly that we do center on this. But they're, all the rest are made up in his head and became reality because of what you ended up having Sankarn want. And everybody's, most people are pissed. They're like, yeah, you know, I don't like that and whatever. But it's such a weird concept to throw in in the penultimate issue, in my mind. How about you? I think it's a, it's an aggressive concept to throw in it so late. But I mean, it's a concept that on paper, like a lot of this series does work so well. I mean, there's so much about this series that works. The, the problem is that there's 
it doesn't lead to a story, which I'm, I think I just came up with the term for what we can call these miniseries, which I think DC is going to publish a lot more of before they put on going. This is just a status quo establishing series. Uh, here, Ed, you want to go with, you know, other multimedia and stuff like that. The six issues is a pilot episode for a series. Yeah, like this is a pilot, said, yeah. It almost feels like also like even if you went with you're almost like you're creating the the Bible for the story, but you're publishing it so people can read it, and maybe learn, and then you'll get the story because it does feel like you'll get the story later. And that's a weird play. But I said these we're getting a lot more minis now. They're, they're getting a lot of these minis coming out, and and some people are. Some yeah, and some people are doing it like they're all doing it different ways. You have different writers, different editors. There is a bunch of like you said, the Blue Beetle graduation day that felt like it was okay. I just want to throw out these characters here, and then we'll deal with that later. And the the other thing, like I said though, the fear is that it doesn't sell, and then you don't get the episode. You just spent six issues on the pilot episode that is not going to be picked up for series. And the way there's not a lot of concrete numbers now sales wise things like that but i'm not seeing a lot of people but me and you talking about the vigil and i don't what little sales you can see not really selling yeah, I that mean, well the extrapolations i can make place this book not yeah middle of the pack lower middle of the pack of lower I, mid- I mean i think that it might be doing better eventually than say it's said like a hawk girl but it's around there. Like, I think it might be selling more than Cyborg that we're going to talk about next, but it's not going to be selling more. The comic book shop guy I got to, he was like, The Vigil is not selling like Cyborgs. The Vigil doesn't have a it name. It doesn't have a name deal. Books. I was going to ask you, actually, because you actually bought it today at your shop. Do you know how many, did, did your guy tell you how many he orders for the shop? Like, did he say, oh, there's two people that have it on their pull list and I put one on the shelf? Because you're, you're going to want to put at least one extra one on the shelf. I can't see him buying many more. Maybe three. He might stock two extra ones of these. That's but um, I want to say he actually. Put, I think a couple other people because there are a couple other like big DC heads like me that do go to that store. A couple other people are reading the Vigil, and I know a different comic book shop that doesn't really do a lot of new orders unless you have like a pull list with them. One of the only new books they ordered was the Vigil because he liked the Vigil. Yeah, and and here's the thing too: if you are going to get a push, you said Cyborg. That's name. You have the name recognition. What you're going with here is Ram V because he's doing detective. You're trying to get that pull. And with that, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the detective story only because of the pacing. Again, he, he likes to take his time. And it's something that somebody with, you know, my sort of, you know, attention problems has a problem with. But I read and review each issue, whatever. But this it was my thing of Ram V's. Oh my God, this is this is the Ram V that I liked from even his independent stuff and things like that. That I thought, all right, this is something he really wants to do. He's not doing other people's characters; he's creating them. I just wish he would have had a story as he introduced the characters because it really did become a dossier of characters, including this one. And you know, we're talking in randomly. We'll just get into this where you end up having a castle background. It's very quick. Because you need to get to that dimension stuff. But you see Castle had some problems. It looks like he didn't get along with kids. It always felt like he was on the spectrum anyway. That sort of thing. But he also, in all the characters, he was always the one to call Dr. Sankaran on his bullshit. He did let, that's why we get this issue. This is Dr. Sankaran saying, all right, you know, Castle (laughs) knows something's going on. Because he said, are you going to tell us now or what? Come on, 
you stop with your bullshit. So he had to, but he always felt like away from the other characters. He's like the Oracle. He's not involved that much in the field. He's a little guy, all that. And so when they go through this play and, and connect him to Festus Hep, that is, like you said, that's really cool. That's something I didn't see where he was actually created as like the evil part with Festus Hep. And it looks like you ended up having Sankarn go and grab him. The big play that I'd like to see, but I don't know we have enough time, is Sankarn is never really going to the part of like, well, you know, I am kind of your father and I, I, I really like you guys. Like, I'm glad I created you. In like, like if you ended up, remember, he has this woman, we said, there's not a lot, a lot of time to do this Dr. Madison Cypress, right? This lady in the dimension caught between Sankarn and Hep. But if we would have seen if, say, Dodge looked just like her, that that was like he, he loved this woman. And then in his mind, he made Dodge to kind of look like you get a connection and you get I, I actually want to see if there is any kind of feelings or how. Sankarn feels towards his team It's not just, hey, I wanted you as this team That can defeat something I actually created because I couldn't have kids I didn't get married All the, no, like yeah, Some that's... sort of connection like that would be really cool To really connect them Because by the end, you do mention it Where you end up Because Castle's this I know everybody, I know what you're going to do You're going to quit, you're going to go But he ends up saying to Dodge You're going to stay because you look at us as family. And I wish that that was where St. Corinth says, well, that's why I made you guys. You are a family. You have that play. Not yet. Maybe. But again, you're playing this whole play of just, you know, I don't know how you really do defeat Festus Hep. <laughs> There's a lot of questions I have about the future of the vigil. Like, where where do they go? Like, I think I know what's going to happen in six. I think we all might know. What's going to happen in six? I'm not going to say it out loud because I think I, I think I have it like not like speculation on the money. I think I have it like you can say it on then. the money. You'll give it, and then people will say, "Man, Aiden's oh, yeah, smarter than hold Jim." To this, this is an Aiden Gindrel guarantee. I'm like a politician right now. I guarantee. Oh, I do it all the time. So <laughs> do it. Just do it. <laughs> I guarantee that the next issue of the Vigil, nothing substantial will happen. We'll see a little bit more action, and then the villains are going to the villains going to confront the doctor from India and they're going to talk and then the team is going to be mildly defeated and they're going to retreat. This is going to turn out he thought of scarier guys and this guy's imagination suck. Yeah, that might be. I, I have a feeling that they're just going to end up sending Hep back to the dimension. He's going to end up at the end going, I'll get you and start thinking up scare. <laughs> it's like, but here's the thing. Both of us just thought of something that really doesn't end up being much of a story. No. We haven't got much of a story. Because really, again, what is set up in this with the Philadelphia experiment, this other dimension, these thoughts that become reality, and oh my God, it's, it's intersecting in things. And it also is an aside. That's why I don't age anymore. I'm like, you're just throwing shit out there to just throw it out there, but fine. But with all of that, it, it would have been better if they continuously were going and stopping and grabbing these weapons, these things. That just kind of got lost in the shuffle up to this point. To now become dossier deal But like you said again One of the weird things about it This Taiga that they fought and killed Supposedly last issue Suddenly is then being named Dynamo, Dynamo. And is being healed to be a part of the. And it doesn't like what happened Like some of these things just aren't Connecting it feels weird So let's just jump back to like other thoughts I have Like about the series as a whole I feel like this series if DC is like 
really a continuation of the companies that have like combined to form DC. This feels like a real Wildstorm it series. It does feel Wildstorm. And I would like them to fight the Wildcats. And I would like them to interact with some of the other Wildstorm characters. You say that, Eric, who, you know, you're doing this in place of, all he wanted out of this was he wanted to have Vigil go against Stormwatch. That's all he wanted the whole time. He thought that this was the idea that you have a sus team in India. That's what he thought at that point was gathering these weapons. Like, we'll find out. He thought that this Sankarm, while they're going and grabbing this tech, he's pulling while you also have Stormwatch almost doing the same kind of thing, and they might yep. butt heads and then throw in Wildcats. As a, I even think I said at one point, it throw Wildcats in and have this whole thing converge with it because 100%, if you look at this book and team, if it doesn't remind you of an Indian Doom Patrol, which I think it does, but an Indian Darker Doom Patrol, Indian Doom Patrol. Can, and that can easily then transfer into a Wildstorm universe deal because it does feel Wildstorm. And I think that you could have Wildcats slash the deal. You could even have if this was a hit and kept going. You could even tie in things where the birds of prey come after them. You end up having a bunch of things that go on that would be pretty cool. I just I don't know if we're ever going to get it. And so, you know, you, you do get this castle little. You know, beginning, there's a dog being killed. It's a shame and things like that. But he's, oh, that was he a tough tell. way to start this Start this issue. Was the, he killed a dog. I was like, damn. Okay. And then Sankari comes to talk to him, recruiting him like he's recruited the others and says, hey, you see this? I could end up bringing back that. It's like Pet Cemetery out of nowhere. I can bring him back. Well, are you going to? Well, sometimes you can do things, but you don't. He actually goes with the dead is better from the Pet Cemetery, so he leaves it. But in the meantime, he says to Castle, but I can tell that you can tell things, you see connections, you see patterns, you can see things in the future, you can tell what's going on. And so that's why he relies on them. But by the end, the big play after all of this, which is a lot of flashbacks, a lot of dimension to show what the St. Karn is, created the team in his head. He didn't create Castle. Like we said earlier, Castle figures it out. And Castle actually is cool. He doesn't say it to the team. The team ends up, and they claim that the team might be disbanded, I've seen, but it seems like they're kind of going to say, well, I don't have anything else to do now, because you do have, you know, Arclight's like, this is bullshit. I love the idea that Arclight, because he's created in the mind, but he ends up having to deal with his daughter, and in my mind, right away, I'd think, did you also create my daughter so she died to set this, like, I'd be pissed, and he just ends up like, ah, I'm out, this is bullshit. So then you end up saying it doesn't know, dodges in family, you end up Castle, all these going on. But then the team walks away and then Castle says, hey, I know I wasn't created by you. I know that you didn't make me. That doesn't make sense because of all the things I know. I was created by Festus Hap, wasn't I? And he's like, yeah, I, that's the case. And then we see Festus like, now we're going to go after the team. I'm like, we got one issue left. Go on. But that's it. And it says to be concluded. Uh, and that's what it will be. But by the end, Concluded to set up a sword. Yeah, maybe. I, I like we said though, if if it sets up something, that's something we'll have to decide down the line. And if it is, I don't know that this sold well enough, and it'll be a shame because I do like the characters. I do think there could be a cool story. We just didn't get it yet. But what would be your score? Uh, I'm giving this one a six out of ten. I, I would. I, I mean, if it came out last week, I would probably have given it an eight. But because this week is so stacked, and at least part of like how I'm thinking about scoring is what else could you have bought with the money this week it's getting a six yeah i'm gonna go a six as well because of all the things 
that we've talked about, but we'll continue on with the book that is not a six. This, this book is not not a six. It's a nine. It is the, well, it's a three. It's a number three. Cyborg number three. Three for three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not. All right. Let me just let me just catch everybody up to speed on the brief of what happens in this issue. So, Cyborg breaks in. They get rid of the only moderately interesting thing they've done in the entire series, which is have Cyborg's dad in his head. They get rid of that in about two seconds. Cyborg has the most unengaging fight of the week, which is. Which is supposed to be one of his only real villains. Like, that's a cyborg villain. That might be one of the only, if not the only, cyborg villain. It's dispatched in two pages, at best. And then the other, the villain comes up, he explains himself, they talk, cyborg, like, frees the other people whose data, right? Their data has been taken by the, not the AI, which I need to add in. They spend about three to four pages, three and a half pages at the beginning of the issue explaining how this is not AI, but it's AI. And it's like, basically, yeah. they almost play the idea that they're saving spreadsheets that have you. It, it basically is all of a sudden, me and you break into Amazon, who has been gathering people's information every time you order something, because this isn't sick. They never set up the idea that these people who get their data take it. They're not dead. Their data is just stored. And I, I thought this was going so many other ways. Like, all they end up doing is actually work like a, uh, you know, a virus protection program that just out of nowhere saves the day by erasing the data that a company has collected. That's it. That's not a superhero story. It's a bullshit story. I don't understand how this is. Again, it's like Nord VPN, Nord Pass saying, hey, everybody, we just got your data. There might have been a data leak because of Google or uh, we stopped it. That's it. There's nothing in that. Me and Eric, before he ended up leaving, we got into so many arguments about is AI a person and can you just disconnect AI? I say you can because I don't want a robot apocalypse. But you end up like that. That It never gets to the next step to make it actually mean anything. Like that was a lot deeper of a question than Cyborg was even able to frame. And that's what we thought was going to come up. All you get this, you set up, right? You set up that it's this Marcus Wilcox. Even that, you knew this guy was the villain. It never changed. There was no twist. You end up having him where he developed this AI. It's not AI even. says It's data retrieval program through a earbud that's sus but you're getting people you're not and again i wanted to play out that whole south park deal i wish that they really spelled it out that they made the agreement that nobody ever reads oh yeah yeah like um human centipad that episode yeah that's it like we can't get in trouble because here's that one line that says we may collect data they just don't realize what data we collect you can even rip off Kingsman and then use the data to like make the people then go crazy to achieve your idea. And even then, like you're getting like if they got if you had an earbud, they're going to collect your data, which then is stored in their, you know, their virtual servers. But you're not really affected. They never really said on foot Silas died and then his AI. They even have a play where these I keep saying AI, but the data in computer banks it starts to climb on top of each other it gets sent it but it never makes sense none of this ever feels like oh man that's clever that it really i mean i hate to say it because it's such a base thing to say it is dumb it is dumb as hell i'm reading this i'm like i feel dumber 
reading this because I thought it was something else. And so when you have this play of, oh, my God, they even have Marcus Wilcox, the bad guy's data. But then at the point where it seems like that uploads into into a robot shell, but then you get Atlas, you don't get Silas, you get rid of everything that meant something. And then all you get in this is a lame-ass, shit-looking battle between Atlas and Cyborg. That is one of the basic bitch battles I've ever seen. I don't want to be too mean about this. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to be meaner about and it. And then you get Cyborg, who then goes, because we have a character out there that's never set up, you know, the lady podcast, you know, on the AI and fucking nonsense, you know, YouTuber. Who's yelling about Detroit? Detroit has to be better. Look at this, Detroit, Detroit. And then at the end, the cyber's like, "I need you. You're the only one I can trust." I'm like, "This book sucks." I go, "No," because that's the thing. Why isn't that all of a sudden people are acting weird? It's because you know you could go with the play of AI, but also the idea of data might be your spirit. This I don't know, but it's not really do it. Like when they say. We're going to free everyone. They're just getting rid of their data. Like, this is the idea of where I live and what I think. And because it's there with you all the time when you're nothing, none of it makes sense. None of it has any weight. None of it is ever set up. The villain feels like he's like on tier with like, I'm using massive like quotations when I say the villains of our world, just billionaires. He just feels like the average billionaire with a it's just, this is not even an evil... Cyborg's not stopping a bad guy. Cyborg's stopping a morally gray... Individual. Yeah, because really, again, this is like finding out that Amazon was gathering your info. Yeah, but like when we say that most of the times about comic books, we mean like, yeah, but like the evil version of Amazon. But like, no, this is this is just Jeff Bezos. And and remember, when they when Amazon is taking your info, you know, when people get upset because they shouldn't be able... All they're going to do with that is be able to push some advertisements to you, sell your info to companies so that they can, you know, send you things. You know, it, it, it's a thing that is intrusive, but again, it is just a bunch of bullcrap and they shouldn't be able to do it. In a comic book world, when you have this, this should be able to then have me as myself, like, fall over. I'm in a coma now because they have my data. They're going to make things. I don't even know what really they're doing by the end with this. They end up where, yeah, you have a shell that you're going to go and it's the idea of living forever. I'm guaranteeing you right now, just you, you think for yourself here of this. If they ended up announcing, listen, we'll be able to collect your data digitally. And then when you die, we'll be able to put you in a shell and you could live for, I think a lot of people might be for that. But yet they're doing it, but not doing it. Never. Th- it's there's nothing here. There's no story. It's such a lame ass nothing. I don't. Every time I'm like, okay, so the villain, what is he gonna do? Like get uh, you know, What's the focused advertisements here? to you? Is he gonna? Because you don't really find out anything. And really, what he's doing doesn't really harm the person physically or mentally. It just ends up getting their data. And so, yeah, he may be able to like the. It's so ridiculous. The idea that he might be able to set up an army of robots, right? It almost feels like because you want to make this into a comic booky villain. Oh, he's but he doesn't need to collect my data to do that. He just gets a get a robot army. You don't This is this is the most complicated way to make a robot army that's yeah. on tier with the other yeah. evil robot armies. It's like a robot army with eight million extra steps when you just get a robot army. 
or you get your like usually in this the bad guy like this marcus wilcox he'll just get his ai and i'll say ai because it should be and then just use all these robots with that one thing that one set goal it's mainly clones things that's what's that's what's kind of implied at the end yeah but then why is he collecting the other data that's the that's the crazy thing that where the extra steps are they have so many people's data now the data kind of gets sending and it's trying to climb itself out it's making plans you got money but at the end it really does feel like he wants to live forever in a robot thing but we didn't even get the idea that he says like where is it where he says to silas listen i have this idea this one guy actually like his big idea ends up being like pretty much a bathtub like they, they make that fun was of funny that. That, that was that was a rare part of this comic that was good because that was funny yeah, where is it where this Marcus Wilcox comes up and says, I have an idea and I need to present it now and I hope that you like it because I, I have to tell you right now, I have a disease and I will die in a year. So we find out, okay, that's why he's doing it. He wants to live forever. He's sick. He's doing this, but this is the way. And he needs Silas's money to get this plan and whatnot. But by the end, like I said, it's just data. <laughs> and it allowed Silas to kind of – because – this whole play was that data from Silas escaped himself. The data escaped and made its own little deal to then go to Silas. It's bullshit. But you go, well, what are your points? Because this, there's one point. It's between my legs. <laughs> this is nonsense. All right. My problems with this series. First off, every part of this feels like it's straight out of the ultimate Marvel line, which is that Because not only is this a different company, those came out about 20 years ago. Another thing is the action in this series has been non-existent to flat. Another one is it's this is the panel layouts are fucking boring. The colors are boring. All the dialogue is boring. Yeah, uh, it's, it's boring. Fucking, they haven't mentioned anything going on in the rest of the DC universe, and until like we get to understand where this takes place in the story, this is a pointless story. Um, it's adding another fucking Lex Luthor light character. Like we don't have enough fucking rich smart guys in this universe. We need another one. We need another one on top of that that makes evil robots. And then at another point in this series, we had somebody talking to somebody in somebody's head, which just means they just gave this guy the book on DC tropes, and they were like, "Here you go. This is what you're writing right now." And he just kind of turned it in. So, this is the problem too, and. It's. I think that it's obvious, and I think you'll agree. When we get to that Atlas fight, which is so lame, that's just because some editor said, you need some action. You haven't had any action. So all he did was look up and say, oh, shit, Cyborg really doesn't have a lot of villains, but this is one. And even to introduce that, you end up having this Marcus Wilcox who says, oh, yeah, you know, at the Solace Corporation, which this whole thing is, he's like, yeah, I actually got atlas because i wanted to use him in my kind of robot deal on the show but he's not that good at that so i ended up making him security voila you fight him there's no reason for him to be there he just shows up it's the one villain that morgan hampton was able to grab and they just have a lame pretty much generic fight scene because you need to have some action in this book eventually but you can't do it that lame it is lame it's so bad that even the art kind of feels like it even gets like more cartoony less backgrounds as it went and things like that like it was just added in and it just is it, it's abysmal this is also uh, one of the few books on the dc publishing schedule right now where 
one of my big positives for the book. Like for almost every DC book that's come out, it's one of the positives for me is the art has been the super consistent. The art is consistent. usually pretty good at DC, yeah. Since I God agree. of DC, man, the art has been all eights and tens, except Cyborg. And now Fire and Ice Smallville, but that one gets like a, a children's book pass for me. Yeah, that has that has more of a younger deal. Like that might be going more with the flavor of what they're trying to tell. So at least you have this, but this is nothing. And and at points, it's Tom Rainey's art, it doesn't even look like that at some points. I even went and I'm looking like, was there somebody else who filled in? Because it really looked like at one point, I know. And so when I'm going through it, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, when we talk about things, we, we talk about visual. We're a little upset and, you know, that we're not getting a full story. But we're getting something. We're getting something, even us saying that hopefully it continues because there is the building blocks of a team. We just need a story. There's a building blocks of a substantial part of the, like, not a substantial and you could, part. And you're even, like, saying this could be a Wildcats thing. That'd be cool. Like, you're already thinking of things that it could fit in and do. Not here. <laughs> the the idea I mean, of this, it's like, it's like they oh, my God. another rich guy. It brings Atlas back out. This just kills the hope of a good Cyborg series. But this also just proves to me, like, X-Men does this sometimes. But sometimes there's a character who's really ingrained into being on a team and they were made to be on a team. They don't really do much else. And Cyborg's like, you say you add a rich guy. Uh, I think that what happened here is I believe he might have killed himself, though he didn't need to. But the weird play at the one scene, you end up having Cyborg and him yelling at each other. Cyborg is going to leave. And you see this guy get punched in the mouth, right? He ends up getting smacked. It's not by Cyborg. It's by one of the other crazy robots around. If you look at the hand, I think that what they're doing here is you're going to find a dead body. That's going to be Marcus Wilcox. You're going to end up blaming that on Cyborg because Cyborg was there. So now he's going to be wanted for murder. Well, in fact, Wilcox had already made it so that his data is going to live on in that robot, you know, body. So it, that's, it's, uh, uh, that's exactly end, what's going to happen. And, and then at the end, boring. they're just going to shut it down. <laughs> like, like, Or he'll get away or you'll have a, a computer blip or something. But pretty much by the end, I think this is in, out, done. But when you look at a book and you think, boy, don't it, you see, it's, you know, some of these books are hitting hard. This book could come out 10 years ago, it could come out 10 years from now, it could come out now and it doesn't make any lick of difference, there's nothing that connects it like you said and then at the end where you have to at least in some books think, why are they doing this book? Oh, Blue Beetle? Has, well, there's a movie and they want some hype there. You know you get fire and ice and things like that they have that little, okay, we want to go young adult look. Like, some books have to have at least some sort of idea of uh, why they exist this does not, this is like we haven't had a cyborg book. Well, actually, I'll go. We haven't had a cyborg book fail in a while. Let's get that going again because they always fail anyway. And here it is. And this one is a dud. This one is so bad. It's so bad. I think that for the most part, he should just be on the, the Titans team and go with that. I think that that's where he suits better. And then, you know, develop a story through that that might actually be able to cut off into his own book, maybe even develop some villains that way. But I don't know. They just, they struggle. I don't think anybody has a story to tell beyond more machine than man. My dad's a dick. Even this looked like it was trying to get away with it, you know, or away from that, at least with Silas. But then you just end up, that was just a, a, a prop. There's nothing here. There's nothing to be seen, heard, or done. And it's all false flat. But what would be your score? 
I'm giving Cyborg uh, fresh two. Yeah, I think I'm going three. And I think I'm being generous. Two and a three. <laughs> it's not our book of the week. It's pretty bad. But we'll go off. We have one more book. You'll like what we're going. We're going to finish up with, with Hawkgirl. We're doing that next. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a great book. Yeah. It's such a great ending to the podcast, but we'll be back with that in just a second. All right, and here we are with the final book, and indeed it is Hawkgirl, Hawkgirl number three. And with all of that, the lucky person who gets oh to record boy. the Hawkgirl review is Zach. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? I don't know if I'm lucky. Yeah, I, I want to just remind or tell everybody, it's not reminding, it's telling everybody that if you think Hawkgirl is a bad book, imagine... Me and Zach now on our third attempt to record a review because we ended yeah. up doing this and we keep having some technical problems. And it's like, really? Like on this book, we have to go talk about it again. So you're going to get the abridged version here. There were other versions of screaming and yelling. Maybe those will come out as a director's cut someday. But we end up having Hawkgirl number three. It's written by Jadzia Axelrod, drawn by Amon K. Napolon, colored by Adriana Lucas, lettered by Asan Atsame El Hal, edited by Christy Quinn. And Dave Wild goes, and this is the thing that I've told you numerous times now is where you end up having this book and the big play is to make fun of it is that it's more of a galaxy book than a Hawkgirl book. And it has been this issue kind of gets away from that slightly, which made people say that this is the best one of the series. It still might be, but I think that the problem or at least what's happening here. I don't know that a lot of people know a lot of the background of Kendra Saunders. Hawk girl. I don't know a ton. I learned a lot through Eric and things that we have done. But also with that, the background timeline, it's all convoluted. It's all over the place. Venditti was able to give us the definitive version of Hawkman, but in that centered on Hawkman, Carter Hall and Shire Hall. So you end up having that, which leaves Kendra on the side. And most people, when they announce the Hawk girl book, yeah, well, well, why aren't we getting a Hawk woman? A lot of people don't know the difference between you know, Shaira, Kendra, and the whole timeline and the whole reincarnation, things like that. So I think that Jedzea Axelrod gets a little bit of leniency here because people don't quite know what she is and isn't doing, right? Yeah, there's, uh, there's even a point in this issue where uh, Kendra, she freaks out, you know, yelling at this guy, and she's having this moment where she's like, treating him like he's Carter or me like, Oh, you replaced me with a white version. You know, that's a, and when I was reading that, it just, it felt very much like she was also talking to the fans, you know, like one of those moments where it's met, it was like, Oh, people confuse Hulk girl with Hulk woman and their history and everything like that. It felt like she was calling us out over it. What do you think? Now here's the problem. And, and again, at one point, and that's some of the things that Jed say, is going to go and say that Kendra's going to get mad saying all the men in her life have been awful. You've always told me what I am. I am. I'm not whatnot, which that's not the case. If you've read any sort of things, this is all completely made up. And Jedzea, in my mind, with Galaxy inserting herself into the book and, and trying to make something out of Kendra that isn't. But the idea that Kendra goes off and says in a way that she's thinks she's yelling at Carter saying, you left me for a white woman. That is completely and just that, that's it, it, it borders on disgusting of what she's doing. And, and it's, there's no place for it in this book. And it doesn't make any fucking sense because here's the deal. Shaira being the white version that she says, this was in the Venditti book that they ended up fixing the timelines and the reincarnations. And yes, Carter's with Shaira. Before that, though, you ended up having Kendra with Carter, but that kind of got taken out by Infinite Crisis, not by Carter and just. As you said, because we were talking about this idea, the Venditti book with Shaira, right? The problem with this is 
at that moment, and even before that book came out, Kendra was with Martian Manhunter and even had a six-dimensional kid with him. This is not the idea of what Jadzea seems to think in her mind, that, oh, when Venditti made that book, it threw Kendra to the side, I'm going to kick you to the curb, and I'm going to take the wake. It's nothing to do with that. There's even reincarnations involved in this that make it even less of a thing, and yet that's what we get from this. We get Kendra actually saying, you left me behind for a white woman version of it. Uh, it, Fuck you. Fuck you for even suggesting that and even trying to cause this ruckus that wasn't there. And there's where I really, really got upset about this because, again, you have a character. Don't sit there and use this character to rail on whoever the fuck you want to rail on. Do the character properly and elevate the character so people will like her going forward. Don't sit there and do your bullshit. And your nonsense. There you go. And now I'm again for the third time. I'm coming to punch you in the face, Zach. I'm going to come down to the Carolinas because I can't. Hit it. It's just ridiculous. And and here's the other thing. This is just a little hint for Jed Zay Axelrod. Learn to write a fucking story before you start doing that nonsense. This story is convoluted as fuck, and it's terrible. There you go. We the haven't end. even mentioned. We haven't even mentioned the time <laughs> travel. My score is this, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we don't even know what the fuck's going on. The first page, you end up having Ava Diaz, a character that was briefly mentioned in the first issue of the series as somebody who had been murdered, where Kendra ended up bringing it up to Batman as a way to get gotcha. I know more than you, Batman, but never said anything. This seems like now where all of a sudden Ava Diaz is this big part of the book that, oh my God, I, I love the idea that what happens is you see Ava Diaz being buried. Perpecula comes to this guy, Farlane, hugs him, holds his hand. Then we go 40 years back to see that this kid was being bullied in a pool. Perpecula says, what do you want? He says, power. And then in the present, Ava Diaz is alive. What is her nickname? Power? Because this is, again, we don't know what's happening. And they're playing with a change of timelines. Now, when we get to that part, we could just throw this all out here. Because this issue is bullshit. The idea... That Batman doesn't remember Ava Diaz, and that causes a it, it causes Kendra to lose her mind. What are you saying? I'm crazy. You think I'm a, who would remember Ava Diaz anyway? I know that Batman remembers things, so that's what you're playing with. But it's Ava Diaz. We don't even know who this person is, and you're like, I can't believe somebody forgot Ava Diaz died. Really? Like nobody who's <laughs> reading this book probably nobody even remembers who Ava Diaz was mentioned before. So I guess that's the timeline shift and not awful writing. Spoiler, it's awful writing. But yeah, so all this hinges on this guy, Farlane, who made a deal with Verpecula. He runs a company. He ends up having Bruce Wayne come to apply for a job, but then he ends up seeing an nth metal feather on his desk. He ends up scanning that while Ava Diaz is mentioned, but this guy also has a, a way that he talks to people. And one of his big things is to say, I know who you are. It's fucking it is annoying. So annoying. It's so, it is so it's annoying. So annoying. And it it's only there just so he could say that to Hulk Girl, so she can have her whole like, I know who I am, even though the past two issues she's been curled in a ball on the floor not knowing who she is. Like it's just it comes out of nowhere, like, oh, I suddenly know who I am. And it's just like, how? What have you I done? Love the fact too. Yeah. And and in that and in that you end up having her get mad and see Carter, you know, and you have to do that because legitimately at that point it's a villain 
who doesn't know Kendra. Kendra doesn't know him. He's turned into a living owl beast and then just uses this thing. I know who you are. If it's me, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like you're an owl guy. Yeah. Like what do I care? But she it triggers her, and then it makes name. her think of Carter. Yeah, and such a convoluted deal to then just everything's forced. Now forced is we go to Gotham. We go to Gotham because this book sells like shit. Nobody cares about it, and you have to get Batman in. You had Jadze Axelrod being very proud of herself. Hey, I'm not going to have any of those lame Hawkman villains in here. I'm going to make my own villains. We're not going to have Hawkman. We're not going to have Shire. They're not going to be in this book because it's all about Hawkgirl. And then she grabs Galaxy and makes it a lot. But in this, you go to Gotham. We get the Court of the Owls. Why can't we get classic Hawkgirl and Hawkman villains? You didn't want to do that. But yet we get Court of the Owls and they are just thugs. They're mooks. They end up just there for fodder. They get beaten up and the the Court of the Owls should be bigger than that, though a lot of people do play that. Galaxy takes them down so freaking easily. Yeah, like she just shuts their energy off with the Electrum. And I'm like, what? Also, you end up where I don't think that Jedzei Axelrod understands that they are legitimately dead, brought back to life zombies. Uh, you know, you're playing with that. I don't know if they're alive or dead, so I better not do No, No, they're pretty killing machines that have been dead. But yeah, even that Batman ends up in this change of timeline that doesn't make sense and Verpecula just there. And in this Verpecula doesn't seem to be that concerned with Nth Metal. Suddenly she just seems to be the right hand gal of this fair lane because you end up having this team up Batman galaxy and Kendra go into this big ball, start busting heads, court of the owls show up. And then all of a sudden this fair lane turns into an owl again, we saw things going on with these monkey paws. Most of the people ended up turning into something relative to what their wish was that ended up. They didn't, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's, that sort of thing. And the monkey paw. But in here, because we have Court of the Owls, Repecula just says, voila, you're a giant owl. And you tech. And I'll tell you, somebody uh, give me a progression of that fucking mace because the mace, Kendra doesn't have it at one point. She does at another point. Then all of a sudden you end up having it in the hand of the owl Fairlane, then Kendra has it back again, and then for Fairlane to grab it from her, it's all over the place. And all of that is, and we talked about this before, that mace is something that is really, really tough to pick up, but maybe an owl creature can do it. But you end up having Verpecula then suddenly show a power that she can turn herself into multiple man. She's a million versions. Batman's yelling at her. And now Kendra in this owl fight. But then through that, you end up seeing this fight of you're actually Carter and I hate you. And you ended up telling me what to do. This is not the case. It's it's it, this is revisionist history by a writer who hates these characters and shouldn't be writing them. That's all it is. You can find better things. This is where I talk about all these things going where you have a character here. Why are you trying to make me hate her? Why are you trying to make me just I'm not getting an idea where I really love this Kendra Saunders Hawk girl because, yeah, she gets miserable, curls up in the fetal position and yells at everybody and says that they're all bullshit. I mean, this is fun. This is the funnest comic I've ever had in my life. And all of that going on, there's no reason for them to be in Gotham. There is nothing. There's nothing they get from it. By the end of this, they just leave because somehow this owl guy, Fairlane, he just dissolves and crumbles. I, it's 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 terrible. And then afterwards, you end up having Verpecula's like, yep, I'm glad to be back in Metropolis because that Gotham was bullshit. 
that's all you get. And then just uh, icing on the shit cake. Right. And I'm sorry, I'm just yelling now because I'm trying to get through so we don't end up being disconnected yeah. again. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Record again. But isn't that you end up where Batman is here for no reason whatsoever, except where Galaxy then starts talking his fucking ear off with she the is, bah, 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 she's bah, as and then annoying says, as far I don't lane. think I belong. Batman wants her to get the fuck away from him. He goes, you belong. Now leave me alone. And then she goes off. Did you hear that? Batman said I belong. Oh, my God. And then they go off. And what did we get from this? What did we learn? What did we find out? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, in that you see, like, what happens now with Ava Diaz? She's now not a murder victim, but she's now working for somebody who's dead. That company's going to (laughs) fight. But that's just left behind. There, there's no deal. There's nothing going on. And the Ava Diaz was bullshit. Yeah, I guess she's the CEO now. She gets the power. And then <laughs> just out of nowhere, Alicia's like, hey, I, I offered you guys some food, yeah. but I'm closed now. But I'll open up and we'll have this picadillo with a lot of olives. All right. And then Kendra's yeah. like, all right, look, I'm smiling. I am better now and I'm going to text my friend that I ended up treating kind of badly and say that I'm glad that you know I'm me. Voila, bada bing. Let's go back to Metropolis and maybe get a story. But this is bullshit. Nothing. The art's good. The story is it, the story. There's things about a bad story where I, we talked about the cyborg story just before this, where it was just a nothing story. Now, this jumps through hoops. To, to confuse people. This ends up having twists that the twist is, hey, I'm just going to throw shit in here and you'll just have to go with it. And a lot of people are reading this series who have never read anything with Kendra, anything with Talk yep, This will end up being their definitive version of a character. And this is not anything of this character. This is not anything. Just the idea where she is playing it off as just Kendra has been abused and treated poorly. Kendra has been in love with Roy Harper at one point. They had a big romance, was with Carter until the infinite crisis. And just like I said earlier, she has actually been almost married to Marsha Manhunter and had a six dimensional kid, Shane. And so all that is nothing of what is being portrayed here in a bullshit book. That is, it's just a story that Jadzia Axelrod that is coming up in her fan fiction mind to throw on the page and just annoying me. That's what it is all about. Annoying me. And I don't even care that much about that. Like, this is a character Eric loves. I'm getting mad because I think he would get mad. I get mad for everybody. Yeah, there you go. What do you think of it? <laughs> After I yelled for yeah, no, it's, it's it's bad. No, it's yeah, you're right. No, it's bad. Uh, I had a few things that I wanted to like about it, but now uh, just like I, I wanted to like. There's a couple lines there. Okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to like the scene where she's like, come on, Batman, trust me. We've worked together before. Surely you can see the timeline shift. But also she does overreact to it too. And be like, no, you don't believe me. Why don't you fucking believe me? And it's like, calm down. Like, you know, he can't, he don't have the same advantage you do. Yeah. She's like going to yell, stop bat splaining to me. It's like, why in a word? Like, here's the thing as well. Like me coming up to anybody, I could go to my most trusted friend or family and say to them, hey, I think that you guys are crazy and the timeline shift. And they, I know this is a comic book universe, but Batman's going to like he's got to look into it a bit. Hey, maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe that's not the case. And she just like the idea that she gets mad at Batman for not trusting her about a timeline change 
is more bullshit than her not calming down and letting Batman think about it and maybe investigate. That's not something that you can just say, oh, well, that must be. And yeah. what they end up doing here, uh, Axelrod ends up making it that Galaxy is the one that solves it by saying, oh, it, it must be the nth metal that does this, that does this, that changes timelines and things like that, that she's able to see it. But that doesn't really make any damn sense. You're making up rules to fight off your fucking bullshit writing that you pay. It, it's, it's just bad. This is I, way, way over the top awfully written issue with no setup no ending like character work it's just the same old same old and it's made up shit that doesn't make sense and even what we've seen in the series at points and it's just it's bad it is bullshit i i hate to have a, a thing where i'm yelling because i'm really yelling at you zach really? I'm, I'm not yelling really about yelling any, anything but i'm yelling <laughs> right at you and now you're taking the brunt of it it's your fault Okay. All of this, but yeah, well, we got through it. I'm telling you, uh, the the first two times that we talked about this, we actually had like more of a discussion of the page to page stuff. But like I said, we got so I just wanted everybody to know that I'm angry about this, and you're just as angry. You just don't yell like me. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep calm. My family's upstairs, and... and my family's right in the next room, and they they're used to this shit. So yeah, you you just get nothing, and then at the end, Repecula's there with Maureen. You know, Maureen. And says, oh, man, we're back in Metropolis. I love that, that she ends up being like her big plan just got completely obliterated. She doesn't care because why would she? Because it was bullshit. Nothing. It's like the fight with the croc gang earlier. You had that where they're (laughs) quipping and joking because it does not matter. It's not even a real fight. You're just there to tell jokes. So at the end. Perpecula doesn't even say, boy, that was a shame. I thought that would work. Or, man, that took a lot of time wasted. Nope, she's there and says, Gotham was fun, but it's nice to be back in Metropolis, wouldn't you say? So many glittering buildings. So she just says, that was a fun time that I got defeated, but didn't. And even then, Batman is chasing her. She just gets away. Just gets away. Bullshit. What would you give this? I will probably give it a three. I was originally going to give it a four, but yeah, just, you know, after three times trying to record this and talk about it with you and just you getting angrier and angrier at me, I'm just going to go with a three because, I mean, the art's good. The art, the art, the, the art is amazing. Like, I'm okay. Nahopan, great. I love, uh, what, what's his, what's the color wrist name? What's his name? Yeah, this is a beautiful book in terms of art, but in terms of writing, it's bullshit. It's Adriana Lucas. Hey, thank you. Yes, Adriana Lucas. I, I love him as a colorist. I love him on action comics. I love him on all the other books. You know, he does really good colors. It's just, it's a shame they're wasted on bullshit like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck your chicken sticks. I, I'm a two. I'm a two. And, and in that I'm a, t- it just, I'm a two and I give the art a four. So there you go. Yeah. That, that just shows you. Yep. Shut the fuck up. I just, this is so bad. It's not my book of the week. So there you go. No. We got through it. It's still, we still got the rant and rave for a while, but that, that is it. Thank you for joining me once again, Zach. No problem. We Thank will you. end up picking some better books later and maybe get through the deal. But uh, I'm going to go off and say what my book of the week is and give you a little heads up of what's coming up next week, right about now. All right, my book of the week is Superman number six by Joshua Williamson. I got to talk about that with John Wayne, and me and John ended up making that pack. That if Joshua Williamson ends up breaking our heart once again, we're going to dock him two points on every score of every book he ever does again. And also, maybe we'll, you know, cry in our Cheerios or something. Uh, but 
that is my book of the week. I thought it was really good. A little special shout out to my favorite book every time it comes out, Superman versus Meshi. Me and Luke Hollywood love that. But here are the books that we're going to talk about next week, and there are tons of books. So unless Eric decides this is the week he comes back, we will have tons of co-hosts. And that's something that is exciting and fun and new, just like The Love Boat, right? Exciting and new. But here they are. Two of these books will be on the Patreon Spotlight. Two of those books will be picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh -uh. And if you want to listen to the Spotlight show that comes out now each and every Wednesday night, kind of, you end up going to Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, and you get to listen to that each and every week. But also, you get a ton of other shows and a ton of other shows that I end up doing with a lot of the co-hosts that you've been hearing the last bunch of weeks, maybe even a month by now. I'm not really sure. I think it's been over a month. But yeah, you get to hear a ton of shows, a lot of stuff, Walking Dead podcast. You got the Oblivion Song podcast, a Miller World podcast, all of the Mark Miller books, all of these things, and even more, way more. But one of the big things, as we always talk about, is that weekly spotlight. And I have a feeling I know what two books will be on that, and we'll go through these. Action Comics number 1057, and some of these books getting back to it after Night Terrors, you got to sit there and scratch your head. I wonder what that one was about, huh? But I think I do remember that we have the, obviously, Philip Kennedy Johnson story, the main story in Action Comics. We also have Dan Jurgens doing that back in the day, Young John story, where he is being taken prisoner on a crazy planet. And also we have Mags Visaggio, not a big fan of, heard a lot of sus things as well, but they're doing a Nora Stone deal and i i wish actually it was a nora jones story because i like nora jones i actually think that nora jones kind of got pushed aside a little because some people might have equated her as just another sarah mclaughlin but we all know there's only one sarah mclaughlin right but there's also only one nora jones but i did like nora jones i remember the song come away with me i believe is what it was called i do believe that's what it was called <laughs> And yes, maybe we'll even have a Nora Jones podcast someday, but I don't think that's going to be on the spotlight. Oh, my. See, I'm playing this game. The next, it claims Gabe said earlier that Batman Catwoman, the Gotham War Red Hood number one isn't coming out, but I see it on my list here. So again, I think Gabe is completely sus. And by the way, did you know? I'm not even going to get into it. Batman Catwoman, the Gotham War Red Hood number one, Matthew Rosenberg. Not looking forward to that. The setup of Oh, my God, Batman, what did you do to me? I'm thinking, I, I don't really want to know. I mean, all we saw was Batman knock out Jason Todd. I looked. His pants were still on, so I don't think it got that crazy, but who knows? But, yeah, that'll be there. That might be on the side, don't think. That's going to be on the spotlight. Ooh-wee. The next one, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, number five. I didn't do number four. I've done a couple number twos in the past like three hours that I didn't end up doing number four. That was the week that Eric ended up stepping away. And it was such a huge book that it's tough to go through by yourself. I'm going to try to get it back in. I believe that this ends the Tom King story that seemingly was delayed for months, but maybe we'll see, but we'll see, but I don't think that's going to be 
on the spotlight either. Detective Comics number 1074, back to Ram V. I mean, seriously, it's always back to Ram V because the story is taking five years to tell. I believe that I'm going to actually have to leave in my will to maybe my grandkids, who aren't even born yet, the idea of I leave to you the continuation of reading Ram V's story about the Orgums, because that shit is not ending anytime soon. No time soon. So everybody put that in your will. But I don't think that is going to be on the spotlight. I, I, I know that people are probably annoyed, but it's making me giggle every time I do that. I don't know why. Flash number one. Oh, boy. That's going to be on the spotlight. I guarantee it. I guarantee that you're going to get Seisberger's Flash number one, the start of what hopefully is a good run. And I think that I might be running from it, right? I do not like Cy Spurrier one bit. He gets a little bit flowery with the narration, a little too much narration, a lot of weird dialogue, and he thinks he's smarter than everyone in the room. The funny thing is he's there by himself, and he still isn't. No, that's just a joke. I know that some people do like Cy Spurrier, and I call them sucks. I ended up this week, and this is a little bit of a tie-in that actually is, you know, kind of good advertising, I think. We started up our Marvel Comics podcast, so if you're actually reading and enjoying the DC podcast, but also want to enjoy some Marvel stuff, also in a way, because this whole play of multiple guest hosts is what inspired me to do it the same way over at the Marvel deal. We started last week with two books, but this week we added a bunch more, but one of them is me and Jason. Talking about Cy Spurrier's Uncanny Spider-Man You know the book that everybody down at the rec center Was clamoring for Nightcrawler as Spider-Man I mean that's what everybody always Is yelling about They finally did it They finally did it But just as like I said A Cy Spurrier book But the big play is that we do have A Marvel Comics podcast again And it'd be cool if everybody listened to it Maybe even left us a review On the Apple podcast And things like that while I'd like you to do that for this podcast as well. I'll put in the show notes. You can click over to that one. The next book, and like I said, Flash number one, I guarantee that that's going to be one of the spotlight books. The next one is Green Arrow number four, back to Joshua Williamson. And it was kind of a weird play. I still think that you got to get the synergy down a little. Green Arrow stuck in the kind of dimensional, maybe multiverse deal. Connor, you end up Leanne. But yet in the Birds of Prey, he's just hanging in bed. One of those is more comfortable than the other. And spoiler alert, it's not the bed. Get it? I don't know what I'm saying. Harley Quinn number 32, speaking of not knowing shit on shit, that book sucks. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find somebody to talk about that book with me. If that's the case, maybe. Just maybe I'll go solo, just like Jenny. Jenny from Blackpink, she she went solo. That 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 is her, you know, her solo song as well. Just to let you know, Eric, I'd be dry. I know I'm driving him nuts now, and he's not even listening. But yeah, I I don't know. Teeny Howard, it's tough to take a lot of Teeny Howard, but that Harley Quinn book sucks, sucks. The next one, here we go. This is going to be the other book that's on the spotlight. I guarantee it. It's Power Girl number one, Leah Williams. Spinning a yarn, spinning her magic, if you will. Not quite as magical as Nora Jones or Jenny from Blackpink, but still trying to do the job. But 
who does anybody think this book is going to be good? Because if you do, I actually applaud you. You're a nice person with an optimistic look on life. That is not me, and I think the book's going to suck. But boy, I have a couple, a couple of parody songs that'll go good with that. So I think though, right there, I'm going to make the call fully that I think that the spotlight on the Patreon will be Power Girl number one and Flash number one. So if you want to hear that, go to patreon.com slash weird science and sign up, even if you have to just get a week for free. Yes, everybody, a free trial is what it's called, but don't act yet. You can also get, well, nothing else, but you can get that free trial and listen to things. Also, Spirit World number five. Oh, my. I'm sure I'll be able to find somebody. I know that Aiden's reading that he might get stuck with something along those lines we also have tales of the titans number three that is steve orlando i believe doing a donna troy story steve orlando is always fun always fun to have old stevie boy back on the rotation and yeah we'll see and i think i'm trying to get stork to do that with me because i think it would drive him nuts we also have the penguin number two tom king's book last issue that we did was a patreon spotlight me and simon talked about that we didn't love it hopefully this one will get better and to finish all of this off we have another simon book unstoppable doom patrol number six. Oh, number six that means this many oh it's not over what, what oh they added an extra issue because dennis culver is telling nothing of a story okay i get it I'm talking to the voice in my head right now. Thank you, voice in my head. I really do appreciate you telling me about the Unstoppable Doom Patrol and throwing shit at Dennis Culver. Oh, what's that you say? You call him Denny Colvert? I think I do, too. I think he might be French-Canadian. Thank you, voice in my head. And that is it. That is it for the podcast. All of us are going to bed now because I am tired. And that's that. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for everybody who ended up joining me taking their free time to actually help me out while Eric has stepped away. Please show them all the love you can by going to the show notes and clicking on all those clickable links to click to there and clack to there. Do it all. Support them. I do. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. You're all in the Get Fresh crew. Earn y'all a bunch of weirdos, and that's it. So I will talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.